Hello, Legionnaires, and welcome to episode 122 of RPG Digest. In segment one of this live stream formatted podcast, we provide first look introductions or deep dive read throughs of tabletop role playing games. Today, of course, is going to be Mutant Chronicles. In segment two, we provide overviews, fundamentals, and the occasional how to system settings and the mechanics of various tabletop RPGs, which will be Mage the Ascension. That's right, not this awakening crap Ascension. Of course, We'll spice the segments up with our own thoughts, experiences, and opinions. I am John Maxley-Oshlo, your favorite curmudgeon, critic, and judge. Along with me, as usual, is the result of bending reality with too much vulgar magic. <laughs> Brett, heathen dog Grissomer. How are you today, sir? Well, my, my digestive system is not reversed, so I'm okay. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> oh, talking about that. Uh-oh, here he comes. I still have Kyle. Hey, look at that. This is all the notes from your game that you ran for Mage uh, for, for, for Kyle. I still have it 25 years later. Yeah, that's great. So, ha, is it, does Dirk still exist? I bet you no. Know. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. But uh, yeah, so uh, let's see, my week. Um, I got a haircut yesterday. Haircut. Okay. And uh, my wife got sick, so... The moment she came home, like, I'm, I'm not feeling well. I'm like, oh, I can't have that. So I immediately started taking Sudafed and Tylenol and all that stuff every morning, every evening to pop, pop a couple pills just to make sure I don't get the sore throat anymore. And I still got a little bit of a sore throat on Thursday, but uh, I just kept medicating and pushed through. And here I am ready to go. We'll see about oh. that. And, uh, <laughs> Everyone doesn't know. I, t I told you, but everyone doesn't know. Uh, February 19th, I will not be here. You have to come up with something for that day. Yes. Some sort of overview. Gamer tithe. Gamer tithe indeed. Thank you I'm very much. I'm going to get a damn Pope hat. <laughs> <laughs> I will be in Florida visiting Cthulhu Law. If you don't know who Cthulhu Law is, look through our back catalog for the Legion of Myth live stream. He had a couple of segments that he was on. Take some notes. Well, okay. <laughs> Max Liao is is very affected by 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 people who are generally monotone and uh, and use you know fifteen cent words just for funsies. No, it's not the fifteen cent words. He just sounded like NPR to me. He had good information. It was just like That's, listening to an NPR show. <laughs> yeah, he has a master's degree in philosophy. He has a he has a lawyer degree, and he he teaches. Uh, so he mastered in bullshit and evil. Okay. Yes, and now he <laughs> teaches it to children. <laughs> Oh, three drams of quintessence. We're going to, like it, like I said, it's an overview. If you want uh, an in-depth, a more in-depth magical discussion, well, not discussion, but, you know, video, there is an old Legion Myth live stream video that mm -hmm. uh, Max can find later and put into the description. And I can put it into the chat right now. Philosophy is nothing but a bunch of bullshit that people throw at a wall and whatever gets people you know, hard, all of a sudden that's what becomes philosophical. Most of philosophy is just nonsense. It's brainstorming. <laughs> what if, what if we're actually in the dream world and when we're dreaming, that's when we're alive. Shut up. <laughs> There's the link to the old video. 
like I said, we're, we're, we're going over high level concepts, how generally magic is used and how fun it is for both the, uh, both the game, both the storyteller and the player, because it actually allows the player a greater illusion of agency. It's still not real agency because you should never give players agency. That's awful. <laughs> it's just recipe for disaster. But, uh, it forces them to think about their character during the week between your game sessions. So they get, they get more involved in it. And uh, before they know it, they're, they are deeper into your story just because they're, they're more attached to their character. So it's tricking them into agency, which I love. Okay. Well, we'll cover more of that in segment two. So I forgot. What am I talking about? So oh, action and combat and damage. Yeah. And what about your week though? What happened this week for you? I don't know, dude. Like last I remember, I was streaming on the Friday night show stream, and then before that, I was streaming that. Oh, um, oh, I went to the doctor this week, got a health checkup. Um, blood pressure's down like fifteen or seventeen points, so that's good. Also, good. Uh, weights up like six pounds. That's not good. <laughs> that's not, hey, I wasn't called fat this year though, so you know. Uh, last year, and my doctor, she's as she's as wide as she is tall, so she doesn't get to call me fat. She's right. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, last year she called me fat. This year, this year she did not um but uh, no haven't got the results back from all the tests yet but everything seems fine on all the basic levels everything seems good so hmm. haven't gotten you know triglycerides and cholesterol and sugar and all that stuff no not yet no. not yet but america looks at cholesterol really weird compared to the rest of yeah uh, yeah i when when i was 18 i had a total cholesterol of 178 and now that i'm 46 i have a total cholesterol level of 213 it's like it's above 200 yeah i don't care that's fine yeah i love the way germany did it germany actually uh, the, both of my doctors in germany sat down and said okay here's the deal because my wife should be dead according to america <laughs> hers is like 400 or some god awful number like, like it's crazy high but uh they're like no the it's a relationship between this and this and then the couple yeah. things over LPL, here but mostly this. Yeah, yeah good cholesterol bad cholesterol so it, it it can it can my 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 bad cholesterol is bad and my good cholesterol is good so it ends up being a high yeah. number total but it's not inherently bad and yeah. i know that so i'm like i don't care like yeah and and that, that's the way at least my doctors both of them and they were separate fields they weren't like you know best buds they uh the way they looked at it as well so uh no, but no the, the health checkup went up went fine um i mean just every day is blurring into another day because i've kind of gone back to trying to find 15 minutes here an hour there to write in my game i thought i solved world hunger with it and then i realized i caused more world hunger so i had to backtrack um <laughs> that's fantasy mirroring reality right there. Yeah, I, was like, I was like dang it i was like i was all dancing through the house i figured it out i figured it out i can do this and then i put it together it's like shit <laughs> doesn't work <laughs> I thought dwarf wheat was the cure. I was right. right? Oh, gross. Okay. <laughs> uh, Squirrel Hermit here. Let's uh, kind of tell you. Squirrel Hermit for $2 says, hey, oh, check out Squirrel Hermit's channel. He's been putting up a few more videos. Put up a video of an of a artist friend of his yesterday. I swear to God, it was Julian from Trailer Park Boys, just without the, without the, 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 was it the, what does he put in there? Whiskey, rum, whatever. Mm. Whenever someone says, hey, oh, or I read, hey, oh, I just think of Thundercats. Hey, oh. oh, no, I think of Jim Duggan. Thundercats. I don't even hope. watch wrestling. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, other than that, I yeah, I don't. Maybe my wife can tell me. This barrel cat's becoming more calm. At least my wife can talk to him. He still doesn't like me. 
I have to go and do with these big fat gloves on. <laughs> but uh, he plays now. Um, he he started. He's actually kind of acting like a real cat. My wife doesn't try to touch him, and we actually have that separation intentionally. She doesn't even try to touch him, which is why we think that he's okay with her. Me, when every he doesn't get to eat until I pet him. That's just the way it's going to be. So he'll sit there and be like, dad, dad, dad. no food for you, bitch. Yep. And he has to be calm. Like he can't just keep doing that growling. Like I, I wait till he calms down. He's got to calm for a good 10 seconds and then, okay, then I'll feed him. But he is getting better. He actually is getting better. So that's good. He process. He's over a year old. So, you know, that kitten stuff, that feralness has been ingrained into him. Uh, do you think uh, near future dystopian games have taken a bit of decline in interest in the last few years? I don't know. I mean, what, like, like what, like Shadowrun? Cyberpunk? Cyberpunk, I think, is growing. No, no. I think near near future dystopian games actually would be getting an uptick when when the general feeling of of the of reality is bad, it becomes more more probable to have a near future dystopian, you know, landscape. So I guess you could call it training. <laughs> training for the future, for the real future in a game. And uh, some some people may think that. So it actually could be growing. This might be due to something of uh, simulationism. I know a lot of people, when they like something, myself included, when they like something and it doesn't represent it perfectly, mm. like, no, 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 no. Martial arts actually works like this. So if somebody throws yeah. the punch this way, I would be able to do this. So I don't understand why I have a minus two to yeah you're again you're 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 mixing reality in, into yeah. my in my uh peanut butter tp ttrpg stop it get it out of my peanut butter that's not how it works yeah I've, i find a lot of folks though with games like twilight 2000 because remember I, I played the older editions back in the day and i have this version of it people i knew that were military aficionados again <laughs> they had jane's one of the guys had jane's handbooks um and he'd complain about everything in the fucking game this isn't actually, no, it wouldn't be this way. So I'm wondering if that's what it is. I, and I actually know this from my time being in the military and working with the military for, what, 30 years now, is that there are people, well, look, I work right now in an organization that does wargaming. Mm -hmm. They actually play miniature war games on Fridays. <laughs> like, that's your taxpayer money. But no, it's for good. They're also building war games for, you know, actual real scenarios, right? So... One of the stories I think I told on a Friday chill stream, but I'll tell here real quickly, the quick version is these war gamers think of numbers, 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 numbers. And so they actually had to teach them to play games like Dungeons and Dragons over war gaming so that they could properly play Russia correctly, properly play China correctly, properly play Syria correct, because they were just looking at the numbers and not like the, the background, the, the role playing aspect of it. Right. So, uh, my point with that is I can see people looking at a game of Twilight 2000 from the military and just being like, oh, my God, this does not handle the MP5 right. Oh, you know, the M4 really has a cyclical rate of like, it's a game. It's a game, you know. So I'm wondering if that's what it is. Uh, all right. Yeah, what's that? Uh, I have only one thing to say when someone says that's not how... Yeah, uh, I have to deal with these miniatures. I'm the GM. That's what, right? Oh, that's dice. Oh, yeah, I'm the game master. That's look at that perfect set. Look, nice yeah. shirt right here. Because nice. I'm the game master. That's why. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
But uh, I mean, I don't know. I mean, then again, some people don't like to play their job in a game. I mean, that's that's another thing, too. You know, I, I know people who are like, I don't want to play a game that reminds me too much of my job. <laughs> like, I want to. So like, well, hey, you're good at IT. Why, why don't you play the, the communications character in the game? No, because I want to shoot people. That's why. <laughs> yeah, I want to do something different. So anyway. Uh, all right. With that, uh, actually, we have plenty of time, but I think we, we're, today I think combat is going to go a bit slowly. Okay. We're going to try to keep it a little bit entertaining, but there's a lot of information here. And while you probably want me to skip some of it, maybe you don't. I don't know. The videos act like they don't want me to skip it, but I think they're too long. Yeah. Um, I am going to deep dive into a few things here. Plus, Crafty sent me like 75,000 messages, which I, I think I only read half of. I, whatever example you gave me, Crafty, it was five minutes for the stream starts. I didn't read it. <laughs> so, yeah. But that, that's he definitely, not the time for, for uh, you know, trying to insert additions <laughs> to a show. It's five minutes for the show. It's not that time. Yeah, he. Uh, but the stuff he sent before then, I think one of them I was going to talk about anyway. The other one, I, I don't know. But I, I will now if it's that important. So... Uh, our job so one last thing about this because i don't want to say it during the the actual segment my job with presenting this game to you isn't about um hey i got 10 years of experience with this game i can tell you all the nuances with it that would be more of a how-to this is for me looking hey this game looks neat i think you guys like it let's read through it of course i try to read through it beforehand so i have some understanding about how everything relates but it's a matter of like I'm just as new at this as you are. So I'm not here to try to tell you how to play the game. I'm here with these deep dives or these read-throughs to try to say, this is what's in the game. And I've received a few comments from folks about the game saying, you know what? You've actually interested me in trying to get the game. Great. So I've done my job with regard to that. If I get a few things wrong or it doesn't work exactly at that, uh, like I act like it does, that's fine. It got you interested in playing it or you know what? I think that mechanic's dumb. And, and I'll just be completely upfront. Omen Owl and Crafty made me actually dislike momentum even more. <laughs> trying to trying to tell me why it's great made me dislike it more. <laughs> so, uh, see, I, I I heard all of all of the discussions on oh, explain momentum this way, explain momentum that way. It's like no, keep it as simple as possible. When one yeah. person on your team succeeds really well, it emboldens everyone else to step up it's like oh this is doable this is now possible they now believe more that they're going to win than they did before and that morale bonus like in many games gives gives you well either extra dice or bonuses on rolls or whatever it, it it's it's common in other games they just call it something else here so i just make sure in my head it's just a morale bonus yeah one of the comments actually agreed with that morale term on there so Um, Crafty says, yes, he's overcritical, but it's his earth on, so give him some slack. Okay. It's <laughs> the reason I don't watch earth on videos. Actually, I don't know if anybody makes earth on videos. Uh, that's probably better. No, I, yeah, um, Josh himself, I think, does. But, all right. Um, I, okay, as far as week goes, I have nothing else. And as far as what we're talking about today, I'm looking forward to getting into the combat. I have not read it word for word, rolled dice and put it all together. I have read through it for the most part. 
skipped a little thing here and there. Like, okay, that's that's more of this. That's more. Oh, what's this? I have some complaints about this chapter, though, and I might mention that when we get into it. And it's nothing horribly important, but I will put it like this: it's kind of the same. Some of the similar complaints we have about Palladium. Okay. In Where's the information on this? Oh, I have to look somewhere else to find. God dang it! <laughs> so, it's it's more so with that than oh anything God. else. Now I got my book over there. Let me slide things over and get into our topic du jour. Stay there. Oh, you know what? I didn't. I didn't do proclivities, man. No, you didn't. Didn't do proclivities. Now I got this over here. Somebody looking sideways the entire time. Skirt, come on back. Come on back over here. God, it's like I don't do this for a living. Well, it's not really a living. Where's my mouse? All right. Oh, we only have one proclivity. Awesome. <laughs> Such a stupid word for that, but I can't stop saying it. Well, I thank all of you wonderful people who support us monetarily. I already got a couple of super chats today. Thank you. Your gracious donations help us provide giveaways, produce more content, and generally give back to the Legion Myth community as a whole. Of course, we appreciate everyone, I mean it, who subscribes to Legion of Myth. We have just, I'm sorry, we're nearly, not just over, nearly 4,000 subscribers on YouTube. And we are at, what does it say over there? A hundred and, I just saw that, 118 followers on Rumble. Thank you, folks. That's awesome. And we're thankful for each and every one of you. And you 118 on Rumble better understand how much of a pain in the ass it is to set up a Rumble live stream. Rumble, fix that shit. Jesus. Um, you have to have a 60-second video. You have to have... Uh, you can't schedule it more than 12 hours prior. Uh, what, what else? So I have to schedule everything last minute. I, pretty much everything else after that but is normal, except for I have to get a stream key every time. So if YouTube... I, this is the same stream key I've had for over a year. Since we've been doing... Two years since we've been doing this. Same Twitch stream key that we've had for over two years. Have you ever changed your OBS stream key? Yeah, see, so, uh, you know, it can be done. It can be done. So you rumble, folks. More rumbling. <laughs> uh, but uh, for description below for links to the various Legion of sites, social media, Discord, merch, and etc. Not supposed to say and before etc. Why do I do that? The et part of cetera is and. Say comma cetera. Comma cetera. <laughs> <laughs> all right, now let me slide all this over so I can actually read things and show things. All right, for the first part of segment one today, we're going to cover actions in Mutant Chronicles 3rd Edition. And actions is just, it's everything. It's what you can do, right? So it's not just going to focus on combat. That'll be in the second part. Excuse me, what can your character do in the time allotted, whether that's a combat round or just some sort of cinematic nonsense whatever we'll figure that out once we get in here right so let's move on to i can't find it there it is all the way down there as you all know we believe that role-playing games should take place in fantastic worlds and that the focus of the game should be on role-playing and having a good time the core values of hashtag rpgate and any good tabletop group are escapism not representation entertainment over activism and natural, organic inclusion, not forced diversity. This has been a public service announcement by NPR. That's great. No, no, wait, no, it's not. You got to be a little angry. Watch this. Anyone watching this right now 
that has ever gone on Twitter and said, you know what? That podcast, that, that, that live stream, that game doesn't have enough trans people, doesn't have enough people of color in it. I'm going to say something. You can repent right now by donating $5 to Legion of Myth. You can clear your slate and actually get into heaven someday if you give us $5. Just like all of the TV preachers, I promise, I will guide you to light. Thank you. Get that warrant song stuck in my head now. Heaven isn't too far away. (laughs) It's $5 away. (laughs) all right the charity we support is the wounded warrior project check that out it's got a little new logo there because uh, up until this video if you watch any videos for this one it's the wrong link i completely forgot to set up 2023 i had it done in the background i just didn't set up all the links for it so this is the actual link for nerds and warriors for the 2023 and the charity we support is wounded warrior project a national nonpartisan organization whose mission is to honor and empower wounded warriors for a description below for the link to where you can make your tax deductible donation or just click on that qr code with a little happy helmet guy in there that doesn't doesn't he look like a nerd warrior isn't that how you'd picture a nerd warrior yep 100 he flies drones for a living <laughs> he flies right there you go oh, join us thursdays and sunday saturday cheaper screen i don't even know what day you stream anymore join us on thursdays and saturday evenings on twitch.tv slash legion of myth to watch heathen dog and his team of dirty casuals play multiplayer games for your mockery and enjoyment And here in the YouTube channel, you can watch these game-related segments live every Sunday at 1 p.m. Central Time, or check out the Friday Night Chill Stream, where our panel of guests opine, comment, editorialize on the TTRPG hobby as a whole. And of course, this is a live stream podcast. We are going to go off tangent, like what Heathen Dog just did a moment ago. You're probably like, oh my God, get through the ads, but Heathen Dog had a point to make, and he got to jump in there and make it. That's how we do this here. Subscribe for points. Subscribe is still not worth $5. I'm just saying. It's fair. It's not going to get you to heaven. It's not going to get you to heaven. It'll get you closer. <laughs> get you closer. But those, those gates aren't going to open until the full $5 is paid. Remember that. All right, Heathen Dog, you've got the, uh, the chat. Well, I've got the presentation here. Okay. I don't know why I wanted to upload a video file when, no, I want to share a screen. There we go. Let's share the screen. I don't need audio. It's just a book. Boom. All right, let's F11 this bad boy. All right, full screen it. And there we go. Now, look at that nice presentation there. All right, Mutant Chronicles 3rd Edition. That is what we are covering. Today is going to be action. So let's go to our little linky-poo here. And uh, Chronicle Points, performing actions on page 116. Follow along with us as we talk about actions. I may speed through this uh, chapter just a touch more than the combat chapter, but it is going to be a bunch of reading as we go through what actions are in this game. Because let's be honest, in most role-playing games, probably the most important facet of the game is how do I do stuff, right? Sure. So uh, uh, we're going to scroll down to, whoop, not there. Let's see, I don't, we don't need the intro. It basically says, hey, this, this chapter is telling you about actions. So, all right, types of actions. There are several, I think just four, but uh, several different types of actions a character can perform during encounters. Some actions take less time to perform than others or may require a skill test to determine whether or not an action succeeds or fails. The four, four main types of actions are standard actions, restricted actions, free actions, and response actions. And I don't know how I feel about response actions. We'll get to that. Although that sounds like a... Um, Watsy game 
uh, attack of opportunity or. Oh yeah, I'm sorry, not response actions. Restriction as restricted actions. I'm not oh. sure how I feel about. Okay. Response actions make sense. It makes more sense to me. All right. Uh, so standard actions are general standard actions generally either take some effort to perform or require time to accomplish this is what you'd consider your standard action in a normal game that has an action type system you'd have sure. to roll a dice or take some time take some effort it's not like just dropping ammo it's not just like looking down at heathen dog and saying hey man what's up no you're actually like okay i've got to physically do something i have to code this i have to shoot something i have to focus on my driving because somebody's trying to ram into me you know whatever you're you have to focus on it so shooting an enemy with a pistol, grappling a foe, assembling a mounted weapon. Notice that this game spends a lot of time focusing on combat. <laughs> like none of those. I gave options that were driving, computer programming, and combat. This was like, no, it's just combat. Screw off. Restricted actions. Restricted actions are relatively minor and usually do not require much energy or effort, but do require a certain level of focus. Hmm. If a character takes a restricted action only perform one free action per restricted action taken that turn now restricted uh, this is the thing about restricted understand that so a restricted action is this it doesn't really have this is this is me talking doesn't have a direct game effect you're not shooting somebody because that would require a roll mm -hmm. but it's something you have to focus on if you're clearing your weapon right you're like you're, you're re-racking it you're probably looking in there find out the, the the casing flies out you're 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 dropping your magazine you're doing some things that requires you to focus so you're not fully focused on what's going on you can't do two things at one time but That's what since you are so so trained in this in this action it doesn't require a, a lot of mental effort besides paying attention right yes yes and that's okay. why i this is just a personal thing, and in some conversations I've had with people over the last week, I guess I did more things this week, it's it's a, it's something that in the 90s, I would have looked at this and be like, yeah, okay, this makes perfect sense to me, I like it, so I can do this with a skill roll, uh, so a standard action, I can do this with a restricted action. I'm more freeform now, where I think that conceptually I like this, but just having a name for it gives people, oh, 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 wait! What type of action is? Who cares? I'm trying to un, you know, uh, unjam my weapon and get back into the firefight. Can I do it? Yes. You know, it's just, it's just a, I wouldn't call it personality. It's just a preference, I guess. So unjamming a weapon, recovering from a status effect. So taking a breather, basically like, holy Jesus. Uh, getting up from being knocked down. Yes, right. And we'll, we'll look at status effects, uh, if not this chapter, in the combat chapter. Or moving somewhere within close range are all examples of restricted action. So movement. Now, movement in this game, for those who have never played it before, this is going to not make sense, but it's very similar to like Forbidden Lands. It's very similar to the user engine. In fact, this chapter, with the exception of not being a D6 dice pool system, I really saw a lot of the user engine in it. And I'm sure this came up first, but that's why I did comprehend some of this. So, Three actions are minor, often narrative things character does that do not require any energy or effort. And basically, with the exception of if you perform a restricted action, you can perform as many free actions as you want up until the game master says, okay, okay, stop it. Shh, calm, simmer. Uh, if, if you gotta, you know, if I want to talk to heathen dog, pop some chewing gum in my mouth and, uh, and kick off a shoe, I can do all of that because it makes sense that I can do all that. Yeah, pushing the same button several times in a row. That's easy. No, that's when you get that little bird in the water thing. Oh, right. Yeah, you got to get the bird thing to hit it for you. That's right. 100%. Uh, so, and it says here, a character can take any number of free action on his turn, or he may take a restricted action and one free action. 
Now, why did it say before it's as many? Because you can use your momentum and other and talents, more probably talents, to get extra actions. Okay. Response actions. Unlike free actions or standard actions, response actions do not occur during the character's turn. But are special actions triggered by some event, such as an enemy attacking. No matter how many different events occur that could potentially trigger a response, a character cannot perform more than one response action. So you can parry one blow. You can dodge one attack. Once people start ganging up on you, you just have to hope those dice rolls go badly. Okay. Well, there we go. Those are all our actions. I guess this chapter... Yeah, that was <laughs> done. This chapter is quick. I wasn't sure how much I was going to read. I, I kind of realized I didn't have to read it. I'll go ahead and throw some of that chat up there that we got. Okay, I only got one. Okay, well, one, one's enough. I do like the layout of the book more than the original STA, Star Trek Adventures. Yeah. This book is older than Star Trek Adventures. At least I think it is. Uh, the combat chapter, however, can have yeah, off a bridge with Dan. Um, there were editing issues, and I don't know if I'm going to end up reading them because I didn't write them down which paragraphs they're in, but there are definitely editing issues in what I read for this week's uh, segment. Yes. So uh, we'll see. I mean, now, his issues might be more because he's a Conan player, and maybe he likes the way Conan's written better, and we don't know the differences yet. I'm not sure. But yeah, I, I had a little bit of a struggle reading some of the stuff in the combat chapter of this book. Yeah. But there's, uh, more, there's more now. Oh, okay. The 2D20 system is actually an offshoot of Fantasy Flight Games Star Wars game design because the same guy designed both systems. Oh, okay. So it's a Genesis system? But if he's asked for designing a game similar, or sorry, designed a similar. A system similar, see, if I don't look at it, I can read it, uh, to Final Fantasy games, Star Wars using only D20s and D6s. Well, that's good information now. Not for me, but for folks out there. <laughs> so, I mean, on, on, us, on the surface, I like the 2D20 system. No matter what happened in last week's videos, I actually like the 2D20 system. It just needs, it needs limitations. So, with that... Because I'm going to end it now. We're going to have a really short video for that one. The next video will pop in, what, like two days, I think. And it will be on combat. So look forward to that one. Please like, subscribe, share. And uh, yeah, we'll see you then. People in the live stream are like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> no, they're smart enough to know. Yes, that was for the Memorex people. You know that. That's <laughs> so for the Memorex people. Uh, oh, Brave the Knight gives us $2. Can you pop that on the screen? Thank you very much for the $2. Appreciate that. Has no count. He just he's just like, here's the two dollars. He is two fifths of the way to heaven. Yep. <laughs> Three more dollars, Brave. Get a free pass. All access pass to the to the rave that is heaven. All right, for segment two, we are going to talk about combat. And oh my god. <laughs> this one, you know. A lot of people are probably like, you know, that last video you put out was only a couple minutes long. That was pretty good. Appreciate that. This one is not going to be that. Just giving you a heads up now. It's going to be uh, the other thing. It's going to be the other thing. It's it's going to be the, uh, uh, can you fast forward through some of this? No, we can't because it is a read through and a deep dive. So let's go through our proclivities again because we love our proclivities so much. And we believe that role playing games should take place in fantastic worlds. And that the focus of the game should be on role-playing and having a good time. 
core values of hashtag RPGate in any good tabletop group are escapism, not representation, entertainment over activism, and natural organic inclusion, not forced diversity, no matter what Watsy tries to put in its new OGL. We have to have the ability to stop hate speech. It's in a game. Get over it. The charity we support is the Wounded Warrior Project, a national nonpartisan organization whose mission is to honor and empower wounded warriors. Please refer to the description below for the link where you can make a tax deductible donation or take a little QR snap of that Scan Me logo right there and you'll be a happy, happy person. I should, you know what I should do? I should actually have that Scan Me logo go to our website. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, just be fraud. Fraud all over the place, right? Well, funny fraud. Funny for, funny for us. <laughs> anyway, join us on Thursdays and Saturday evenings on twitch.tv slash Legion of Myth to watch Heathen Dog and his team of dirty casuals play multiplayer games for your mockery and enjoyment. Quick question for you. Sure. How much longer do you think you're going to go on with Dungeons & Dragons Online? Uh, this not is not much. a complaint. I'm just asking. No, not, not much longer. Okay. I think, uh, I, I think uh, a, lot of, a lot of us are getting a little tired of it, so we're going to move on to something else. And if someone has, uh, has a game in mind, has to be multiplayer, it doesn't have to be cooperative, but we like cooperative. And if it's free, that's that's a bonus. Go there ahead and go. throw it in our Discord, and uh, I'll check it out. Awesome. And of course, here on our YouTube channel, you can watch these game-related segments live every Sunday at 1 p.m. Central Time, or check out the Friday Night Chill stream where a panel of guests opine, comment, and editorialize on the TTRPG hobby as a whole. And you guys know this. We're in a live stream. We're going to yap-a-doodle. We're going to say things. We're going to we're going to drive each other crazy. It's what we do. We do it for you. And as an example, Brave the Night is only one penny one, away one from penny. getting into heaven. Oh. Purposeful. This has to be on purpose because his other donation was straight up $2, which means he's not he's not on a mobile that that's that's screwing him over. He's screwing himself <laughs> over. What Hey, you know what St. Peter has our ledger, man. He's really good at math. He's going to know you're a penny shy. Yeah, we we don't we don't round. There's no <laughs> rounding up here. You hit it or you don't. It's a threshold, baby. And for the folks who are like, what are they talking about? Well, if you'd watch the live stream, you'd know. You'd know. All right. So uh, let's uh, let me just get back into the book. Oh, let me F11 this thing so I can get a little bit more on the screen there. Yeah, combat basics. Now, fun. The fun is going to commence. We'll try to keep this entertaining. We'll try to keep this interesting for you. But there's going to be a lot of information because combat is a lot of information. And this is a read through. It's a deep dive. We're, we're going to focus on this stuff now. As you can probably tell, if you looked at the cover of this book, this game is about shooty shooties. Yep. Pew, pew. So... Combat should play out dramatically with pulse-pounding, action-packed encounters. Characters have a number of resources at their disposal to accomplish cinematic feats of heroism. That is true. I wanted to read this for, so people right off the bat know what they're getting into. It doesn't say for your tactical simulation. No. It says dramatically pulse-pounding, action-packed encounters, cinematic feats of heroism. Yes. Remember that. Yes. It, uh, uh, if the writers of this book are in the room and you ask them, what kind of uh, cinematic combat are you thinking of? I mean, what what's your idea of a cinematic combat? And one of them is going to say, you ever see Saving Private Ryan? The very beginning? That. I want that in your game. That would make me happy. That's the kind of cinematic they're looking for. It's gritty, but it's it's dramatic. It pushes, it pushes everyone forward. They want to do the next thing. 
That's the awesome part. That's what they're looking for here. Do they make it? I don't know. We're going to find out. The combat rounds and time. I have a funny feeling that for some people, this is going to be the first part of like, oh, wait, what's going on here? And I only say this because, let's be honest, they're kind of two sides of the gaming fence. There are more than that, but I'm generalizing into two. They're the simulationists, and then there are, I don't want to call them the role players. Um, well, I'm just saying, they're the, they're the role players, okay? And what I mean by that, the simulationists want that tactical combat. They want the Pathfinder combat. They want the war gaming combat. They, how long, I, it says I have actions. Well, how long does it take me to do this action? I can actually pull a trigger 15 times in one second. You know, whatever it happens to be. So, you know, they try to nitpick that stuff. The other people are like, you know, go with the flow, man. I want to do this and this and this. All right, you can do that, that, and that. Well, give me a die roll. But that's a lot of stuff that he could do in that amount of time. Because the time doesn't fully matter. So let's get into that a little bit. Combat encounters are divided into rounds. Each round can represent a very short amount of time, 10 to 20 seconds, to longer stretches, 1 to 2 minutes, depending on the encounter. Regardless, each character has one turn per combat round. During a character's turn, he has a number of options, usually in the form of different actions he can perform. Well, I could only take one shot, but he could do three different things. Well, because assume your shot was like the dude's running around trying... Finally, bam, you finally had the, the moment where you had decent enough aim to fire. That's just, I'm not saying that's what this game's saying. I'm just saying, you know, think of it like that. Not everything works on the time that you think it does. Uh, on his turn, a character can perform any number of free actions and one standard action, or one free action, one restricted, re restricted action, as we talked about before. So I'm not going to uh, go through all this. All, after all player characters, now this is important. After all player characters, oh, I guess, maybe it says it later, or I missed it. But player characters go before game master characters. Player character. There's no initiative role. Player really? characters go first. Well, how do you decide which player character gets to go first and what order they're it, in? They just well, let's let's great segue. Each round the, the players agree on the order in which the characters will take their turns. Oh god, you have to trust players to agree on something? <laughs> Red flag right there. After all player characters have acted, each of the GM controlled characters take their turns in whichever the order the GM chooses. So yeah, you guys figure it out. But what's cool is because they're actually, there's, well, we'll, we'll I'll, I'll show you. The GM has the opportunity to in, interrupt the player character's terms, not terms, this isn't a contract, turns, in order to allow a GM-controlled character to take its turn earlier. The GM spends dark symmetry points. That's, again, if you don't remember, that's similar to the player's momentum and chronicle points. From his pool to trigger NPCs. The more powerful the NPC, the more dark symmetry points may be required to interrupt players' turns. Now, you might think that's backward. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. Wouldn't a more powerful character be cheaper to go first? Yeah, he'd be. He, it's easier for a more powerful bad guy to insert himself into your turn because he's more powerful. It's all about the heroism of the players, or the characters. In order for you to have your evil baddie go first, your big bad at the end go first, that's how you, you know, run your games. You've got to spend a few more points because that character already has a ton of abilities that are going to, you know, mash those players up pretty, or characters, not players, up pretty badly. So if you want that to go first, you're going to have to do a lot of few more points. I think of it as a leash. It's probably a bad analogy, but I think of it as a leash. It's easy to leash a goblin. Get in here, you go. It's not so easy to leash that ball rod. Get in the fight, you dick. 
You know, I have to throw more sandwiches out for him. More Reese's okay. penis, uh, more, uh, I'm sorry, Reese's pieces for E.T., right? Sure. So, uh, Elliot. that... Elliot. <laughs> Elliot. That's scary, man. When I was a kid, I thought that was scary as hell, but that's just me. I mean, never mind. If players spend too much time discussing action rather than acting, the GM may wish to warn the players that uh, an action may lead to empowering the dark symmetry. I'd have, like, haunting music start or something. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> or or the, uh, the 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 uh, Jeopardy thing for Final <laughs> Jeopardy the song. Yeah. Oh, I'd rather go like no something like uh like Friday the thing. <laughs> oh, there you go, guys, just go. <laughs> uh, anyway, a player can if, play, <laughs> if, if players continue to take too long or argue amongst themselves because Heathen Dog that's that's how he views all players. Yep. they're just they're just roaches crawling all over each other. I want to go. Do. I want to go. I want to go. It's what they do, man. The GM adds one dark symmetry to his pool. Oh, the God. The sight of a growing dark symmetry pool should spur them into action. No, they're too stupid. <laughs> Players are generally dumb. They'll, they'll just, no, we need, we need the perfect plan of attack. Here I've got like five dark symmetry points built up because they're trying to get their perfect plan of attack. I've got so much dark symmetry that their perfect plan ha- does not have a chance of working. <laughs> They would actually go, they'd be better off if they started with their first plan, which was a bad plan, at least there's a chance of working because I have no dark symmetry points. And I'm going to punish them for it. Don't think I won't. Heard it from him first. How many hate comments am I going to get? Hold on. Lots. <laughs> like and subscribe to give me your hate. All right. Um, sometimes one group of characters may try to surprise or ambush the other group. If one group has sufficient time to hide or set up an ambush, its success is based on an opposed role. I read that completely without the punctuation there, but who cares? The group attempting the ambush designates a leader who makes a stealth skill test. The group reacting to the surprise designates a leader who makes an observation skill test. Okay, okay. No, no, this this is nice. I like this because it gives a, uh, a mechanic to the idea of having someone run point. You have the guy running point, who has the highest observation ability mm-hmm. and he's doing his job. And not only is it cinematic, but it's also mechanical. I like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, very similar. Uh, again, I, I bet you free league. I don't want to say copied it, but it was inspired by, <laughs> it was inspired by this. Cause it's very similar to the way it works in the, in uh, the year zero engine games, which we'll be talking about towards the end of the year. Uh, if the ambushing group generates more successes than its intended targets, the ambush is a success. Makes sense, right? I, I won my role. Uh, you still didn't get the ambush. There's five of them. You only got four successes. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> One of them was like, hey, what's that? And they <laughs> ruined it for everybody. Each character in the ambushing group gains a bonus D20 on his action for the turn. Wow. So okay. if you're set up your position and they're boop, boop, boop into your way and you're like, fire, you get an extra, extra D20 on that. Nice. If the ambush failed, the group that noticed the ambush may perform their actions for the round before the failed ambushers. Okay. And next page. All right. Uh, anything we want to talk about up to this point before we get into combat actions uh, from chat? Let's, or no? let's look at some star chat. Yeah. Okay. There's going to be a lot of crafty. There's going to be a lot of momentum. Calm down. Let's push through. Okay. I'll read them. Okay. The Conan combat chapter is not much better. Modiphius likes sending you all over the books to find information. The yeah, books I noticed that. Sidebars with page numbers to reference rules. Yes, uh, it 
it's a uh, it's got the palladium sickness when it comes to format and rules at least in this chapter and i noticed yeah. that when i was reading through it this week yeah all right next one uh 2d20 is pulp action it is fifth element it is running man it is flash gordon i love that movie it is highlander oh, even better this is a huge obstacle for players coming from a more tactical slash war game like D20. Yes, you have to understand uh, it's it's not quite as as a storyteller cinematic as the old world of darkness was, but it is it is there. You can you can sense it. It's it's more about about creating uh, a, a sense of urgency uh, about about creating dread or, or, or creating a feeling of happiness rather than just going through the mechanics. The mechanics are how you get to a good story, apparently, in this book. You use the mechanics to, to, to tell a cinematic tale of combat rather than just black and white by the numbers. Yeah, I, gen I, I generally with. like how the game plays. Like I said, my, my quibble or my complaint about momentum and so forth, I talked about that last week, is really just one facet. So far, everything else I like. Okay, let's go to the next one. So they're just uh, combining segments and combat rounds. I don't know what that was from. Um, I, I well, I mean, if that. you're talking like second edition AD&D segments, I, I no, I mean, I don't no, know. I mean, really if you that, if you want to see there's that no way. initiative. Yeah, so it's just. Wouldn't... Yeah, you go when you want and it doesn't matter how long it takes. Well, I mean, it does <laughs> It matter. You can't do a 20 minute action. Dark symmetry, baby. And expect nobody to do any, you know, to be able to move. No, you don't get to shoot. I got 20 minutes. No, but uh, I think it's just I declare what I want to do. I attempt to do it. I roll the dice. Now, you know, he that but he not wanted to go first. Well, too bad. I rolled my dice. <laughs> I don't know. It's... All right. Or double segments and full combat. Again, I don't I, I forgot the that's my fault. I forgot the what it was based on. OK, here's more crafty. Oh, here's some momentum. Players who have learned how to use momentum will choose players who can generate momentum first. That seems like cheating. Then combat ca character second, using the momentum generated by the non-combat PCs. Okay, now he goes on to saying the, the point guy can generate momentum from that automatic role detecting ambush. If he succeeds enough, he will gain momentum for everyone in the following combat that is about to ensue. Which makes sense. Because you know, uh, I'm 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 thinking of Predator. You know the the the, the Native American guy. Mm -hmm. If he stops and he does the whole thing where you know, you know, does some dirt and sniffs the wind and lo looks at tree bark and and says, "Oh no, there's there's five guys right there pointing. I I, I can feel there's it. something you know, out there. The, the 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 spirits are telling me. Everyone's like, "Yeah, we got spirits on our side," and so they're 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 better at fighting. That that's the way I see it. Okay. Was that it? That was it. Okay. Now right, we go to combat actions. There are four. Okay, the four main types of actions we talked about in the last video is, so we'll just go into free actions here in your turn. Character can perform one or more of the following free actions. A character cannot perform the same free action more than once during his turn. Apparently that was an issue. What? I can't press a button several times? Screw you, game. Apparently not. You can Screw hold you it down, game. but yes, you I can't. Can. <laughs> it's not the same. Ooh, would that constitute the same action? All right, but subject to GM's approval, may take as many free actions as he wishes. Free actions can be taken both before and after a standard action, but all intended actions should be stipulated before any dice are rolled. Generally, any given free action can be performed once per turn, but the final decision as to whether any combination of actions is achievable, achievable rests with the GM. Okay, I like that paragraph. Yep. 
Always got to have that caveat in there. Just make sure the players know their place. <laughs> you can adjust your stance. I don't like the term. Why? What does it do? The character can move to any point within close range of his current position. Okay, that's not adjusting stance. That's <laughs> that's actually changing changing location. Yeah, right. You know, that's, that's what that is. It, it's close, sure. It's a close change in location. But still, that's change location. A, a, adjusting stance, I would say, uh, is a difference between kneeling and prone. I would get that. Difference between kneeling and standing. I would yeah. get that. Yeah. Uh, ducking behind cover that's right there in front of you. I could see that. But actually moving from one location to another, no matter how far away it is, that's not adjusting stance. That, that that's that's a close move. Yeah, I, I had to read this one a couple of times. Like, wait, am I missing? Some? Oh, okay, it's just a bad title. All right, you can drop an item. Now, by the way, these are free. These are free actions, so this doesn't count against you, right? Yeah, it doesn't count. Right. Dro drop an item. The character opens one or more hands to hold an item. I, yeah. I get it. You got to okay. fill up a little space here. What? <laughs> like, how else do you drop an item? Yeah, I know. I know. Well, no, they have to say item falls to his feet because anything else would be a throw. So I get the second sentence, but the first one, yeah, it's filling. Fall prone. The character drops to the ground, reducing his ranged combat target silhouette. When prone, a character can only move by crawling. Character cannot fall prone in the same turn he stands up. That makes sense. Hey, you know what? I've done burpees before. Yes, you can. Well, not with, you know, 150 pounds worth of armor and backpack. and hey, You know what? Uh, Army and Marine have done burpees with with full 50 pound combat gear so screw you game yes there you go simulation is there it is there it is simulation versus cinematic a character may talk to nearby alley allies alleys what the hell is i trying to say a character may talk to nearby allies scream a war cry shout an order threaten a political opponent again guess that happened or otherwise converse a few sentences or phrases that do not require a skill test okay basically you're not trying to convince anybody of anything Screw you're just you. saying, hey, go over there. I don't want to. Crap, now I have to roll. You just took up an action, dick. Stand up. Character's previously in a prone position. He may stand up. A character cannot stand up in the same turn he falls prone. Again, lies. Experience <laughs> lies. Restricted actions. Now, these are the ones that don't require dice rolls, remember, but have a little bit of focus. Right. Unjam. If a weapon is jammed, the character can use this action to clear the jam. Notice you don't have to make a roll to make it happen. And to be fair, in most cases, when your weapon jams in real life and you're trained with the weapon, you don't have to make a roll to yeah, unjam. You just, it you just, just go through the three to five steps to unjam your weapon and you do it. Right. Movement. A character can move anywhere within medium range. Now, somebody out there might be saying, what is this close range? What is this medium range? Uh, yeah. There, there will be a part in here where it gives units of measurement if you want to use them but honestly it really depends on uh, on the setting that you're in uh, the situation the environmental setting not not the the universal setting right, right. like for, for example for example if you were in if you're in the middle of an empty football field mm -hmm. you can get somewhere faster than if you were say in the middle of a rock quarry yeah. you can you can traverse the terrain faster on a flat football field than, than you can in a, in a craggy pit so things that are close on a football field may be medium or long, depending on the terrain. Do you remember when I went through that Coriolis example and I started off and I did it like as in the Star Wars, like the beginning of Star Wars uh, episode four, when mm -hmm. the stormtroopers blow through the door? Yep. That one area just in that hallway is one range. And I, I forget what this game calls it. I have too many words. That might be close. 
Yeah, because I think it's short and Forbidden Lands, whatever. But uh, that would be one range category. People around, that would be medium. Yeah. And, and, and beyond. And like you said, a football field, on the other hand, is 100 yards. Uh, I don't know if I would consider that short. I think that would bust into yeah, medium yeah, at that but, point. Anyway, but but uh, it's a lot easier to traverse. Yeah. It's a lot easier to aim. No one has cover. Yes. You know, everything is easier in a, in a flat space, especially with movement. So, but we can see movement and terrain for more information, including difficult terrain. And we will get to that at some point. All right, recover. When a character, and this is an important one, when a character is recovering from a temporary status effect, such as bleeding or staggered, he may be able to attempt a resistance test to prematurely end the condition. I if anybody watched my character... bleeding, that's awesome. Well, if you remember my character creation video, if anybody watched that, uh, that character got a bonus to resistance just by being where he was born. Uh, you know, rough neighborhood, man. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Gotta get a thick skin. If, if the status effect has a specific magnitude, such as burning three, that is a pet peeve of mine. Pathfinder does the same thing. I hate the numbers after burning. I would rather it be like slightly burned, intensely burned, holy crap, you're going to die burned, than burning one, burning two, burning three. I, I don't like numbers behind stuff like that. It's, again, personal thing. It's not that it's bad mechanic. I just don't like that terminology. The condition's magnitude becomes the difficulty rating for the resistance test. But see, it makes it easier. I get what you're saying. It just sounds weird to me. Hey, uh, Heathen Dog, you're on fire. Three. Oh, crap. I need to have three. I need to have three successes on D20. I, I got to. Well, well, Game Master, I hope you like Dark Symmetry because you're going to get some. <laughs> there you go. I, I don't feel like going up like a Tiki Torch today. Oh, if the status effect does not have any specific magnitude, it requires a challenge difficulty two resistance test so there's no one if the character passes the test the status effect ends oh well there may... has to be a talent or something that that you know can probably bring down a resistance test so yeah, yeah probably is. all right so those are those are your uh what do they call those things i always forget the name of that restricted yeah restricted actions now standard actions here are the things that you're probably going to be doing most of the time sure there are a number of standard actions available. Most combat actions require skill tests such as attacks. All right, we got that, right? Talent or ability. Some special talents and abilities allow a character to perform a second standard action without having to pay the GM any chronicle points. Because as we talked in Momentum and Chronicle Points, you can get another action by spending those points. This is described in the individual talent or ability descriptions. They may only use one talent or ability that grants an extra standard action each turn. Okay. So you can't you don't have you don't have vampire celerity here. Oh man. I know, right? Chronicle points. A player may spend a chronicle point to allow his character to perform an additional standard action. When spending a chronicle point, the player does not have to pay the GM any dark symmetry points. So haha, Mr. Game Master. Not today, pal. And he may choose to perform the same standard action more than once. A player may spend more than one chronicle point to allow the character to perform multiple extra actions. Now, okay, you might be. So is, is this the thing that breaks the rule? You can only have one extra standard action unless you throw chronicle points? Yes. Out? Yeah. Okay. And, but, but let's be clear. What is it? Uh, I already forgot. Is you can have a maximum of six chronicle points? Five or six. Yeah. Five, five or six. So if you want to blow through your wad at one point, you're going to Rambo full auto the whole, the whole platoon of enemy soldiers. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> Activate a power. The character can use a special power such as a dark gift, the arts, or a mutation. And we'll be talking about those in a future week. Okay. Attack close combat. 
Okay, you can punch people. Sure. <laughs> oh, no, you know, I, there's a part in here I have to read, and I forget where it is. Right. Must declare a target, equipped weapon being used, average Okay, a character engages another with a close... Okay, once a character engages with another with a close combat attack, they're considered part of melee. All right, melee. Once in a melee, a character must use the withdraw action, by the way, again, very similar to folks who play the user engine, to disengage safely from the other combatants. If the target of a close combat attack has not already performed a response action, he may attempt a dodge or parry response action. So now we're getting into palladium territory, huh? Mm -hmm. A character can voluntarily fail this attack and still count as engaged for purposes of blocking a character's free movement. Oh, I see what it does. Okay. All right. All right. If, if you're engaged in a melee with an enemy, you and the enemy are are uh your your free movement is, is taken away because you cannot you cannot move freely without being countered yeah, it's a contested area right that's probably the only reason you'd want to fail being punched in the noodle though but yeah range attack character draws down on and attacks a target at range range attacks require an average difficulty one range weapon test so not too bad right modified yeah. by range the target must be within the weapon's effective range or the action's difficult yeah, actions difficulty increases by one for every zone outside this effective range. Now, oh, oh look at that. The target. F the target. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> All right. If the target is not visible to the attacker, the difficulty increases by two steps. If the test attack succeeds, the attacker moves to the damage step of the combat sequence. I don't like the wording of this. I, I know it makes sense, but let's just say it. Basically, it's saying, if you hit, roll damage. Sure. A character who attempts a range attack while an enemy is within reach increases the difficulty by one unless it has the close quarters quality. Now, there are a couple of things about this chapter. I get it on one hand, and on the other hand, it's like it could have done a little better. Do you know what the close quarters means? Do you even know what a close quarters quality is? Um, no. Okay. Weapons have qualities. Okay. Armor penetration is a possible. Close quarters. A lot of pistols have the close quarters quality, which means that, you know, if we're in fisticuffs, I can without yeah, it, much of a problem. It can be maneuvered in a small space yeah. without penalty. Got it. Right. A rifle doesn't have that. A quality is a lot of times it's a roll you have to make in order to activate it, but it, it's, it's just a feature of the weapon. So now we know. Oh, excuse me. And it is identified in the weapon, by the way. You will see it there. It's not like you have to sure. guess. Some ranged weapons have different qualities that can inflict status effects, deal additional damage, or allow an attack to strike multiple targets. The target of a ranged attack has not already performed a response action. He may attempt a dodge response action as long as he is aware of the attacker and has the necessary room to avoid the attack. I like that little addendum right there. Has necessary room to avoid the attack, right. Because otherwise, you know, it says I can dodge any attack. Dude, you're standing in a box. You're, you're, you're in a, uh, uh, what's that thing called? Uh, you're literally iron... a fish in that barrel. Yeah, you're an Iron Maiden, a fish in a barrel. But it says I can dodge! Well, this says you can't. <laughs> Brace. Certain weapons are described as unwieldy, such as heavy machine guns. This sure. allows you to, to brace and... Uh, oh, let me read it, because it actually talks about repercussions. I forgot about that. An attack with an unwieldy weapon increases the difficulty rating for the attack by two ranks. Oh, that's a lot. One to three. Well, you're trying to do the old uh, Jesse the body, you know, you know, those guns, gun. 
yeah you know take away a forest who needs who needs agent orange when you got a thousand rounds right of of jesse the body right yeah uh so and its repercussion range is increased by one step from 20 to 19 or more if you have doom or dread right yeah or you know depending on the starting repercussion range right just one more step right 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 and that yeah for they're suffering from dread when a character performs a brace action the difficulty and unreliable penalties are removed from future actions with the wielded gun why because this is a standard action you are using your standard action to brace okay i hate to say this but i really feel like this should have been under the restricted action really should because it's not a die roll but it is something you have to focus on and it's it's something if you're trained in the weapon you are trained to do so you don't have to really think about it that much. It's just something you do. And you, sh- and you don't have to roll for it because you're not resisting anything. You're just bracing yourself, getting ready to fire. You haven't actually fired yet. So yeah, this should be a restricted action. I agree. Once a character performs brace action, he's considered braced until he moves from their location or changes what is being held in his hands. Coup de gras. I'm sorry, coup de grace. If he has a ranged or close combat weapon equipped, a character can deliver a killing blow to an adjacent within melee range, helpless, unconscious, or critically wounded target. I hate this rule, but I know, let me phrase it. I hate that this rule has to be written. But I remember being in Dungeons and Dragons games. Okay, roll your d4 for your dagger. He's sleeping. Dagger does a d4. I hate you and your entire family for allowing you to live. Uh, <laughs> So it's that kind of stuff that makes rules like this have to exist. But the GM may deem that some targets require a skill test. You know, you could be talking something heavily armored that it isn't just easy to walk up. Like, where the hell do I poke this thing? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there, there could be other reasons for it as well. But uh, generally speaking, yes, if, 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 you know, somebody's sleeping over there, you can go pokey pokey and it's dead. Draw or use an item. Using a free hand, the character may pick up a nearby item, draw a weapon being carried on his person, or stowed in his gear. If the item is already in hand, the character can use it with this action. Some items, like auto meds, can take effect as soon as they're drawn, allowing a character to draw and use the item with only one standard action. You know, it's a proverbial impact, right? Right. So. Uh, and I'm, I'm absolutely certain there's some kind of talent for quick draw that allows you to draw and shoot in the same, in the same round. I'm sure there is. Maybe squeak squeak all right exploit weakness apparently this is one of those i have to cover it was demanded okay a character takes extra time readying his next close combat or ranged attack to further increase his odds of hitting and potentially inflict more damage all right hmm. so it's like okay. aim shot or, or fainting fainting oh yeah, yeah I, I, I see faint. what you're saying Throw, throw out a feint to, to, to move your... This is close, this close combat, right? So you, you throw out a feint to, to make your enemy move in a certain way that you can take advantage of. It's kind of like that. It's, it seems I, like I, that. I see this as a spot armor flaw from Earth Dawn. <laughs> uh, oh, Biggest Geekus. Welcome to... Biggest Geekus is our newest sentient. Well, thank you very much, sir. That's awesome. By the way, if you guys have not checked out Big Geek Emporium, you really need to do that. It is, it is a competitor. It is the driving force out there. No, it's not. It is a new, it's a new service out there. If you like drive through RPG, uh, which, uh, you know, it doesn't have the titles yet. The drive through RPG has, but the artists or the publishers, whatever, not the publisher, the, uh, the developers keep more of the income. 
Big Geek Emporium takes just just a little tiny amount. Actually, I think he turned that off for now. But uh, even before then, just a little tiny amount. And it's got a lot of great uh, creators on there. So check out Big Geek Emporium. Uh, uh, character takes extra time. Reading his next close action. Oh, where was it? Uh, so here we go. If the character performs a close combat attack or ranged attack when the previous action was to exploit weakness, the character adds two d20 to the attack, wow. attack skill test. That is highly effective. So just for a second, how many dice do you normally roll? Two d20. Now how many are you rolling? Four d20. Ba- bam. That is Four. yeah, highly effective. If the attack succeeds, the attack inflicts an extra two, we'll just call it D6 for now, extra damage. Uh, And this is the other flaw with the chapter that really irked me. What's that? There is a little blurb at the beginning of the book, and we did cover it in our first episode, that talks about what does squiggly two mean? It's two dark symmetry dice. Right now, before this was even, this would have been a great point to mention what what the hell this does sure basically it's rolling an extra 2d6 and let me quickly tell you how that's done if you roll a one on the d6 you do one point of damage if you roll a two on the 2d6 you do two points of damage if you roll a three four or five you don't do squat and if you roll a six you activate one of those qualities armor so, piercing yep. whatever yeah got it right this is cumulative with any bonus dice from fully automatic weapons to an absolute maximum of 3d20. Wait, what? Yeah, that didn't make sense to me. I, th- I thought we were talking about damage and we already got 4d20 out of the first half of that paragraph. Now, for fully automatic weapons, you get a maximum of 3d20. Maybe it's a it's a thing for fully automatic weapons because they do so much damn damage that uh, having more than 3d20 would make them just unbalanced. I had to read this paragraph a couple of times. And so when Crafty said, you have to talk about this, I was kind of like, eh, because I'm still not sure I fully grasp this. But, but in looking back, you get the 2d20 for your normal die roll. Sure. You get a 2d20 from if this. You exploited weakness the round prior. But it says you have an absolute maximum of 3d20. That doesn't for automatic add up. weapons. Right. Right, right, right. That is what I didn't catch the first time. I was like, how is 2d20 plus 2d20, 3d20? Like, what kind of crazy woke math is this? That doesn't, that doesn't add up in my, in my head. And you're right. It's because it isn't clear. This action can also be used to represent attempts to ambush, whether an intent to knock out an opponent or dispatch... I'm sorry. Whether with an intent to knock out an opponent or dispatch more quietly. The GM may allow... See, now you change pronouns up on me. At his discretion, successful stealth test to trigger a free exploit weakness action. So, GMs may allow at their discretion successful stealth test to trigger a free. Remember when we covered that? that Nice, I like that. Like if if you're hidden in a tree and and you're already you're already braced and and ready to shoot someone walking down that path. Someone walks on that path. If they don't see you, yeah, you get an automatic exploit weakness on them, which means you're rolling four d six and getting two d six extra die. To roll for yep. damage and that's- and you remember you remember when we talked about we we cut co- we looked at stealth right yeah. when we went over yeah. and it said in there a lot of the momentum features there are carried over to other skills and right. this is one of those times where i absolutely say yes this is a perfect example of momentum carrying over to another skill properly so yeah 
Okay. So, and Crafty put in chat there, yes, uh, the maximum you could ever roll. I thought we, I, I think we covered, covered this, oh, did you, previously? But just to, so for people's edification. No matter what is the yep. maximum you can get. You, uh, but I can buy more. I've got all this momentum. No, shut up, dude. 5d20. That's it. That's, that's your hard cap. You can pass. You can do nothing. All right. Ready action. Wait, pass is an action? No. Just like zero is not a number game. <laughs> the lack of an action is not an action. You gonna make me call Cthulhu Law? Don't. Still uses the character standard action for the turn. Bullshit. It's not an action. The character we declared is, is it an action or is it not an action? Let us know in the comments and timestamp it because I'm not going to remember I asked that question. There you go. Yep. <laughs> uh, the character may declare he is waiting. Now we're back to he again. The character may declare he is waiting for a certain condition or event. I like to liken this to overwatch. I know, you know, holding an action, readying an action, overwatch, whatever. When the triggering condition occurs, the character with the readied action temporarily interrupts the acting character's term to resolve the readied action. So, I'm here, I'm waiting my overwatch position, I'm on the roof, I'm waiting for Heathen Dog, because Dan, he keeps coming over and putting poop on my step. So I'm like, when he comes around that corner, he's bebopping, he's, and be, he's like, hey, I'm going to come around the corner, and I'm going to throw a bag of poop on Max's step, and I'm going to be like, what the hell, man? This time when he comes around the corner, he doesn't get to throw it, because I shoot him. So my my readied action stops his action. I get to do mine. I basically interrupted his flow. And if you're like, well, what if two people have readied actions? Then no one's going to go because yeah. readied actions have to be triggered. And if two people, the only people involved in a fight are both readying an action, none of them is going, the other one is not going to create the trigger situation. So no one will do anything. <laughs> I'm readying my action for when he readies his action. That doesn't work. <laughs> All right. Uh, once the ready to action is resolved, the acting character continues his turn as normal, probably laying on the ground, bleeding through a hole. I just put through his head because he's going to throw poop on my Holding step. Holding a bag of poop. <laughs> if, the, if the triggering condition does not occur before the character's next turn, the ready to action is lost. Yeah, Basically, you spend all your time waiting. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, characters with a ready to action can still make re restricted and free actions as normal. Why? Because they're, they're restricted and free actions. I mean, it's in the name, right? Examples of ready actions include firing at a necromutant. Okay, that's like a double whammy. Not only is it a mutant, but it's a necromutant. It's a yeah. dead. That's gross. Yeah, when he stands, go ahead. Your dating life is probably really bad. <laughs> yeah, right. When he stands up from, you know, there's somebody for everybody. Uh, anyway, when he's standing up from behind cover, so yeah, like, it's kind of the same thing we were talking about there. The necromutant's like, I'm gonna stick my head up. Oh, right. look, man. Weirdos need, need to get got. Shake it off. The character may spend a dark symmetry point to attempt a willpower test to push past the pain of physical or mental wounds. On a successful willpower test, a character can recover one light wound box, and we will talk about damage after this chapter, okay. uh, from the hit location of his choice, or one mental wound box. I'm actually interested to, th to know what you think about the how damage works in this game. Okay. I'm still coin flipping on it. Part of me loves it. The other part of me is like, eh. But, uh, we'll get there when we get there. A character can recover one additional light or mental wound box for each momentum spent from the test. Already, That's... I see this as an issue. Why is that? Because I, uh, is everyone magic? Is is that what you're saying? Like I I can will my wounds to close. That well, 
So there's, which we'll talk about when we get to the wound section, damage section. There are three types of wounds: light wounds, serious wounds, critical wounds. Okay. This this specifically says light wounds. Bumps, scrapes, whatever. You put some okay. neosporin on it, and you're moving on. It's SDC versus the hit points of the other ones. Right. Um, the difficulty of the willpower test is based on the severity of the character's wounds. If a character is only suffering from light wounds, it's an average D1. And this is, I, I like this. I like this effect. If the character is suffering from serious wounds, it's a D2 willpower test. Mind you, you're still only curing the light. But because you actually have some real damage going on in there, it's higher. And if the character is critically wounded, it's a daunting difficulty three willpower test. Even though, again, you're only healing the light wounds, but because you've decided to get shot in the lungs a couple of times, eh, those bumps and scrapes aren't healing so quickly. Or or your mental trauma as your brain fugled isn't going away so much because you know you're sucking through only your left lung. Sprint. Character may move to any point in any zone. Within, within long yeah, within long range. So close, medium, long. Yes, there's also extreme, but that's more of an optional range, and I think we'll get to that in a little bit. Okay. So, if you just want to bust Perfect. ass and go, and, and you're just running, you can do it. Sprinting through difficult or ha hazardous terrain increases the difficulty of terrain tests by one step. It's because, you know what, that stick you didn't see, it was pointing up this way, and you decided to put it through the whole, through, can't talk, put it through your foot, or it grabbed your toe and you fell down. You know. If the test fails, the character either counts as having taken a movement action or at the GM's, God, I love the this is going, right? Preference, faces a complication such as tripping, making too much noise or not. Notice it didn't say I had to spend a dark symmetry. No. It just says, at the GM's preference. Yep. <laughs> faces a complication such as tripping, making too much noise or not being in cover at the end of his action. Ranged attacks made against a character who is sprinting by using a ready to action, for example, have the difficulty rating increased by one step. So, that, I mean, that's the, you know, serpentine, serpentine, right? So, withdraw. It's another one of those action types that even in the Year Zero engine, I use it because it's core to the game. What makes me feel ways about things. A character may safely leave a melee engagement using the withdraw action. Sure. If a character and his allies in the melee engagement outnumber the opposition, withdraw can be performed as a free action, so no roll. Basically, your buddies get in the middle. It's like that with that old uh, Star Trek one where she's trying to touch them and they keep changing positions. Yeah. I am for you. Um, yeah, so, so there you go. Since there's more of them than there were of her, it was a free that action. Worked. They just kept making circles. The character remains in the same zone, so that means you're still close, you're still medium, you're still long, but is no longer within reach of any character in that melee. So reach is actually another range category. Well, it's a it's a range qualifier. It's it's two meters. You can be close range, but you can also be close and within reach. Hungar the Starvarian, thank you very much, sir. He is. Welcome to being a century. You've been a century. Yeah, you got the little icon. He's upped his centurion status. Mm -hmm. Oh, it doesn't show the icon on StreamYard. No. Ooh. But thank you, Hungar. You guys have not bought Hungar's shirt yet. Can you put his icon back up there? Oh, sure. You can get a shirt with that picture. You know you want it. You know you want that shirt from... I don't have his link, though. He'll have to give me his link again. We'll put it in chat. I'll put it in the description or something. 
You want that. You want Hungar shirt. Eat Hungar shirt. And you, you want it in pink. And you, like my wife, you want it in pink. Yep. <laughs> all right. Uh, all right. If, if a character attempts to leave a melee engagement, get over here, mouse, with a movement or sprint action, he must make an opposed average, difficulty one, close combat skill test against the most skilled enemy combatant in the melee engagement. If the skill... <laughs> I knew this was coming. <laughs> here you go. The Hunga shirt. There it is. In all its glory. Is he pooping out gold or are those rocks? No, that's a that's a woman. Is she pooping out gold or are those rocks? Oh, that's a woman. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Got it, got it. <laughs> all right, that, that's even Thank better. you, dear. So, <laughs> if the skill test succeeds, yeah, I safely left the melee engagement. Uh, the reason why this makes me feel ways about things isn't because I think it's a bad idea. It's because I've seen too many back and forth like, really? He just makes a roll and now I can't attack him? Well, he did make an opposed roll. To be fair, he made an opposed okay. roll. The problem I have with it, if a character attempts to leave a melee engagement with a movement or sprint action, he must make an opposed average close combat skill test against the most skilled enemy combatant in the melee. I have a problem with that. Because if if you're in a, if you're in a, like a, skirmish melee where you've got three people in the same general close area all of them attacking each other why do i have to make a roll against the best combatant of the enemies when he's not the person i'm actively fighting right now he's actively fighting somebody else why do i have to roll against him i should roll against the person that's actively fighting me see i think that's a very valid argument my only counter to it is that combat is a scrum and I understand that when we're playing RPGs, a lot of times there are miniatures out there. It's like, I'm attacking him. He's attacking me. Like, in that regard, I think you're right. But when you have, and I'm doing this just for visual sake. I'm not saying this is how you do your game. If you have, like, three guys in a row here and four guys in a row there, they're all kind of attack. Like, oh, I got a weakness over there. It's not just the guy in front of you. It's not, it's not like a Roman legion, you know, with their shields locked. Fair enough, fair enough. But... I do, I do hear what you're saying, and that yeah. is a question that I have as well. I think it depends on how it's set up. Okay. In, in my opinion, I would change this rule, and I would say to disengage from a melee, you have to make a resisted test against the last person that attacked you okay. in the enemy group. Or the That's closest. That's the one who is currently threatening you. Yeah, either that or the closest. Yeah. But, but I, I get it. But the, you know, the thing is, is sometimes when we, because I know how you run your games, when we look at... Uh, you know, fights. We'll have two or three people fighting over here, another two or three people fighting over here. Well, you're technically within that close combat range, right? But not you're, really within... you're not within reach close combat yeah. of each other, so you're not technically in the same melee right. scrum. Right. Yeah. Um, and you know that actually. So I mean, in in melee engagement, well, you know what? Reach in order to be in melee engagement, you have to be in reach. Yes. So that's so now i when i think about it i think i agree with this rule because it reminds me of the harried rule from earth dawn you know that's one of those that have to play out i, yeah. I understand what no, heathen dog's saying i think he's going in the right track i just don't know if that's how it's visualized on because i have my ultimate terrain which works perfect for this game version two um i would have to see how it plays out but let's uh move along here response actions response actions do not occur during a character's turn but we already read that right like in the other 
<laughs> yes, uh, re re response actions don't occur on your timetable. You're responding to somebody else's action, which occurs on their turn. Yeah, and a prone character, a character's movement is otherwise restricted, cannot perform response actions. Okay. It requires, a, uh, so performing response action requires a bit of additional effort. This is the fun part. I keep thinking I'm going to skip some of these, and then I remember that there's a paragraph in here I have to read. Okay. When a player chooses to perform a response action, he must pay one dark symmetry point to the dark symmetry pool. So when you want to dodge, when you want to parry, you have to pay a dark symmetry point. Likewise, when the GM chooses to perform a response action, I, I scroll up here. Oh, nope, guess not. Come back down for that one. The carry, he must spend one dark symmetry point for the dark symmetry pool. Okay, see, uh, I, I wish it hinted at this earlier when it spoke about, when it spoke about uh, the, these types of actions, because now it feels like, you know, you bait and switch me on this one. I don't like this, but this is because I'm jaded by the Free League version. And when I say the Free League version, somebody's being, Ninja Zero doesn't do that. Right. Coriolis is what I'm specifically talking about. In Coriolis, the players have these abilities available to them. Just to clear. The Game Master does not. The Game Master has to spend what, in this game they call Dark Symmetry, and that game is called the Darkness uh, Between the Stars. Or, uh, I'm sorry, um... Yeah, is it darkest points? Whatever it is. But we'll say dark symmetry because we're talking about this game. So that kind of gives that player that level of heroism. If you want to dodge, if you want to do this extra thing that you're not normally allowed to do, go for it. Because you're, you're partially the hero of the story. If for me to do it as the game master with my minions out here, you must spend. I, I have to spend a point. I prefer that methodology better. But I'm sure there's a reason for this. And I'm sure, sure Crafty's going to put it in chat. In the chat. <laughs> yeah, like like I said earlier, I, I wish they they hinted at this uh, at this mechanic when they originally described it, because now, like I said, it feels like I'm getting cheated now. Oh, I see. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Because when we first read it in actions, it, it wasn't there. Didn't yeah. talk anything about having to spend anything, give dark symmetry points to anyone. Didn't didn't even hint at it. And this goes back to the palladium problem. Hey, I found the rule. <laughs> Yeah, it's no, somewhere else. No, you did. No, you didn't. I found the rule. <laughs> so, um, covering fire character players supporting another character with covering fire. I'm going to start to speed through some of these because we have other sections to get to. I think a lot of you folks, you can see it's on the screen, and you're going to you're going to know that you have a lot of options available to your character. In fact, I do want to scroll back a page and quickly look at uh, at these possible complications. So for a close attack, you can overextend. You can be disarmed. For a range attack, you can, weapon can jam. You can fumble or misfire. You can be exposed. Oh, you have no cover. Uh, ammunition. Uh oh, you, run out you of lost. Bolts. Yep. So uh, you know, for shake it off, that's your uh, recovery. Mm -hmm. It's your recovery test. Eh? <laughs> Worse than it looked. Uh oh. Debilitated. Oh no! I'm bleeding. I'm bleeding. No, 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 no. Uh, worse than it looked is, oh, God, oh, God, I'm bleeding. Debilitated is like, oh, my God, where'd my leg go? Well, I was, I was doing panic for that one. But yeah. Oh, okay. But yeah, you, you're right. And then for sprint, stumble, noisy, exposed. And of course, you can come up with more, but there, there are some options I just, oops, that I wanted to show. Yeah, um, exposed would be my, my aforementioned uh, uh, running through a, uh, a football field. Yeah, it's faster to get from one place to the other, but the entire way you're under zero cover 
and it's extremely easy to shoot you. Whereas if you're in a quarry, sure, your full sprint is not going to get you as far, but that, that rocky terrain does not immediately make you exposed. I would say it like that. Okay. Makes sense to me. Here you dodge and parry. I left them on the screen for a little bit. They're not hard to read. I've got them really big. You can read them. Defense actions and ties. Parry and dodge. Always just, just understand the way this game works. Ties go to the players. Here you go. Okay. Retaliate. Dual wielding. Oh, here we go. Yeah. I'm going to read the second paragraph, not the first paragraph. John Woo this bitch. You know, we're going to find out what happens. Okay, actually, I will read the first paragraph because I see a number in it. Um, character who attempts to wield two weapons at once may either may use either weapon to make an attack and may use the swift strike momentum spend, allowing a second action at plus one difficulty. So now you need two successes at least for one momentum instead of the usual two. So okay. uh, so long as any second attack is made with the other weapon. So it's one momentum to go boom, boom. It's two momentum to go boom, boom. All right. Okay. A character may attempt to dual wield with a pair of melee weapons, a pair of ranged weapons, or one of each, so long as he can wield those weapons in one hand. Obviously, if it's a, you're not taking too many guns. Right, right. Uh, a dagger and a handgun. Yeah. Sure. Uh, witch hunter. There you go. You're a witch hunter from uh, Warhammer. Uh, a sufficiently strong character could wait into battle with an assault rifle in each hand, but he's unlikely to be particularly accurate with them. Oh, fair. Let me tell you my story of trying to do that when I was in... <laughs> Alright, combat momentum. Are we at a stopping point to read chat yet? I think we are. Yeah, sure. yeah I think we're at it. Alright, let's look at it. He has it! This is Figure me. This is me. He, he's really happy. I'm, I'm, uh, apparently, my, my initial take on these rules is correct. I'm awesome. If I had one of my animations, where can I put a little explosion behind you? There you go. Am I going to heaven? I'm already there. I'm already there. Uh, it's because he gets to work with me. Exactly. <laughs> uh, zones in MC3 are close, medium, long, and extreme. Close is right around. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. We got it. We got it. And uh, <laughs> because, yeah, hello, hello. yeah, I, I just had to put that up. That was funny. Uh, all right. Uh, I like that. So sick of players claiming they can dodge a fireball in a 10 foot room. Yes. If you are, if you're, if your movement is restricted by environment or situation, dodging is stupid. You can't do it because you literally can't get out of the way. I and like as, that. as people have heard me say for ever, uh, is one of the reasons why I don't like grid based games is because I hate the concept that the fireball ends at the tip of my nose. Right. Ah, see, I didn't get hit. It stopped right there. <laughs> uh, you have discovered the weakness in Modiphius's writing. <gasps> Discussing mechanics as if you already read it and know what it is, and then reality, the mechanic is explained later. Yes, that, that we, we were talking about that with the whole uh, the whole uh, um, reaction type thing where, oh, before it sounded like it was a free thing. If someone attacked you, you get one free action and no, you got to spend. Well, that comes far later. Why? Well, there you go. Palladium, palladium is bleeding into everything. <laughs> All right. Uh, ah, damn, heathen dog, you're on fire. That, that's right. Yes, see, I see. I, I will. Maybe I'll have to actually edit this video and give you an explosion. <laughs> Maximum number of d20s you can roll is five. Yeah, thank you. Uh, in any combination, bonuses from exploit, momentum spend, mm -hmm. or DS point buys, you can't get greater than five. And well, if I wasn't clear I could, about that if earlier, you want then... me to spend? Well, I'm not going to because five is your hard limit. Shut the hell up. Yep. Uh, combine exploit actions with uh, with chronicle, chronicle points. points. Purchase a second action so you can exploit. And then attack immediately. 
That is that is one way to do it. Use your use your regular action exploit, and then you buy a second action with chronicle points to immediately get that plus that plus two d twenty and plus two damage dice in that same round. While I find that it does allow for heroic play, this is the gamification that I don't like. If that makes sense. No, so, I, it's it's it, it seems like an <laughs> an exploit. <laughs> so yeah okay i did that so yeah because uh you know in in your in your first action you could take out the the head guy just in one shot no that that part that part doesn't bother me the ability to do that is almost almost what i'm talking about is like his specific wording that's on the screen there hmm. it seems calculated yes I'm going to calculate that if I use this point before this other point, I can do these things and then add this other point on here. I don't like that kind of gamification in my RPGs. Which is why I go back and saying I like the free league version of it. Did you get extra successes? Yeah. How do you want to deal with those extra successes right now? I don't have to think about that they're going to be used later or it's going to turn into twist into something new and different. And like, no, you got extra successes. What did those do? These things. Great. Good job. You shot the big bad guy in the in the eyeball. He's dead. You all win the prize. Doesn't do anything else other than, oh, you knocked him down because you're going to go up there and you're going to Lilliputian him. That's fine. I don't do your thing. But I, I don't like this. Hold on. I could spend it this first and then that then spend these other point. Now, get that out of my game. That That is my only issue with momentum and Chronicle points. Okay. I think the reason they have these these types of uh, um, force multipliers mm -hmm. is to get people to spend their chronicle and momentum points. Yeah. Yep. Get them to spend it. Keep them low. To, yeah, Crafty talks about that all the time. Yeah. To, you know, get them to try and get more. Always trying to get more. It's 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 a dragon you'll never you'll chase, but you'll never catch. Well, he actually said a few times uh, that uh, one of the things is you want the players to spend those points. Not because you get... As as the game master, but as they're spending the points, you're getting yours, but you're also spending yours during the fights as well. Mm -hmm. You're not stockpiling them. And I'm like, really? But he, but uh, him and I think Omen always mentioned as well is that's one of the issues in the game is when new players stockpile all this stuff. And then all of a sudden it's like, Bleh! and the game master's like, oh, really? <laughs> Bleh! And, you know, it went from it's a soldier versus demon to david versus goliath type stuff or, or, or you know uh i can't i don't know anime but super saiyan right <laughs> like all in one moves like you thought you were strong but oh your planet's gone <laughs> obviously i'm exaggerating for effect but you guys get it okay um momentum is a key strategic resource i mean in chronicles wow did we segue this on purpose it's great uh well, with, a, with a wide variety you, you were told you were when Burning a character three? generates more successes than necessary to pass a combat related skill to this is like everyone if you get more successes you get but let's see how we can spend these uh, these points okay oh it's too small because is it too small yeah one, uh, one notch higher how about this screw everybody okay because if i go one notch higher then i get that oh okay fair enough those are my notches um hold on maybe can i do that oh there we go i can do it though i can just click the button way Oh, that that broke it. Yep, that broke it. We gotta go back down one. All right, two fifty. We'll say it two fifty. So, this is how you can spend your momentum. Is this an exhaustive list? Probably not, but it's probably going to cover most of the things you want to do. 
bonus damage. You can spend one or more momentum points to increase damage. Called shot. For each momentum spent, the character may adjust the hit location. Yes, there are hit locations in this game. Uh, uh, you can uh, take that, turn it to an adjacent face. You can't flip it all the way over. But you Called can... shot for the hoo-ha. <laughs> there you go. You can spend a point to defend. Character may designate a target within reach, including himself. The next attack against that target this round becomes more difficult by one rank. I like okay, that. Yeah, they, they actually they actually explained defend earlier. You you kind of pass by it, but uh, if if you def, if you take I say if you can defend yourself, I'd say that's more of a defensive stance. But you can get in front of somebody else's bullet to make yeah. it harder to hit them. But I wasn't able to read what it does to you because I imagine you you're putting yourself in danger. So there's got to be a downside to that. Uh, if I remember correctly, you take the damage of. You take damage, but extra successes then go to the target, if I remember how I read that. Oh, so you can shoot through the defender into the guy yeah, who wants yeah. to shoot. Okay, all right. Winter Soldier. Or, or, is, or is it extra attacks go to the... I, I, but it was something about extra goes to uh, the original target. But, okay. yeah, uh, yeah, I don't want to read everything here. I know I said we were going to do a deep dive, and, and we were going to talk about a lot of this stuff, but at some point we do have to move on a little bit here. Um, what I want to talk about are some of these, let's say, two and three, right? So devastating blow is two. That means you need to spend two momentum on that. Minimum. Yes. Well, in this case, it's just two. Oh. Roll a second hit location for the target. That hit location suffers half the current attack's damage round down. So that means, let's just arbitrarily say, you do six points of damage. It's kind of high, but we'll go with it. Six points of damage. You'll do six to the first location and three if you, uh, to another location if you spend these two points. Oh, real world example. Okay. You are shot in the torso with an M16. But you decide to sp to spend two momentum points for a devastating blow. Now, you're still shot in the initial shot in the torso, but it's in the shoulder, which means half the damage goes to that arm. Is that something that um like what Just happened? remember full damage still went to the chest. Full damage went to torso, but a half half of that again went to the yeah, arm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so yeah. 6 and then 3 because it's close by and it's also damaged in the attack. Penetration. The damage inflicted by the current attack ignores soaked value provided by the armor equal to twice the momentum spent. That's why there's a plus on there. So if you spend two momentum, you can ignore four soaked value of armor. Okay. And That's soaked value is what? Automatic successes and resistance of some kind? Yeah, yeah. It's basically okay. difficulty. <clears throat> so, all right. Steel nerves, one divided by dread. What does this mean? Character recovers from dread a number of points equal to the amount of momentum spent. That's a poorly okay. written sentence, but... Yeah, it is It is awkwardly written, but momentum, one momentum equals minus one dread. Got it. Yep. There we go. Okay, those are things you can do. Yeah, let's uh, move on. Uh, da, 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 characters and zones. These are the, these are the ranges. Let's, um, let's go to this one right here. Well, crap, no. So let's, let's read through them. Oh, reach is its own zone. I thought reach was just also close. I'm sorry. Okay. It's fine. I mean, I said it. I, I was right. But you know. <laughs> reach, I'm sure your creature is within reach. It was close enough to touch. And we'll get to, I like, uh, for what I do, I like to say it's three meters, 10 feet. This game does the two meter, five feet thing. Uh, the okay. reason I say that is because pole arms actually have a pretty decent reach. And when people are in melee, they move a little bit. Semantic thing, 
pedantic thing. It's a personal preference. Again, it's not that the game does anything wrong. Most games say two meters. Uh, close an object, uh, object or creature is close if it's in the same zone. An object or creature is at medium range if it's in an adjacent zone. You're probably like, what are these zones, man? We'll get to that. An object or creature that is, here we go. Let's zoom in a little bit. An object or creature is at long range if it's two or more zones away from your current zone. An extreme is a special case not normally used in most situations. Three or more zones away. Less abstract ranges. We acknowledge that some groups may prefer concrete values for weapons and movement range. Or may simply prefer to have a clear idea what range categories mean. It is a struggle. When I first started playing games like this, uh, especially when I was getting in the free league because it does something very similar, yeah. it was a little bit of a struggle for me. But now I actually prefer having that abstractness because it's really based on whatever situation you have going on there. Yes. It, it, uh, all of these ranges are subjective to the, the initial person or thing you're looking at. Yeah. Like, you know, you are close range to this guy, but you are extreme range to this other guy, even though you're, you're, you're considered, you know, only a hundred feet away, but in your situation, that's considered extreme range. If you are in reach distance of him, that means you are medium range to someone who is only one or on, only two range away, which normally would be, you know, something else maybe. So it, it all depends on the perspective or your starting point or relative to you is range. But I understand why a lot of people would want numbers on that. Yeah. Well, because again, some it takes people a lot of, to picture that in your head if, if you don't have a grid map. The, the other, the other uh, caveat to that, is I think you hit the 80% solution, you know, the Pareto solution there, but there, there's another portion is there's a difference between it being in a, let's say, let's say you're fighting outside of Walmart and you're in the parking lot. Okay. You know, the parking lot, maybe one or two uh, zones itself. Then you've got the door. Well, I might only be 10 meters from that door. However, that is a completely different range. Yeah. Zo that zone. Is medium range. Yeah. yeah, it's a zone because I have a definitive blocker there. There, there are obstacles in the way, so I might be fighting you in reach combat. That person over there is going to be a zone away, even though it's not two hundred yards or whatever the hell it says here. We'll we'll talk about it in a moment. That person is a zone away because they have to use some kind of action to get through open door, through door, closed door. Yeah, to if that's how, if that's how you within, want to see it, yeah, yeah, to to get within close range. So, so their effective range is medium, even though even if they're only twenty feet away because of the steps required to close the distance. And this is all going to be GM call. Barrier. All, all okay. GM call. So he might yeah. see it differently than me. You might see it differently than us, you know, but as long as you understand it conceptually. Now, yeah. reach is approximately two meters. Like, like I said, most games do the two meter thing. Close range is approximately 50 meters. A lot longer than the year zero engine games. Yeah. <laughs> Medium range is approximately 250 meters. So that means, yeah, that part that that Walmart parking lot is pretty much medium range, right? Sure. Long range is approximately 500 meters, and extreme range is anything beyond that. And these are again approximate. Sure. You know, it doesn't be, move that bullet moving or that that guy moving one inch does not add that difficulty modifier on there. Like ah, one inch is a whole new difficulty. Good luck with that extra d20. Use some common sense. So what can you do? You can talk to people in your same zone. People in adjacent zones, you have to talk a little bit high, uh, louder, but uh, you have to be on medium. You have to yell at people. Hey, why? Because it's approximately 250 meters. That's two and a half football fields. 
You're not just like, hey, heathen dog, how you doing today? I'm great. You know, you're you're actually going to be screaming that. Distance and perception. The further away something is, the harder it is to notice. In game terms, it means that characters in distant zones are harder to spot when being stealthy than ones nearby. No kidding. <laughs> A character increases the difficulty of perception tests by one when trying to notice creatures and objects at medium range by two at long and by three when at, at extreme. Oh, anyway, you get the idea. Movement, character can move in a number of ways. A character can, as a free action, adjust his stance <laughs> to any point within close range of his current position. So, what was close range again? 50 feet. 50, was it 50? Okay, yeah, yeah, that's right, 50 meters, yeah. Uh, so, within, within 50 meters, you can move within 50 meters as uh, an adjustment of your action. That doesn't seem to make sense because of meters. I understand. Yeah, that's a, 50 meters is a long way for a free action. But also remember that that uh, the time frames in this were ten to twenty seconds. That's true. Well, it wasn't five seconds. So things to consider. <laughs> See, every this is why I like abstractness to stay abstract. Once you start putting numbers on it, then people try it, to it calculate it. It breaks down. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, it breaks down. Um, with the movement restricted, action character move anywhere within his current zone such as enter reach of another creature in that zone or move to an adjacent zone as long as there's no difficulty moving between those zones see terrain below okay not gonna read like all that say if you're inside the walmart going to the parking yeah. lot if the door is already open fine if not then you can't do it as a free action yep okay agree reach is uh is that two meter range and you can attack people there uh movement and terrain Difficulty, uh, difficult terrain. This is uh, taking quite a while. I don't want to break this up into really two videos. Do this. We don't need to do this. Uh, I do want to hit. Uh, there's something I read uh, in. Is it here? Uh, ladders, right? Movement, terrain, difficult, athletic. Okay, yeah, you do have to make an athletic test for difficult terrain. Ladders will require additional entering or leaving these zones requires. So leaving the zone. So this is what I want to read. Entering or leaving these zones requires at least a restricted action and a d2 athletics test wouldn't that be a standard action just saying yeah that would be a standard action <laughs> but because it requires a test so it would be yeah. a standard action it's not a restricted action that mm, yep okay i see it yep falling let's uh let's do the falling damage is calculated really damage is calculated in building floors roughly three meter increments this isn't like some games where you can fall like five million feet you follow a couple of stories in this one. Every floor after the first deals one plus two dark symmetry dice of damage. After so, so it's one point for sure. And then you take two dark symmetry points of damage. So if you rolled badly, that's five points of damage. Ouch. So falling over three floors would be three plus six, six dark symmetry dice. Let's see, what's the worst roll there? 12, 15 points of damage. Boop by to a random location. Falling is not, uh, it's not good. Uh, you can use acrobatics to soak. Okay. Johnny suffocation, exposure to vacuum. We're not going to read that. We're not going to read these characters either. This is just, uh, it shows some characters in the game. I think we're at a point where we can do, okay, yeah. All right. This video is, uh, let's get, let's finish up with the comments. And then right. we, our next video is going to be on damage, wounds, and healing. Hopefully, I, I, we skipped a couple of things, but we really talked through a lot of it. It should give you a good example of how this game is played. And if you really cared about those two paragraphs that we didn't cover completely, buy the book. There you go. And this is all of my self-edification. Again, crafty praising me, which <laughs> I deserve.
And then here he is again. Apparently, I saved his day because he knew that you talking about this would make him cringe and and want to you know punch <laughs> the screen. But I've I've saved him from from having to you know uh, pay back the the dealership. So that's great. Hey, just because I don't care doesn't mean I don't understand. There you go. Uh, is, is that it for comments? That is it. Oh, okay, Everything well, else was them talking to each other or talking about Conan. All right. Uh, then the uh, next episode that'll be coming up will be on, as you see on the screen there. Oh, can't anymore because I cover it with the subscribe thing. Damage, <laughs> wounds, and healing. And I don't think it'll be as long as this video, but there are a bunch of things we do need to talk about on that one. So let's get to that right away. People want to hear about Heathen Dog and Mage. As they should. <laughs> All right, for the third part of today's segment one, we're going to talk about damage, wounds, and healing. And because that last segment was so long, we're not going to do proclivities. We're just going to go straight into talking about damage, wounds, and healing in Mutant Chronicles 3rd Edition. So, now, the one thing I'll say right now, out of the bat, out of the gate, okay. that uh, what I'm afraid of is that you can use Chronicle Points to heal faster. I'm afraid of that. To, to I a personally point. don't, I don't want that. But let's see if it happens. Okay. When attacked with a specific weapon, the damage inflicted is based on several factors. Damage rating. Each weapon has its own damage rating. Damage rating for most weapons is composed of two numbers, a number of six-sided dice, and possibly a fixed value to determine how much damage is inflicted. Sure. For example, and I think this is going to come up a couple of times in this chapter, if I remember correctly, the bolter does one plus four dark symmetry damage. So that's one damage if it hits you, right? Plus and then plus four yeah then you roll four six-sided dice you know i actually have these dice i have i have mutant chronicles dice because you know when it went out of that fire sale so I, ha I have the dice here and it's got this nice little one to say one point of damage sure it's got a nice little two two holes right sure. you got two holes in you now and then it's got numbers for three four and five i'm just gonna show the five that means nothing happens. So, zero. Yeah, well, if, you know what? You, you might be right. And then you got this cute little symbol right there for your six. Sure. So, you can use real D6s or you can use this. I just wrote, let me roll my four six siders here. I got a five and a five. So, throw those away. They suck. I got a two. Yeah. Good, good. And a dark symmetry. So, whatever the dark symmetry thing, whatever the, the quality, of that bolter is and it actually will be mentioned in yeah, um, in, the, in the description of the weapon yeah, yeah. well it'll be mentioned in the description of the weapon but they'll have an example with it here as well right. um i have just triggered that quality so, so what for is example if it was armor piercing yep was the quality of the weapon you now have three damage mm -hmm. one one for the base damage static which is one and then yep. you roll two which mm -hmm. adds two so that's three and mm -hmm. it now activates its uh its armor piercing quality which means yeah. i imagine it's harder to soak the damage right Yes. Okay. And I'm sure somebody will correct what it exactly means. I don't remember off the top of my head if it just reduces soak by one or if it completely just says, nope, penetrate through, take all the damage. I forget. But it does. But either way, it activated that quality. You're 100% right on with that. Oh, thank you. Now, bonus damage. Do, do, do. A character may inflict bonus damage if he has an ab as above average attributes. Now, we didn't talk about that much, but we did talk about it in character creation. Remember, my character did not have a bonus to ranged attacks okay but i did for close combat attacks which is why my character went all ranged attack because you know 
if I have the bonus, if I have the bonus, well, it's just how the life pass came up. But for example, a character with high enough strength will inflict additional damage. Is that what this chart is over here? Because if it is, okay, yes, it is. If you have an attribute that is equal or lower than eight, it's zero. A nine gives you plus one dark symmetry die. Okay, I love this. I love the fact that you are not immediately hampered by low attributes because yeah. of this. I mean, there are so many other games where, oh yeah, eight, oh, seven and eight is zero, but six and five is negative. You get like minus two, minus one, you know, whatever. I'm, I'm glad they decided not to do that. Yeah, sorry about that. Violence solves everything. Yeah, Rumble still has a lot of work, but uh, I'm using it because, well, one, you guys support me there, and two, uh, I like having a backup. Um, but good to see you here. Somebody posted, I think it was on our Discord, might have been a comment to a chat. Was it Omen Owl on our Discord? Doesn't matter. If it was you, Omen Owl, there you go. You're getting credit for it. Not, well, you're still getting credit for it. Uh, said that, uh, maybe it was a weird guy, doesn't like the Palladium attribute system because between 3 and 15 is just nothing. What's what's the well, point of having... Outside of Rift's ultimate, yes. Well, right. But generally speaking, between 3 and 15 is nothing. So what's the point of rolling? And I understand that. But, but I also... I don't like heavy negatives because what the hell is the point? I'm not saying that every character's perfect. I'm not saying that even every character has absolutely every attribute average. But it really feels like... A one and two having a minus one, I don't really have a problem with. But when one and two, or well, I'm sorry, it's three d six, so eight, yeah, three. When three and four are just as negative as seventeen and eighteen are positive, you start coming up with unplayable characters, or characters you don't want to play, or quirky characters that people act weird about. Right? Sure. Minus one, being a little weaker, being a little dexterous, that no big deal. When you have a minus five and a plus five, come on, you know, I mean, one or two skills and talents can shore up that hole, right? You know, that's fine. But if you're, if if you roll badly in in one stat and it's like minus five to, you know, an important thing, there is no amount of talents or skills that are going to fill that hole. That is a deep ass hole. Your, your character is now in the realm of, uh, maybe I should reroll this whole thing. So I, I like I like the fact that they did this where they didn't give automatic minuses to yep. damage because you're, you know, you're weak. Yep, I agree. I agree. And uh, what is it? It's, uh, it's awareness, if I remember correctly, for ranged weapons. Okay. It's your awareness attribute. So, or is it coordination? I can't remember. I think it's awareness. So it may inflict bonus damage if you have it's above, uh, it's above average attributes. Momentum. A player can spend momentum generated by an attack to add more damage to an attack. Each momentum spend adds one damage. And we looked at that in the last video. Yep. Damage ratings. A weapon's damage rating indicates its overall lethalness. The word lethality? Or am I wrong? I don't know. No, I think lethality is a better word. Uh, the higher the damage rating, the more dangerous the weapon. Damage is calculated using a number of dark symmetry dice and possibly a fixed value. By the way, and this is for both Free League and for, uh, what's company is this, Modifius? I get it. This is your thing. Got the little icon there. It's supposed to make sense to everybody. But I think it'd be better to say D6. Or, or spell out Dark Symmetry Dice. 
Yeah, yeah, right. Free League, did, when we just start doing the Free League games later on this year, we're going to see the same thing. They're like using their little uh, nuclear symbol and biohazard symbol and like, hell. Uh, anyway, this becomes the base damage for the attack, which can be further enhanced by uh, bonus dice and momentum. Okay. Now, before we end this segment, I want to take a look at some example for ranged weapons and melee okay. weapons, because I have a theory. I have a theory that the the base damage, which is the flat number, is going to be higher for melee weapons than than most range weapons because there's there's less randomness in it, whereas range weapons are going to have more dark symmetry dice than melee weapons because there's more randomness possible in a longer shot. Interesting. You said I have not looked into that at all. Well, I have I, looked at I, what I the numbers know. are, but uh, I haven't looked into that at all. That will be okay. We can do that today. Is that going to be for this video? Because we're going yeah, sure. to have an we're going to have an equip down to to the description of the weapons, and we should, we'll be able to see. Okay, I mean, because just to be fair, we're going to have an equipment video also later. Oh, on we are. Week. Okay, then. Like, hey, next three time. weeks. Three weeks. Come back. Something like that. Um, all right. When an attack hits its target, the player should roll a number of dark symmetry dice listed with the weapon's damage rating, plus any bonus dice derived. From a character's um, attributes. Momentum or attributes or yep. chronicle points or whatever. Things stack up. Yeah. Any damage generated by the damage dice is then added to the weapon's fixed value if present. And there we go. We saw the bonus damage before. Term range combat, same thing. Wait, was this to speed things up during combat? Oh, yeah. I remember reading this and I was like, this actually annoys me in most games. Hmm. I don't know why, but I have the opposite opinion of this. But since it's written here, I'll go with it. To speed things up during combat, a character should roll any bonus damage dice along with the weapon's damage rating uh, dice to calculate the attack's potential damage. Just they want you to roll at the same time, just to save. Yeah, time. I know, okay. I know, and I, and I get that. I find that when players do that, I just to me it's presumptuous. You're really you're rolling your attack, rolling your damage right now. F up, like I, it's again, it's it's nonsensical. I get it. Uh oh, now we're getting into locations. Or do you want to look at the example? Okay. Uh, okay, does it start up here? I don't think it does, but it might. Nope. Oh, yeah, no, it does not. Nope, we're good. Brand Barton. That sounds familiar. Brand Barton has an awareness of nine, which provides a damage bonus of one Dark Symmetry die to ranged combat attacks. Using a Punisher handgun... Oh, we changed the handgun now. One plus four Dark Symmetry die. He rolls five and adds one. Wait, what, what, what now? Oh, yeah. He rolls five Dark Symmetry because he gets a plus one yep. for his attribute. Right. He rolls a one, one, three, four... And five. The three, four, and five are discarded, but the two ones are added to the base damage for a total of three. Yeah, not the greatest shot in the world, but hey, you yeah. know what? Still a little extra damage, right? Sure. If a character passes his combat attack test and generates momentum, there are a number of options for spending it. We've gone through a lot of those. One of the most common options is to spend momentum for extra damage. Each point of momentum allows the character to add one damage. We already talked about it. Stop. No. Uh, actually, uh, Crafty wanted to be very clear that momentum adds a plus one, not plus one die, yeah. plus one to the damage for every momentum you spend. Oh, you don't you don't yeah. get extra dice, you get extra total. Yeah, of that's one. that's what I thought it was, but uh, yes. good clarification you if that is sure. And I want to make sure that everyone knows it here. So. Okay, no, that's that's good clarification. Um, because sometimes we'll make assumptions and then find out. Oops, it was wrong. the other way around. Yeah. Uh. uh all right, continuing the above example, Brand rolled well enough with his initial ranged weapon skill that he generated three momentum. He decides to spend all the momentum for extra damage. He adds three bonus damage to the attack, giving him a final total of six damage. Three damage from the damage roll, plus an additional three from momentum. So what 
Thank you, Crafty, for yep. you know not waiting five fucking minutes. Oh, no, he no, he had that a while ago. <laughs> okay, twenty five. I, I shouldn't cuss. This is segment one, or we don't do that on our PG Digest anymore. Anyway, hit locations. Each attack will strike an opponent in one or more hit locations. In most situations, only one hit location is determined per attack. To determine hit location, the player rolls one d twenty and looks up the result. Okay, so let's look up our result. Hey, roll me a d twenty. Okay. You have a d twenty near you. Yeah. 12. You hit him in the torso. There you go. Good job. Hey, center mass. And I don't hand. and I don't want to page this all the way to the back of the book for oh, my books down there for the character sheet. But there is a, a silhouette character. OK, this is 134. Let's try 490. Remember 134. 134. Copy. So we'll try 490 ish. Not even close. Scroll up. I said scroll up. Oh, my God. Oh, wait, is it? There we go. I'll zoom out. I'll zoom out. Scroll. Uh, stop spazzing, computer. There we go. I know it's sideways, but he here's your. Oh, there's your hit chart. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, mental wounds. There's just one box Category. for mental wounds. Uh, every one of these is a light wound, where you see okay. in the left arm. Every yep. one of these in torso is a light wound. Your serious and critical wounds are down here. Well, They're to the right. Type stuff. Yes. So there you go. That's that's what. Uh, so if you're wondering, like, okay, so you did six points of damage. What does that mean? Well, depending on your attributes and so forth. There you go. And you'll write your soak for your armor in here. And when I did my character creation video, that's all filled in. What was the page number? One thirty-four. One thirty-four. Correct. Oh, all right, we're back. Oh, you hit the torso for however much damage that was. Sure. Armor and cover. When a character is, uh, let's just skip to where the rule is. Each character can wear armor to protect his body. Armor is determined by hit location. Notice that it said soak in each one of those hit locations, yeah, right? It did. Had a little Wh shield symbol that said mm -hmm. soak. Right. Wearing more than one type of armor only protects a hit location equal to the highest rate. Okay, this is for people like Bob. This is people who like to stack armor. Stop it. Yeah. No one likes you. This is why. This is why you don't have a girlfriend. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> mixing and matching armor is okay that's i got fun. a little light over here i got a little heavy over here because that's all i could pick up things were getting broken but yeah i want to wear plate mail over my leather shut up bob plate mail has let okay never mind. <laughs> that is true yeah all right so if those of you who remember the character creation video my my uh blood beret had mark three heavy combat armor baby look at that i had Four, a soak of three ten what was this enc what's that encumbrance Oh, that, that makes sense. Yeah, it's really heavy armor. Five. Good luck. Five I'm just going to sit back while you keep shooting. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wait, you spent momentum. Damn it! <laughs> That's right. So, uh... My gun's armor piercing. Yeah, armor piercing, yeah. Now, cover. Cover is a little bit more important. All right, I'll be back in a sec. You yep, keep no going. Problem. A character benefits from cover when he's adjacent to a piece in the environment that obstructs a clear line of sight. There's only light and heavy in this game. Which, again, I know some simulation appears to be like, well, this would be worth more. Makes life easy. Light and heavy. Okay, just sometimes it's better to be simple. So let's go down here. I think it's down here. Yeah, uh, light cover is generally flimsy and provides more concealment than protection. It's one of the things I wish more role-playing games would build into their games. And one of the things I am building into mine is the... Big difference between cover and concealment. Cover is going to protect you from being hurt. You can have six inch thick, totally transparent 
bulletproof glass, right? You have no cover. Sorry, I said that backward. You have no concealment, but you have about 85 dice of cover. The flip side of it, tree leaves don't stop bullets. But, you know, you can't shoot what you can't see, right? It's not going to stop a bullet, but uh, I'm not going to be able to see you to shoot you. Or it's going to be really hard to see you to shoot you. You have to guess where you are. There's a big difference in cover and concealment. I wish more games would in, uh, incorporate that into the game. Now, with that disclaimer over, light cover is generally fl flimsy. Wood, plexiglass, reinforced aluminum panels would be examples of light cover. Light cover provides two soak. It acts like armor. There you go. You get Okay, heavy cover acts, or sorry, provides four soak. If enough damage is inflicted on cover, it starts to degrade and eventually will offer no protection. Again, great rule. When an attack inflicts 10 or more damage above the soak value. Okay, let's, let's say this again. When an attack inflicts 10 or more damage above the soak value. Wow. How do you do that? Well, that's what your momentum, chronicle points, and all that, the, you know, having powerful weapons, all those goodies are used for. Okay, the cover degrades by one when uh, uh, Dark Symmetry oh, Force... Example, example. Okay. Our, our last example with, with Jesse Ventura actually works. If you have a minigun and you want to clear cover, you can clear cover because you're doing a lot of damage. All that cover is going to go away. There you go. There it is. And, you know, when he started, he dropped it down to a three. Then he dropped it down to a two. Well, that becomes light cover. And then when it becomes one and finally zero, you're done. One still cover. Not much, but it's still covered. And there's an example here. Should we read the example or move on? We move on. I think we get it. Okay. Yeah, I think your example is good enough. Are you ready to understand your wounds now? Yes, I am. Okay. Light wounds represents sprains, scratches, bruises, and otherwise minor injuries. Why am I not zoomed in on that? I wish chat would yell at me about that. Yell at me about dumb shit, but you don't yell at me about people can't read stuff. Uh, <laughs> so, I don't like sprains. By the way, sprains are actually not the... Most innocuous of injuries out there. No. I played sports. I think they should have said a strain, but whatever. Uh, scratches, bruises, and otherwise minor injuries, which are an annoyance, but not a significant hindrance. Like when you're in the middle of combat, that paper cut you got an hour ago is yeah. not bothering you. You know, but, but you know, they do add up, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Each, it's SDC from Palladium. Uh, each hit location can suffer a different amount of light wounds before the injuries become more serious. When an attack inflicts wounds, they're subtracted from a hit location's light wounds first. Those boxes, you know, the, the, the little boxes yeah. inside the bigger boxes, right? Yeah. For each wound, cross off one empty light wound box for that location. So when he did his six points of damage to me or whatever it was, I cross off six boxes. Oh, wait, I shot him. He was the one coming out the poo in the what? bag. <laughs> if all light wounds boxes for that location have been crossed off, any remaining wounds are crossed off the character's serious wound limit. Now things are starting to add up. Now we're getting into those hit points. Light wounds are the easiest to recover. A character can catch his breath during combat to recover a small amount. And normal rest is usually enough to refresh a character's light wounds. First aid and med kits are most effective at reducing the amount of light wounds a character is currently suffering. Don't end your sentence. Okay, okay, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm understanding better now the difference between light wounds and serious <laughs> wounds and critical wounds. I, I, I think, I'm, think I'm starting to get the hierarchy here and understanding what it means. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Serious wounds. Can you, can you go? Okay. Serious wounds are significantly worse than light wounds. Serious wounds reflect tears, cuts, contusions, and similar injuries. Serious wounds are not tracked by hit location. Remember when I showed you those charts? Yeah, those other they boxes. have their own boxes. Yep. yep. But rather, our general pool of health a character has. 
Once they hit locations out of light wound boxes, any remaining damage is suffered by serious wounds. When a character to crosses that location. No, no. Well, yeah, yeah. We yeah. once like so. If I shot you in the left arm, and it finally went, and you had uh, let's say you had two points left in your left arm, and I did four points of damage to you, you'd mark off two in the left arm, and then the other two. They don't go to the torso. They don't just get thrown out. The other two go into serious wounds. Right. So you can kill somebody just by shooting him in his left arm over and over again. That makes sense. I mean, if you shoot your arm enough times, it's going to blow off and you're going to bleed out and you're going to die. Something like that. <laughs> so when a character crosses off his first serious wound box, he suffers one dread. Remember, that becomes repercussions. That that uh, the character's like, ah, I'm hurt. You're finally starting to you know take this seriously. If all serious wound boxes for a character have been crossed off, the remaining wounds are crossed off the character's critical wounds. Well, why is there serious and critical? Does that matter? Why do we have to have three levels of wounding? Because I have, have you heard anything at this point that says that serious wounds are different than, than critical wounds? Well, no, not, not critical, okay. but it has talked about that light wounds can be healed yeah. relatively easily, but it said serious wounds and critical wounds are not, but didn't say how much they're not. So let's find out. Well, serious wounds take more time to heal than light wounds. A character can recover from serious wounds through treatment, medicine, professional help, or emergency application of auto meds. Serious wounds can heal naturally, but take days or weeks to recover. This and makes by the sense. This, this makes sense. D days or weeks, uh, a cracked bone would be a serious wound. Uh, a, uh, a a gash or a hole that requires stitches a gut shot be a serious wound so i get it and th those things take days or weeks to heal okay okay also i i don't hopefully i didn't miss it so far but i remember reading here that first aid can't cure serious and critical wounds simple first aid you you need more care than that it says through treatment medicine professional help Yep. Or if, if, if an EMT is working on me, I'd consider that professional help. I don't understand, but okay. If, if there's a rule for it, then fine. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll hopefully we'll find later. If not, well, then maybe I'm wrong, but, it, uh, but I could have sworn I read that this week. Critical runes reflect the most debilitating, potentially life-threatening injuries a character can suffer. Critical wounds can be broken bones, mangled limbs, severe tissue damage, or other traumatic injuries. You know, 80% burn victim, right? Yeah. Compound Critical fracture. Critical, yeah, critical, gross. Critical wounds are not tracked by hit location, but rather our general pool of health character has. Same as serious wounds. Don't, once don't a character, yep. Once a character has crossed off all serious wounds, any additional wounds are suffered as critical wounds. Each time a character crosses off a critical wound box, he suffers one dread. Okay, yeah, so far, dying. so far, same as serious. For example, if a character suffers a. a Sorry, suffers wounds that result in crossing off three critical wound boxes. That character also suffers three dread. So uh, you're going to be dreaded out here soon. Critical wounds may also be suffered as a result of certain combat results, traumatic damage, or massive damage. If yeah. a character effort, this this is a, I love this rule by the way. When I read this, I wanted to highlight it. But uh, if a character ever suffers wounds greater than his physique, wounds not damage. He automatically suffers an additional critical wound. Physique is an attribute? Yes. Okay. It's like All endurance right. or, or constitution. Okay. Right? Got it. Got it. Critical wounds are grievous injuries and require special treatment, professional assistance, or long-term convalescence to recover from properly. So folks, folks out there who play games, who can play the uh, Forbidden Lands has a death spiral. Uh, games, you know, I should just be able to recover. No. 
Games like this, first of all, this game's cinematic, right? So it has a lot of avenues for you to be heroic. Momentum, chronicle points, yada, yada. Yeah, you, you can spend points to get away from this. Yes. No way to out, run. Well, what's that? Yeah, well, if you yeah. run out of these points, well, then you got to deal with the devil on this one. Or, or if not knowing to run, no win. Now is the time to be a hero yeah. and start spending those points like a madman. Because this game gives you three levels. Oh, I've taken some damage. That's fine. Combat deals damage. You're supposed to take some. Okay, now I'm really starting to get hurt here a little bit. Uh, yeah, I'm still in the fight, maybe. Okay, now I'm about to die. I need, I need, I, bye. I'm out. Have a nice time. Um, Have fun storming the castle. <laughs> right? So when a character's one or more critical wound box is crossed off, he's considered critically injured. Critical wounds, critically injured. Makes sense. Critically injured is a status effect, which will affect the character until he's recovered from all, all critical wounds. Okay. Character death. Wah, wah. If a character suffers too much damage, he risks dying. He risks dying. Not going to die. He risks it. The two most common happen. ways for a character to die from his wounds are to either have all critical wounds boxes crossed off. Again, didn't run away when he should have or was hit by, you know, a, a mountain or a Zamboni or something. Yeah. A Zamboni. <laughs> if run over by a Zamboni, you just die. Okay, there you go. Or generate an effect that results in death on the critical injury table. Oh, yes, those are there. If either of these two conditions occur, it's time to roll up a new character. No, not, not make a save. Not three death saves. No, you just die. Make a new character. One that will perhaps fare better against the forces of the dark symmetry. So let's look at this critical injury table. Can you get your D20 ready? I got it. Now, there's a modifier to this table. What is it? I can't remember if it's serious or, or critical. I think it's critical. Um, we'll make it, yeah, number of critical wound boxes. So if you have critical wound boxes, you add that number to this roll, which okay, means you let, have... Let's say, let's say I have three critical wounds. Go. Okay. So roll your D20 and add three. Uh, nine plus three is 12. All right. You got a 12. The character begins bleeding. You now have a new status effect. You oh, add great. bleeding. Not only my critically injured status effect, but now I'm bleeding critical injured status. That's yes. great. That's great. So uh, what is bleeding? We're not going to read them all. We're just going to look at bleeding. And by the way, X means the number. So like burning yeah, right. one, burning two, you know, okay. Nope. So bleeding. The character must cross off one serious wound box at the beginning of each of his turns. But, if he but, had... But, but, if he has no more serious wound boxes, okay. he must cross out one oh, critical wound oh, boxes. Um, how many critical wounds do you have available to you? Five, well, six, seven? Eh. I only took three. <laughs> Not so enough? I got, what, seven? I, I, th I think there's ten little boxes in that. I, I just yeah, saw well, it's based. If I remember correctly, it's based on your physique. Oh, really? Okay. Okay. So, um, when, while a character, and this is because it's blanket. Right. Uh, while a character has one or more critical wound boxes crossed off, that means one or more, like it says. Yep. He's considered yep. critically injured. The condition carries with it several, several? penalties. Shit. All right. Oh. Oh, it doesn't say. God damn. Yeah, uh, it just has this box about it. We're not going to go into diseases and poisons. Just know oh. you make resistance, resistance tests, and the main things about it are, uh, uh, yeah, there's a cute kind of, what was it? Uh, uh, um, the vector virulence and incubation period are the, th are the things you worry about. Okay. But we're we're not going to talk about diseases in this uh, in this video. You really need to worry about that by the game. A critically injured character acts last during a combat round. 
Exactly same as, as if he was seriously injured. Okay, seriously injured person acts last. I didn't I didn't know that. Yeah, now, is that last of the PCs or last including the GM's guys? Uh, it says during the combat round. I guess that would include everybody then. So yeah, you just go last. All right. Yeah. Now, if Crafty wants to correct us, he can. But I read that as being last, last. Dead last. Yeah, dead last. It critically... Unless someone else is, is seriously or critically injured, then in, if they're... a an NPC, you go before them. Sure. But after everybody else. A critically injured person is automatically staggered. Okay, what the hell is staggered? Um, set down here. Staggered. A staggered character can only perform a standard action on his turn if he's willing to pay one dark symmetry point. So you can't even take an action. Wow. Wow. A staggered character cannot perform a response action. Unless he spends one chronicle point in addition to the regular dark symmetry point. Wow. Do not be staggered. Well, do not Bad. be critically injured. Well, yeah. Well, number one, but. <laughs> Damn. Upon right. suffering a critical injury, the character suffers dread equal to the yeah. total number of critical injuries he is now suffering from. Sure. Look, when you're critically injured, just start playing the bugle. <laughs> <laughs> i'm not dead yet yes you are oh you're dead enough <laughs> all right all right so we're not going to read through these other uh these, these other status effects they come from that table that you roll yeah. up right now healing options number of ways characters can be injured thankfully injured characters have several options to recover Great. a character can only receive immediate healing from shake it off and first aid once each in any given scene that means you can only have you can't do it every every other round I took more damage, shake it off. Take more damage, take no. This only heals light wounds. There you go. There's that rule. First aid only heals light wounds. Oh, and on top of that, you cannot receive first aid again unless you're injured again. Yeah. Okay. A character can only recover serious wounds or critical wounds through natural healing. <laughs> okay. Or the treat the wound use of the medicine advanced skill so an do actual you, doctor at this point do you do you remember advanced skills like yeah. as in hey if you don't have a skill rank in this can you do it no well yeah. actually yeah you, you can can't you it's just you're so much minuses that it's crazy oh yeah i think you're right i think you're right yeah yeah you're you're at so many minuses it's bits bananas well, and you're, you're it's probably the tourniquet around the neck story there tourniquet around the neck that's it that's what happens yeah <laughs> that's a real thing that happened in a palladium game you flood uh, that roll and you kill him First aid. First aid uses the treatment skill to help a character recover light wounds. First aid can also be used to wake someone up who has been knocked unconscious. Okay. First aid cannot be used to recover. Notice I said it three times now. Yes. Cannot be used to recover serious or critical wounds, but can be used to recover light wounds to a character suffering from serious or critical wounds. Thanks, okay. man. So first aid is not enough. You have to have an actual doctor. Yep. Okay. All right. Now, I, I this next part here is again i'm we already read through something similar to this but i think it's important to read again because i like the way this is set up this is actually something i like providing first aid to a character with only light wounds is an average treatment test first aid on a seriously injured character is a challenging difficulty two treatment test but i'm only curing the light wounds right but he's still bleeding out through his lung okay that might be critically but still you know he's missing half his face you know, you wrapping his pulled muscle? <laughs> Not the same. First aid on a critically injured... Uh, it's going to be three. It's a, a difficulty of three. Okay, so there we go. 
If the character passes treatment test, the recipient recovers the character's treatment expertise ranks in light wounds, plus one additional light wound for each momentum. Okay. And you can do first aid on yourself. Medicine. The advanced skill medicine is required to treat serious and critical wounds. So you can stabilize a person. Can be used to stabilize a patient suffering from an ongoing effect, such as bleeding. Stabilizing a seriously wounded character requires a challenging difficulty two. Stabilizing critically wounded character requires a daunting difficulty three, which means somehow, some way, you need a talent, chronicle point, momentum, something to get you a little bonus bonus there. Otherwise, uh, good luck. Treat wounds once per day. A character may attempt to make a medicine test to help a patient recover from any wounds. Treating a seriously injured patient, okay, again, critical, you know, or a serious D2. Yeah, serious critical, two successes, three successes, got it. If the test passes, the patient recovers from one wound of the most severe type he's suffering. The patient can recover one wound for each two momentum set, uh, spent. So, okay, who's spending it, the patient or the doctor? The well, doctor, the patient, right? the patient is enrolling, so it'd be the doctor that's rolling doctor, the dice. Okay, all right. Now, I have a, I have a problem. Okay. Um, earlier, it's it said something about removing status effect like bleeding. Scroll up. Stabilize. There it is. A patient suffering from ongoing effects such as bleeding. There was a patient suffering from ongoing effects. Stabilizing seriously wounded character. Okay, it doesn't. It, but it goes away, right? The the, the, the bleeding effect, effect goes does, away. Yeah. It doesn't. It doesn't come out and say that. So I just want to. I just want to say that this thing probably goes away. Like if, yeah, yeah, if yeah, you're yeah. Bleeding and and a doctor treats you successfully, you're no longer bleeding. Well, here's how I would rule it. And I might be getting a bit pedantic here. And again, people in chat can correct me. If you have a bleeding effect from being shot in the arm and you have a bleeding effect from being shot in the foot, I would say you you healed one of the bleedings. I not don't know. both. I don't know. I know. I, I see what you're saying. No, don't get me yeah. wrong. I'm not saying you're reading it wrong. I'm just saying that's yeah. my initial gut reaction, how I would rule it. If okay. I am wrong, I accept it. But that's just my initial like reaction. I think of it like this. It's not first aid. It's not quick and dirty. This is under a doctor's care. He's going to stop the bleeding everywhere for his one action. Right, Fair. you know, it you have might be right, yeah. Whereas in first aid, if you're bleeding from two different areas, dude, I, I can, I have enough bandage right now to do one, so suck it. You yeah. know, maybe something I, like that. You, you might be right because I'm thinking more on the combat medic side of things. Yeah, like you know, and, you know, putting the gauze in there for now. You know, not even stitching it up. So yeah, I, I guess you, you might be right on that. Yeah, so, I'm just saying that's that's my gut reaction. But same time, how deadly do we need to make the game? <laughs> so. Uh, a med kit. Oh, character can attempt to form medicine on himself, but the time required is doubled and the difficulty is increased by two steps. Yes. It, you have to use a mirror and you have to dig the bullet out. It's it's rough. Thing. It hurts. It hurts a lot. <laughs> drink that whiskey first. Yeah, drink that whiskey. Don't don't pass out. You know? All right, a med kit has a number of emergency medical goods, such as gauze, disinfectant, bandages, and other supplies. A character can apply a med kit to himself or an adjacent character with a standard action. All right. It's, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. Scroll over and scroll down. Injury level. Here you can see the chart. Uh, scroll slowly in case you want to stop at some point and read it because we're going to move on. Okay, okay. Every day you recover half your character's physique rounded down in light wounds plus one light wound per momentum spent. Okay, so if you have a physique of eight, every day you recover four boxes of light wounds. If you make your resistance test. If you make a resistance test, which is average. Yeah, one success, yeah. Okay. Natural healing. A character can heal over time, but it's less effective than most other methods, especially for serious and critical wounds. Yeah. Compound fractures we, don't heal right on their own. Yeah, that's why we have doctors. Yeah. To 
To recover naturally, the character must pass resistance test. And we looked at it up here. Mm -hmm. So if you've got five wounds, just for a second, you've got five wounds, Ethan Dog. Yep. Daunting D3. And it's one month between each test. Holy shit. And you only get one box? Oh, wow. Oh, but I get to remove an effect. That's great. Thanks. <laughs> You're no longer bleeding. <laughs> so it took a month. I'm I'm probably dead. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding, folks. God, somebody's going to put in comments here. You wouldn't be bleeding. Yeah, I know. All right. Um, if a natural healing check would result in more wounds being recovered than remaining at that severity level, wounds of the next level type severe are healed. Well, good on you. Oh, that's nice. Thanks for Auto meds. What? what <laughs> What are automeds? Automeds are portable wound treatment units. Okay, they sound good, don't they? Yeah. Sometimes built in spacesuits or full body armor suits. When used, the automed injects a potent combination of pharmaceuticals, as well as triggering white blood cell production. Hey, it's elementals from Battletech. I want See that. chapter 24 for further details. No, I want to read about it here. Okay. Finally, this is the last thing we'll talk about. Mental strain and madness. Madness. This section details mental resilience and health. Mental health. Mental health is bullshit. Everybody knows that. Psychology yeah. is stupid. <laughs> okay, there go. There. Actually, those are the comments I'm going to get. What's up? Yep. Oh, okay. Um, the debilitating effects of uh, suffering mental trauma are varied and generally triggered in one of two ways. First, mental trauma can be triggered if a character ever suffers five or more points of mental damage from a single source. No, 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 no. Ow, my brain. How many... Let, let's let's count how many times they, they use the the woke word triggered in here so far i'm seeing two i see another one oh i uh, this word's four. been used forever when, in when this it paragraph comes to... there's at least four four words called triggered see I, I don't know when it comes to game rules i don't mind the word triggered i didn't even think of it as being woke in, the, in that regard but you're talking about mental damage and in this one paragraph there's four <laughs> triggers well can be triggered if a character ever said okay i uh, you know what i didn't put that together and i and i'm the one that's supposed to be the far the alt right <laughs> second mental uh, second mental trauma can be triggered see is that word problematic even dog <laughs> when, a character has, <laughs> uh, when a character has no more mental wound boxes remaining so remember those boxes you cross them all yep. off it's like uh oh it is possible one event can lead to both conditions good job old ones uh, I won't say it. I won't say it. I'll bypass the word. Such as a character with only four mental wounds remaining being forced to lose five mental wounds. Severity of mental health can be affected by a number of different game effects. All right, let's find out. Okay, scroll. Average. Surprised by a dead body. So you have to make... Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, crap, I forgot what the role is. I should know because I read it. Willpower test. Okay. Makes sense. Um, you have to make a willpower test. Surprised by a dead body. Now. Being significantly outnumbered by enemy combatants. Yep. You, you take the 20 on the left, I'll take the 20 on the right. That's mental damage. Yes. A stressful negotiation with angry people. That's just oh. a weak person. Oh. That. Now, here's the thing. In games that I've played, I've heard all of these argued about. I've seen a hundred dead bodies. Another one isn't going to bother me. Well, when you know when you're not expecting, it doesn't say a dead body. It says surprised by a dead body. You know, you're you walking through, and all a of dead a sudden, body was going to be there. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're pulling like, what's what's up here in the attic? And a dead body comes, like, ah, shiza. No, yeah. Um, significantly outnumbered by by combatants. That makes sense. Oh man, we're going to lose, man. We're going to lose. You know, you're Hudson and aliens. Yeah. Game over, man. Yeah. 
And, but this and, last one, a stressful negotiation with angry people. Shut up. You're just a weak person. I think this counts as frustration. I don't yeah, think but, it counts as like mental trauma. It counts as frustration. And I see it every day. Traumatic events. That's, that's the label of this, of this uh, chart. So, no. Okay. Just um, cross that off in my book. Okay. Surprised by a grisly scene, encountering a powerful, intimidating opponent like a Nephirite? Sure. Being surrounded by an angry mob. Some of these don't bother me in one regard because it's a die roll. I get to make a roll to have it not happen. Other part of me is like, at what point? Okay, I'm fighting big dark demon guy. You know, it's like horror factor in Palladium, right? Mm -hmm. At what point? Lasts a certain amount of time. Yeah, like the first round. Being surrounded by an angry mob. Again, I get it. You start making bad decisions when you start thinking rashly and that's why i say that this is frustration because i've seen it happen to people stressful negotiation angry people i've seen people come out of their own sorts because somebody just would not be convinced by that person's argument it's like what is wrong with you you know that that kind of stuff probably see that in the friday night show street (laughs) Uh, but being surrounded by an angry mob it might be like well it's it's a bunch of people i still do these things well maybe you would but have you ever actually been surrounded by an angry mob in real life some people fight or flight kicks in see so, uh, again i i wouldn't use this as a as a mental mentally traumatic thing i would use it as a harried mechanic for combat if okay. you do get into combat if you're surrounded by an angry mob it's your job to de-escalate the situation because you're going to get dogpiled on and it's going to be rough yeah, I would like a little more clarification for some of this because I do think that some of this is a little mm, I'm not sure if I if I'm okay with that really being, you know, a mentally traumatic event, but like how you view uh, momentum as being morale, so far I'm viewing mentally traumatic as being just emotionally charged. I guess would be like a word, you know, frustrated, angry, um rash, you know, that that's how I'm seeing it. Rash. So it's pro- I, can, I can see that rash. Uh witnessing or encountering an atrocity Okay. A severe psionic assault. Now, there's the first. Okay, I'm 100% on board with you, one. Sure. Severe psionic assault should be daunting. I get it. And it affects your brain. Yeah. Encountering a terrifying opponent like an Ezogul. If I were to see that today on this planet, I think I would lose sanity, like as in Call of Cthulhu. Yeah. But in a world where these things exist and you're kind of trained to fight them, I don't know. Daunting is a little high. Yeah. Okay. Dyer entering a dark legion citadel for the first time. Okay. I like that. So, it qualifies it as first time. Okay. Yeah, because it, if, you, if you entered it before and got out, eh, peace cake. And no matter how many times t- somebody tells you how bad something is, there are things in life that you just cannot understand until you've been through it. Right. Being involved, being involved in atrocity. Well, not, oh, now God. you're there. Should have done it, man. Should have done it. Um, every night. Hold on. Join the empire, they said. See the universe, they said. <laughs> I just killed a whole planet. Oh God! I just pulled a lever and a planet died. Those the, those Death Star technicians, you see, the guy yeah. goes like this, and the guy who moves the lever pushes buttons. Once he realizes he murdered billions of people, or he was part of it, he's going to need drugs to sleep at night. No, no, no. This is what you do. No, no, no. This is why we have six of you pulling that lever, so you no don't know who actually. <laughs> Five of them are dummy lovers. 
<laughs> Mine felt stiffer. Mine felt. I don't know. Anyway, okay. Facing avatars of the dark apostles. All right, epic. Need five successes. Something truly diabolic and mind shattering. Couldn't even give an example. Nope. Witnessing, witnessing such a thing could lead to a complete mental breakdown. Resolving a traumatic success, uh, sorry, resolving a traumatic event. If character passes willpower test, able to mentally process and retain his composure. This is like sanity from, from Call of Cthulhu, I think. Mental assault. To resolve a mental assault, the GM rolls squiggly equal to the difficult, okay, dark symmetry, somebody's going to get mad at me, equal to the difficulty rating of the failed test, plus one additional for each dark symmetry point he's willing to spend from his pool. All right, player. You guys have been you know, giving me a bunch of these points, and uh, I now get to spend them. And uh, how? what was the difficulty rating of this? Oh, three? That's pretty difficult, huh? I'm just going to add three more in there. So uh, how you feeling? I'm mad! Six I'm crazy. Um, some special abilities uh, granted by the Dark Symmetry or the art may also result, and we'll be talking about the art next week. Wait. No, no, that's the week after. Next week is all evilness. Next week is going to be everything evil. Dark symmetry. Um, it may also result in mental assault against the character if so the ability uh, follows the same rules. Repercussions on willpower tests. When a, when a character attempts a willpower test to resist the effects of a mentally traumatic event, each die result within the character's current repercussion range. Remember what that is? That's here in 20, 20 or 1920. 20, 18, 1920, yeah. Generated by skill, automatically inflicts one point of mental health damage. Wow. Not only did you not resist it, guess what? Here's another. Okay. So uh, let's just go down here. Mental trauma table. Uh, roll, roll me a d6, Heathen Dog. Sure. Six. That's going to oh, be great. Cool. Yeah. Terrified. A terrified character develops a severe phobia based on its triggering event. The difficulty for skill tests related to the object of his fear are increased by two steps. Two? The two. The character suffers one dread and one mental wound. Each round, he's forced to be within close range of his object of fear. That's that's pretty severe, yeah. Crafty keeps putting, putting in a chat here that I don't see why people say the game's not deadly. I don't either. Anybody who says this <laughs> game isn't myself. deadly. All right, that way lies madness. Are we going into it? No, we're not there yet. No. Thought we were almost done. Um, when a character suffers five or more mental health from one triggering event, or if the character has no more mental wound box remain, the character's psyche starts to crack. Each time this happens, the character immediately gains one dread. There's like 19 Other. ways to kill you. Yes. The player must roll on the mental trauma table, which is what he just rolled on a, a, a moment ago. The ill effects on the mental trauma table are collectively, re collectively referred to as madness, you think? The character suffers from the madness listed until the end of the current day, at which point he can attempt to overcome attempt through natural rest. If the character, the care, oh God, if the character has to roll on the mental trauma table when he's already suffering from one of its effects, the results are cumulative. Oh yeah. Just keep piling on. Oh yeah. Cannot be recovered quickly using normal methods, such as recover restricted action. They are too fundamentally to, uh, too fundamental to be relieved in that way. This includes dread gain from madness, which persists longer than dread gain from other sources. It should be tracked separately. Good job. But that actually makes sense. I mean, dread yeah. gain from physical damage. Once you relieve the physical damage, the, the dread should dissipate on its own. But mental damage, eh, it's going to stick around a little bit. So is the dread. So how do we recover from this stuff? We can get treatment. 
you can listen to relaxing music and start well, doing some not yoga. you you've been bad-mouthing psychologists this entire day so no one's going to treat you good Psychobabblers right, are eighty percent crap. Twenty percent should be doing something else with their lives. Uh, to provide treatment, the treat uh, the treating character must be able to talk with the patient, preferably face to face. Late on my couch. Tell me about your dad. The treating character attempts a challenging D two skill test. If okay. the if the test succeeds, the patient recovers one mental wound plus one additional uh, mental wound per momentum. Okay, that's sure. that's similar, right? Yeah, but uh, oh. how many times do you have momentum during a during a psychotherapy session. Well, this is where you can save it. Well, no, you're making uh, a, a D2 test. That's for your mental, that's your psychotherapy. You roll your psychotherapy test, and if you oh, get no, momentum- the, the therapist rolls, not you. Yeah. Yeah, so how did the therapist get momentum before this moment? Well, no, it's that roll. So I roll oh, right now. Okay, if you get momentum from that roll, yeah, yeah. you immediately have to use it. We don't have to, you can use it. I well, don't know why you wouldn't, yeah, but-, but if you don't, you just lose it because it's therapy. Everything takes a half hour, hour, or, I'm sorry, 50 minutes for, <laughs> right. for a breakthrough. So and then, and then instantly the time. session's over and you're good for a week or two. Woohoo! Right. The treating character cannot interact with his patient face-to-face, -face. increase the difficulty rating by one step. I don't know. I, I work in video conferencing. A lot of stuff can happen over video conferencing. Yeah, but not as well. Yeah, probably. Use communication devices to administer aid is not recommended with, uh, with the risk of dark symmetry. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you, yeah. Could, you, could, you could blow this roll and uh, the, the, the game master would go, yeah, you know what? Uh, I'm going to have a little bit here and a little bit there. And no, now, now you're gibbering in a corner. And you have no safe space. Nope. A character cannot provide treatment to himself to recover mental wounds. Nope. You can't tell yourself it's going to be okay because it's not. <laughs> Psychotherapy is the skill that you use for it. Um, natural rest. With a good night's rest, a character can recover quite a bit of mental health. After a full night's restful sleep, a character can attempt an average D1 willpower test. If the test succeeds, the character recovers half his mental strength, round out, in mental wounds. So okay. if your mental, remember, mental strength is an attribute. Yeah, yeah. if it's an 8, you recover 4. There you go. Got it. If the character is currently suffering from a madness, the difficulty of the willpower test increased by one step. And, sure. you know, if you're suffering from four madnesses... Recovering from madness. Okay, now, now, hang on, hang on. Before it was just re recovering the boxes, but even if you recover all of your mental health boxes, but you got a madness, you're still suffering from that. Yeah, so and it's and it's harder. Yeah. Recovering from a madness is far more difficult to achieve with only natural rest. You think? The yeah. D. You, what, what do you mean natural rest? You didn't sleep. <laughs> you're still you seeing. It. You have nightmares. <laughs> Night terrors. There you go. That's it. If a character wishes to attempt to recover from madness through rest, he must get a full night of restful, which you're not going to get sleep, and forego the chance to recover mental wounds. Oh, so it's like Earth Dawn, where you can use your recovery test to fix your damage, or your, your actual wound, instead of the hit points. Sure. In this case, the mental wound. The character must pass a dire four. Wow. Hope you got some chronicle points saved up. Test to recover naturally from a madness. The difficulty is increased by one step for each additional madness the character suffers from. So really, if you have more than one, you're, you're out of luck. Yeah. Character can only make, uh, uh, the character can only attempt to recover from one madness at a time. Well. Wow. It can only make one attempt per day. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm just thinking like, could you imagine somebody who went through hell? saw all the stuff saw the demons the demons were in his head got psychically attacked was just freaking out man like everything 
he was shooting his buddies. He wasn't going next to walls because they were trying to eat him. He was scared of the fucking floor. Lights were different colors than what he thought. Yeah, two days later, he's like, hey, guys, what's up? Yeah, two days later, I doubt it. He's, <laughs> he's got to roll, what, D4? Do by himself? That's Yeah, not he's got happen. chronicle he's points. He's got yeah, momentum. Yeah, he's got chronicle points. He may be able to get one of those things gone, but he, he still has a... Uh, fear of blood now he still has a, a phobia of demons he still has uh, he's scared of the dark and the light he's scared of the dark and the light you know he's boned you know he's got pick one it doesn't matter you're still worthless you got the other two all right we've talked about dread a lot let's get into that a moment here so remember each 20 you have a, a, a repercussion which is a complication right remember we showed this chart in a previous video but we'll show it again there's a there's your dread chart Starts off with no boxes, and even with the first box, it's still a 20. Isn't that nice of them? Yeah. And then once you, you say it's 19 to 20, you get a repercussion, which is a complication of some sort. Complications add two dark symmetry points. I'm sorry, or, I'm sorry, it's or add. Sorry, let me, let me read the whole sentence here. Remember, for each 20 rolled during a skill test, the GM has the option to introduce a complication or add two dark symmetry points to his pool. Well, if you have a lots of dread, that's a 16 to 20. That's a 20, uh, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. Yeah, 25% chance that the game master gets to add two dark symmetry to his pool or F you or, over. Or complicate you, yeah. There are situation conditions that can increase that, and that's the dread. And you track the dread. Now, how do you track it? You suffer it. Number of different conditions, events, and effects can result in suffering dread. Many of these are specific to an individual. For example, in addition to other effects, a character suffers one dread for each critical wound box uh, crossed off. And we already went through that before with Heathen Dog and all this critical wound. Failing willpower tests for fear or terror can also result in more dread. Certain status effects generate dread. Dread's going to happen. Yeah. I'm bleeding out. Well, you're not going to feel happy about that. Right. For example, each member of a group may suffer one dread upon entering the profane shrine of one of the dark apostles. You know, you're you're good outside. As soon as you walk in, you're like, oh, this is gross. Why, Why did that skull just move? Why, why, why are there pipes along the wall and it looks like blood's dripping through them? Because it is. That's going to you know, instill you with a little bit, of, little, little bit of dread, maybe. The effects of dread are significant and can lead to increasingly more challenging encounters. Fortunately, there are several ways for characters to recover from dread. Well, how do you do that? Once again, milestone and scene changes. Okay, the GM's discretion when characters reach certain milestones or change scenes in the narrative, that provides an opportunity to recover from dread. Why? Because you won! Or or you removed yourself from the bad situation. And winning doesn't mean you won the adventure necessarily, but you got through, like he said, you removed yourself from that bad situation by defeating that bad situation. Or you ran away. Or you ran ran away. Sometimes (laughs) running away is the answer. Yes. Natural rest. We've already kind of talked about that. He automatically recovers a number of dread equal to half the mental strength rounded down. Have a couple of stiff drinks, go to bed, it'll look better in the morning. There you go. Steel nerves momentum spend by succeeding particularly well on a test can bolster one's resolve and a character may may spend momentum to recover one dread per momentum spent on the test. Okay. Hey man, this is working. This is working guys. We're getting it. I'm going to do this. Hey, you're starting to feel better about yourself, right? Psycho, psycho nonsense. All right. Chronicle. Okay, fine. Uh, psychotherapy. A character can attempt a psychotherapy skill to help another character recover from dread. Hey, man, Heathen Dog, you're worthwhile. You don't want to kill yourself, Heathen Dog. You're all right, man. You, come on. Pat on the back there, buddy. You're doing great. You're doing great. Rub a little dirt on it. Get back out there. 
Conical points. In a dramatic situation, a character may wish to steal himself from the growing sense of dread creeping into his mind. To this, a character spends one chronicle point to recover from all dread. Okay. That's well, kind of cool. That I don't know, man. It seems a little OP for me. You know what? I was going to say no, but you're right, because you yeah, get chronicle I mean, points every hour. Exactly. What I would do is, for, you know, you, if, if you spend a chronicle point, all the dread is there, but you can ignore it for a scene. Well, I, I wouldn't not, say a full scene. I would say a round or two or well, three. I, chronicle points are important. So yeah. I'm going to say a whole scene just because it seems like it's the it's the way to go. You know, it's it, it seems like the happy medium in, in between a yeah. uh, round and a day. You know? And all. <laughs> and all. Yeah. And pff, well, definitely it's better than all. But yeah, I mean, spend a chronicle point and for the whole scene, you can ignore that you have any dread, but it will come back once you are removed from that situation and you remember how how after your life really is the dread comes back all right we've got some comments to go through i've got two right. comments to make here real quickly number one um this was long but it's combat i am not going to dive this deep into dark symmetry mad and the, the chapters that come next or into magic we are going to talk about it i am not going to go this deep into it so if i skip your favorite portion of dark symmetry and the descent into madness and the art put it in the, the book so everyone can know well buy the book because i'm just i'm not going to take an hour and a half to go through what one section when it comes to that so let me all right get this let's off give, the screen all right let's give this a shot what we got got uh, crafty if a weapon quality has a number such as armor piercing one it usually means that it will ignore one soak per effect roll. Exceptions will be listed in the weapon quality. Okay, so if there's no exception listed, there is a weapon quality and a number. That is the that is the power of that weapon quality. One will will, will take away one one soak. So your 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 armor, I hate in the torso, you have five armor, right? Five five soak for that? Sure. If I have an armor piercing one, it goes down to four. If okay. I have armor piercing two, it goes down to three. That makes sense to me. The only reason why I was a little like hesitant on that, because I thought I read somewhere that armor piercing, uh, when I read the, uh, something about armor piercing, it said it just went through. Like by activating that dark symmetry and maybe, uh, and, and maybe that's the, the difference. Or you're talking specifically soak, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. I, th I thought I read, and I could be wrong, that if you get the dark symmetry armor piercing, soak gone. You you just ignore also. I might be wrong, but I thought that's what I read. Okay. Next one. So this means that if a weapon yeah. causes burning two as an effect, and you roll four dark symmetry dice, come up with two effects. The target has yeah. now has burning four. It could so be burning two, two each time. Wow, that's yeah. Yeah. that's horrible. All right. Darthik says you could use the result on the damage dice on a miss when rolling attack and damage at the same time to describe how things play out. Okay, okay, okay. I, I can understand that. Yeah, if, if people rolling attack and damage at the same yeah. time, it's not presumptuous. It's like you missed, but the bullet whizzed by and did that much damage to the person the wall or, or something, or yeah. the wall or a vehicle yeah. or whatever behind you. That That's useful. I get that. Yeah. All right, next one. Uh, that's why they use the Jarxamy Jar die symbol to distinguish between plus one damage and plus one DS die. Okay, cool. Thank you. Oops, nope. This one. Uh, using the Jesse Ventura example, because uh, apparently every single combat example in this game can be properly explained by watching Predator. Did you see the cover of the book? It looks like, yeah, that's it. Cartoon Predator. To bleed over light wounds. A giant hole in my torso from energy cannon would be a critical. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jesse's got no time to bleed. He shook it off. 
but he certainly he had time bleeding. to die. <laughs> he healed. He healed that light damage on his arm through sheer will. That's what happened. All right. Next we have. Uh, looking at the wound system, critical wounds and tables, I do not understand how people can say that 2D20 is not lethal. Well, I wouldn't say it's immediately lethal. I would say it is immediately debilitating in several ways that will <laughs> cause you to die because of it. Well, if you're debilitated, I can just walk up and pop you in the skull and, you know, coup de gras, you, right? Yeah. All right. Uh, going last is how he read it too. Okay, characters go dead, pun intended, last. Okay, uh, <laughs> I see okay no, no, th this is important. This is important because if, if you go last, you don't die until it's your turn if you've taken lethal amounts of damage. So someone theoretically could assist you and make you not die when it comes to your turn. That's possible. Is it likely? No. If you've taken <laughs> lethal damage on the field, you're probably going to die when it comes back, when it comes around to be your turn you're probably going to die, but it's possible. <laughs> Omen Hall, I like, I got to put this up real quickly. Okay. That was, that's a good goal. Listen to my character. I'd rather the players wish they had died. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's what this game does. It gives you so many detriments that you wish you were dead, which Please is kill my character. And you know, I'm going to spend a dark symmetry. So you live. <laughs> oh, that's awful. That is awful. Okay. You as a PC blow off the arm of an enemy. You pick up the arm and start beating his minions with it. The other minions are going to see that and it's going to be traumatic for them. Yes. So, you know, turnabout's fair play on this one. Or blow the arm off and take a bite from it. Minions might run away in terror. It depends on the kind I of minion. That, I think okay. that's madness. <laughs> you, you've, uh, you've lost the plot on that one. <laughs> All right. Uh, use your chainsaw gun to cut the head off a leader. You hold his head over your head and bathe in the blood of your enemy, you then throw the head at the mob who all recoil in fear. Dude, man, you need help. <laughs> but just, just so people know, there is there are more than one person here, you know, talking in chat. It's just... The <laughs> it's just... A, it's just... It's, wow. Wow. Just wow. Okay. Yeah. And now comments from last week. Good news. There's only one. Oh, good. Your Robotech stuff got a lot of comments. Sure. Chronicle stuff didn't get many comments. So okay. oop, let's go to the one comment. Might be wrong. When you were speaking on focus, you said that focus is basically extending the threat range on crits. Did you mention that focus not only increases the range from natural ones, increasing it to ones and twos and so on, but focus also adds extra successes if the crit has been rolled. A skilled roll with a focus one is a crit on a one and two and also adds an extra success. Does it? I don't remember us seeing. I don't remember that. Bob rolls his 2d20 as a focus of one in the skill. He fails on 1d20 roll and rolls a nat one on his second die. That counts as two successes. Oh, no. Yeah, you did say that. I you did. did say that. Yeah, yeah. Cr critical is an extra success. Yes. Yeah, yes. I remember that now. Yeah. You um, did say if I wasn't clear about it, I then then I would just say I should have been clear, but yes, and I definitely mentioned that in my character creation video because it happened to me. Mm -hmm. I had to get two successes to become a blood beret, and I got both the successes on one die. Sure. So uh, there we go. That's the only comment that we had for uh, skills and so forth with Mutant Chronicles. Maybe we'll get more next time. I don't know, but this has been incredibly long. Thank you to Heathen Dog for putting up this because he has his entire segment to go through now. Um, and while he's priming for that, 
I am actually going to do my thingy, uh, and I'll be back in a moment. Well, first we'll do this. Bam. All right, I guess I got to wait for him to come back before I can go to the bathroom. He's holding me hostage. No, you can go oh, now. No, I, okay. I was going to do it, but I still have to close out my stuff. So go ahead. Okay. You go, and then I'll go. And you know. We don't go together. We're not women. Uh, all right, so what do you have on the Rumble side? You could still read it. Yeah, I know, but it's, but some people watch on phones and tablets. That's why I said that. Uh, Crafty is good. People. Oh, look at that, Crafty. You got, you got a compliment from Rumble. I'm not against anything that uh, that it said in there. I, again, I'm probably going to get more flack for the fact that uh, I'm like, eh, I don't know if I agree with that. No game's perfect, first of all. No game's perfect for every single person. I generally like what this game is selling. I, I, Knowing how damage works and so forth now, I like the idea of momentum. Actually, I've always liked the idea of momentum points. I don't like, I don't like the gamification of it. Like what Crafty posted earlier about, oh, right. wait, if I do this first and do this other thing second, then I can get momentum and do this thing third. It's just, I like things to be a little bit more organic than that. But that's, again, personal preference. That's all it is. Yeah. All right. Do your thing. Crafty says those are actual displays that can cause trauma in Mutant Chronicles. Okay. Those are dark, dude. That's dark. Great job. Those are all dire. Great job with this session. Much better than I expected. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Matt. Appreciate it. Yeah, the uh, uh, Mutant Chronicles, the, the 2D20 system, I always like the system. I mean, uh, I haven't played uh, Conan or, or Star Trek Adventures, like actually played, sat down in a group, just like I haven't played with Mutant Chronicles, but... Uh, I like this a lot better than uh, Star Trek Adventures. I really do. The the way it's, you know, it's got some problems, sure, but not as much as Star Trek Adventures. The the whole book was written poorly. And it's really, really hard to pin down what they're talking about, how they're talking about it, and the actual effects in-game of what they're talking about. It's a lot harder. I still think Crafty should be on for all of the Conan overviews. I, sh I, I, I do too. But Max doesn't like him on because he's got the sexy radio voice and makes us look bad. So, you know, there's that. Ego is involved. Now, the mage thing, if you want more in-depth mage coverage, I, I put the link before. I'm going to do it again. Yeah, I'm going to do it again. This is uh, this is magic. I go over magic quite a bit. In this one, I'm going to touch on it. General overview. But for, clar for clarity's one. sake, just so people know, segment one are the deep dives over multi-weeks. Yes. Segment two is all, we do everything in one episode, whether that's 15 minutes or three hours. We'll see how long it takes them today. But it's just one episode. So, uh, oh, that's right. I got to do your intro, don't I? Mm-hmm. All right, for segment two today, Heathen Dog is going to regale us with the wonder and majesty of uh, Mage the Ascension, which uh, he actually ran for me, well, and a few of us that know him, uh, back in the 90s. I will say that I had a fun time with it. 
Uh, you can say what you want about, but uh, Heathen Dogme says players have no agency and yada yada, and he can never run a game, so on and so forth. I was in his game, and it was it was a fun time. I have my character from 1990, whatever year that was, seven, eight, six, whatever the hell it was. I have that character <laughs> sitting right next to me right now, as a matter yeah. of fact. But uh, before we get into all his fun stuff, we've got to tell you a couple things. And the first one is that we believe that role-playing games should take place in fantastic worlds. And Mage is a fantastic world if you get rid of all the goth nonsense. Uh, it's got Nefondi, yeah, which he does. But it's got Nefondi, and it's got magic, and it's got reality-bending powers, and et cetera, et cetera. It's great. And the folks of the game should be on role-playing. Hey, isn't that what the storytelling system is all about? Role-playing? That's right. And having a good time. The core values of hashtag RPGate and any good tabletop group are escapism, not representation, entertainment over activism, and natural, organic inclusion, not forced diversity. The charity we support is the Wounded Warrior Project, a national nonpartisan organization whose mission is to honor and empower wounded warriors. Please refer to the description below for the link to where you can make your hopefully tax-deductible donation. And finally, join us on Thursdays and Saturdays for more Heathen Dog as him and his uh, wonderful team of dirty casuals play multiplayer games for your mockery and enjoyment on twitch.tv slash Legion of Myth. And here on our YouTube channel, you can watch these game-related segments live at 1 p.m. It's actually almost 4 p.m. Wow, central time. Uh, check out the Friday Night Chill Stream where our panel of guests opine, comment, and advertise on TTRPG Hobby as a whole. It's a it's a live stream, guys. Get over it. Subscribe, like, share, and he gets the cool blue background because I have the dumb orange one. Uh, I don't see that as bad, but okay. <laughs> All right, we're going to talk about the background of Mage. Let's bring up the uh, the book. I'm not going to go through the book very much in this further thing, but I want you to be able to you know see it. There you go. There's the book. Now this is this is a a, a, a photocopy of my actual book, as you can see the uh, the um, uh, price tag in the top corner <laughs> so there you go i have i have the hardcover book as well this i'm going through first first edition for, oh. okay the reason being is because you know there are like revised second edition stuff like that so, second edition fixes some stuff that I, that I like but magic is purest in this in this first edition it's a second right uh yes without the card either, either second or revised i forget i forget the cover oh, it says it right in the back oh, okay cool second edition there you go now, the background is basically the same as the whole old world of darkness. You have you have uh, factions, clans, cults, whatever, of group of like-minded people. There are there are three to five of them in each game system, but they all have something in common. The the wheel of life, the the wheel of destiny, the 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 triumvirate, the 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 wild the weaver and the worm it goes into much more detail on this in werewolf but it exists in all of world of darkness and the idea of this is there are phases to existence and it's a constant movement it's a revolution it's a circle there's no beginning there's no end it just keeps moving for example the wild is potential the weaver is structure and the uh, the worm is entropy, the breaking down. None of them are inherently evil. It all depends the way you use them. For example, uh, you want to, you, you, there's a, a chair. You want a chair. Well, the, the, the chair, when the wood is a seed, 
it, it is wild. It is a wild chair. It is not there yet. It is the potential to be a chair. It has to grow into a tree. You have to get the wood. You have to carve it out of the wood and you put it together. And that is the weaver. That is you are constructing reality. You are creating something from potential. And then the worm gets into it. It starts aging, deteriorating like all things do. It gets older, will eventually break, will eventually decompose, become fertilizer for the next tree and the next possible chair. It goes back to becoming potential. Now in magic, it's important to know this because mages deal in altering reality. And this is the reality they're altering. So let's, uh, let's move on into, let's see here. Uh, Traits, magics, and we're not going to go. We're going to go to setting. I can't type. Thirty-one. I, I will. I will make it bigger. Don't worry. I wish I wrote this down, but I didn't. I didn't write down this particular page number because I'm stupid. There we go. Okay, this is the one thing I get rid of. This right here. It's true. I get rid of this. The gothic punk I, um, idea. Now in chat, someone said it works in vampire, but not so much in werewolf and mage. I agree that it doesn't work so well in, in uh, werewolf and mage. I don't want it in vampire either. I, get, I completely yeah. get rid of all that angsty nonsense. All of that, uh, all that woe is me, life is hard, stuff like that. Because the gameplay itself is, is going to show you that. It is a dark game. You the the characters do not automatically have to have a defeatist attitude which is what the, the the gothic punk idea actually makes them start out in their heads don't hamstring your players have the world beat them down like like, like regular kids i remember you talking to me about your game we're sitting in my car um and you're talking about the game and you're like you should play it. i'm like no dude i i Look, I had enough of vampire, all this world of darkness nonsense. I can't stand the gothy. Oh, my life sucks. Blah, blah, blah. And because you you let me borrow the books and, I, and you said we had to be hollow ones. And that's like the epitome of hollow ones. I'm like, yeah, yeah. no, I said, I can't do this. Like, I just it's just too freaking annoying for me. And you're like, no, no, no. I, I get rid of all that stuff. And you had me sit in one of your games. It was like one of the last ones Bob was there for. And I was like, OK, you know, I, I can actually do this. I, I can play this game. All right. So. The first thing I do is get rid of the gothic punk nonsense. I mean, if you don't want to, that's fine. If if you're if you're going to LARP this, then keep it, right? But if you're not LARPing, you don't need it. Toss it. Get rid of it. Then we move on to mages. All the different uh, the origins and the the kinds of different mages. Th this is this is the uh, the the different factions, and there are four main factions. Of of uh, of groups of people, groups of mages that have a a like minded uh, view of the world. There are the tradition mages, and these are are mostly the people you're going to be as a player character in the game. You are a tradition mage. A tradition mage believes that that magic is necessary to push the ideas of those who can't use magic, called sleepers, to make their lives better. It's our job to use our magic to not only make the situation on earth better, but to expand the minds of the sleepers. So one day they can awaken and become mages themselves. And the idea is when everyone becomes a mage, then the world is saved. 
That's their general idea of how the world works. The technocracy, on the other hand, are the good guys. It depends on your point of view. It all depends on your point of view. The technocracy's idea of helping the world. Now, everyone wants to help. Everyone thinks they're the good guy. That's another. That, that is really, true. That is true. That is another really good point to make. Every faction thinks they're right and for righteous reasons. I have every technocracy main book for second edition that came out because I would rather run a technocracy game. And I will say that by reading them, yes, they think they're absolutely the good guys, even though you're trained in this main book to think they're the bad guys. Exactly. Yes. Now, the technocracy believes that they can use magic in a way to shield the sleepers, the non-mages in the world, from danger, from harm, as long as, as they follow the tenets of science. They won't go astray and get themselves in trouble. Theirs is not the idea of shepherding knowledge onto the sleepers, but protecting them from the dangers of advanced knowledge. Mm -hmm. So they, they treat sleepers like children, whereas the, the tradition mages treat sleepers like adolescents. They should be trained. They should be readied to harness this power, whereas the technology says, no, the power should be kept from them. They're not ready. They're never going to be ready. You don't let a, let a five-year-old use the stove, stupid. And then we go to, uh, I'm going to go to the, the Nafani next because the, the three main ones are the traditions, the technocracy, and the Nafandi. Mm -hmm. the, 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 the Nafandis mage, excuse me, uh, has basically sold their soul or avatar for power to the things that existed before things existed. Let me, let me explain that a little better. The universe in this book is called the Tellurian. It is the sum total of everywhere you can possibly go. But there is some place outside of the Tellurian, outside of the universe. The universe is finite. But the darkness beyond the universe is infinite. And in that infinite, there are intelligent things that do not like the Tellurian being in their backyard and want it destroyed, want entropy to claim it 100%. The Nefondus mage aligns himself with these powers beyond the universe to try and make that happen. Now, this, of course, can't be allowed to happen because it, it would break the, the, the triumvirate cycle. Entropy would take everything, and there'll, there'll be nothing left to be potential again. So they must be, you know, destroyed at all costs the traditions and the technocracy both believe the nefandi need to go first because they're just bad because you know if the tradition wins there there is some kind of survivability for the technocracy and vice versa but if the nefandi win there is no survivability for anyone and then there are the marauders the marauders are mages who have gone insane but in that insanity comes a kind of power. Reality has less of a hold on them. They can skirt the rules of reality much more blatantly because they just fanatically do not believe they apply to them at all. And that has some power. Belief so so power. well that it's true. <laughs> yeah. Belief has power, especially if you can alter reality. Your belief will leak onto reality and affect it subconsciously. I tried so hard to let Heathen Dog let me play a Marauder and he got mad no, at me. No, it, they're, they're, <laughs> no, no. Just them being around screws up reality. 
All right. It just messes up the, the play for everybody else. Now, these these people are dangerous to both the, the traditions and the technocracy. For for different things, so the the marauders are dangerous for for tradition mages because they they create too much of an anomaly. And instead of helping to teach sleepers to harness the power of altering reality, they pretty much just make reality just break whenever they're around. It's counterproductive to what they want to do. The technocracy hates marauders because they are the opposite of what they're going. They're going through structure and control, whereas the marauders are the opposite of that. They're like an anarchist libertarian on steroids. The opposite of any kind of control is what is what they do. So the technology. Let it all burn. <laughs> exactly. I'm all burn. Now, those are the, the groups in uh, in Mage, the, the Ascension, the main groups that 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 uh, you will run across or possibly play. Now, inside these groups are factions. That believe basically the same thing as a group, but in a different manner. Now, reality is is based on your ability to to focus your will and use it to bend reality to what you want to happen. Now, all of these minor groups inside these 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 uh, four main uh, uh, ideology you know groups uh, do it in a slightly different way. For example, uh, there are the Celestial Chorus in the traditions. They believe that's church. That, just, just say it is church. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 an offshoot of of any Catholic, yeah. uh, Catholic Church or Catholicism. If, or whatever. Ch if church actually had magic power, like this to lay it. on hands, heal, and do weird it. stuff, yeah. you know, the the miracles of Jesus, like at your local corner church, that would be the Celestial Chorus. Yeah, they believe in the One. There is a being that all souls come from, or some people believe that the one fractured himself into the millions and billions of souls that inhabit all humans. And if to, to create ascension, all humans must be awakened. And at that time, the one will become conscious again and, and God will be happy and uh, the world will be paradise, all that stuff. That's what they believe in the technocracy. There is a faction called the new world order. They believe controlling the sleepers keeping them safe using laws using intimidation whatever tactics they, they they can use using physical real world tactics can keep them in line marching forward to the future in safety and then there's another faction of the technocracy called iteration x which believes that technology the advancement of technology will will make the sleeper stronger, better, faster, and yet at the same time, keep them safe from You can only magic. dole it out so fast. Exactly. You dole it out a little slowly, you know, to let them get used to it. And then you give them more and more and more. And then suddenly they are, you know, cybernetic or, or transcendent beings who now live in computers. That's the end goal for them because they're ultimately the safest they could possibly be. They're safe on that hard drive. Right. So there's there's all different little factions in there. Now, your job as a player character is to role play the teachings of your of your group, be it uh, traditions, technocracy, Nefandus, Marauder, and then the influences of your small faction inside that group, be it the New World Order, the Celestial Choir, 
the iteration X, Acacia Brotherhood, whatever. To you know, to use that to build your your character's playstyle because that's your foundation for how you see reality, and that comes becomes very important when we're talking about magic because if it doesn't fit in your worldview, you can't do it, or you do it with significant minuses. It's pretty simple to get things to fit your worldview. You, yeah, but you, gotta, you do have to th- you do have to think about you it. You have to perform the mental gymnastics and you have to convince the storyteller that it's possible, that it's doable. Yeah. That's that's the thing that a lot of people like about this game. It gives the player more agency than normal than normal say D&D. Because you can create any effect as long as it fits in your worldview and you have the points. You can create anything. You can do anything. You just have to convince the storyteller you can. But see, that's that's the beautiful symmetry of it. The storyteller handles reality. You as a mage are altering reality. You as a player are convincing the storyteller you can do this, which is the same thing as altering reality. I found that a fun little juxtaposition of player, game master, and character and world. I found that fun that you're actually doing the same thing in real life that you're doing in the game. The hardest part for me was, uh, was, was dealing with is what I'm doing and probably talk about this in the next segment, but, uh, is what I'm doing, uh, coincidental or vulgar. Uh, oh, that was, gonna, yeah, I'm going to deal yeah, with that. That was always the, that was the hard part for me. It's like, I know I can do this. How do I do this in a way where it's going to end up being coincidental? And for another tradition, it's actually easy. Because yep. that's what the tradition's about. Right. And you can see it through, you know, the Native American dances or whatever. That's the Acacia Brothers. No, that's that's the martial artist. Dream, um, dream speakers. Dream, dream yeah, dream speakers. So it makes sense. But how do I do that as Order of Hermes? Which is, you know, if you guys follow Pundit, Pundit would be Order of Hermes. Um, you know, th- how how do I make that work over here through the teachings right. of John D you know, and so forth? It's like, uh, uh, it's a little difficult. Yeah, to, to expand on his example, a, a, a dream speaker is usually has a Native American or or Aborigine or Australian Aborigine view on the world. So their magic that they perform is going to be filtered through the lens of their belief. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, they can do this thing where where they can open a portal and go to anywhere in the world by by using uh using incense, using a medicine lodge or uh mm-hmm. a, a, a a dream catcher, whatever. Hang on. How do I do that as a son of ether whose whose reality is filtered through the lens of steampunk era like technology or or archaic Vic, Victorian ideas of what science really is? How do you make that mental change to have the same effect using this different lens? That's up to the player. The player sweat, has sweat to lodge. figure out how to do that. That was the word that was, was uh, the, the Native American sweat lodges. Uh, you yeah. know, uh, some stuff and, you know, yeah, but, I don't, but they're you, using actually using correspondence magic to see magic and you're not hallucinating going there. You're actually going there. Yeah. But it's believable because you just say, oh, it was an hallucination or someone else. Now, will now say, how oh, does somebody from the celestial chorus do that? Who has to try to find in the Bible? Uh, <laughs> well, uh Baptists do it all the time. They, you know, they shake and roll and roll around and stuff like that on the ground. Pentecost- Pentecostals. And, what's that? Pentecostals. Speaking oh, Pentecost, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Sorry. But uh, yeah, so, you know, it can be explained in many different ways. It yeah. depends on the lens that you have to explain it. And that that's depending on what group you are and what faction within that group you belong to. And to, and to be clear, the technocracy has somewhat of the same problem. 
when those different the different technocratic orders one they don't fully get along they do no. in like the end kind of end goal the overarching end goal so it seems yeah. like it's traditions Save against humanity from themselves yeah keep them in the dark but That's they were just goal. as much Everyone against each it. other yeah but they all have different little ideas on how to do that yep so sometimes they get into conflict mm -hmm. sometimes now all of this takes place in the current day all right in uh in 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 first edition it says it's you know 1990 1995 2000 whatever all right, but you can easily just make it current day, just 2023. That's where we're playing. So all of the technology you see, you have around you, that's what you have here. All of the all of the uh, religions that you have in the world now, you have in this world too. The only problem is, the world of darkness is slowly spiraling to a stop, which which is covered in the final books of the old world of darkness called the Time of Judgment, where now either you win or you lose and you did a video series on those i i, I, I liked your I presentation of them on, but i didn't like the i did a video series in the big three vampire mage and werewolf all of their end times books and vampire was the best mage was the second best werewolf is trash i mean it, it's not as good i didn't like the mage one at all but no okay I not, just not like you, again not your presentation of it but but i didn't yeah. like i understand uh and then, of course, now we get into magic. And that will be the end of this video, which is background. Oh, look, Next one it's got the K the... on there. Such a 1990s occult thing. <laughs> yes, yes. So we're, we're going to be talking about uh, um, the spheres of magic, how they work, Arete, which I hate pronouncing that word correctly. That's, I'm, that's... I'm actually surprised you said it because yeah, you wouldn't even it, let us but, say it that way. <laughs> but this is a semi-professional environment now, so I got to do it. Fair. I remember that. He would not let us say it the way it's supposed no, to be pronounced. No. Stop oh. Stop saying Greek shit. I don't like it. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's what I uh, all right. Let's hit these comments and then we'll move on to the next one. Um, Game with ADHD, who has a channel that you all should be subscribed to as well. Check him out. Uh, says, I've played more World of Darkness than any other games. That's what the GM was running. But I hate Vampire. Don't want to play the bad guy. I understand. And uh, in, in Vampire... You are straddled in the beginning. Even if you take away all of the gothic punk nonsense, you're still a vampire. Mm -hmm. You still eat people to live. You can't be the good guy. That at best you can be an anti-hero. So I understand. I get it. You have to be in the right mindset to play vampire correctly. <laughs> Matt Thompson, I hate werewolf. I typed that in. I I just can't even. It's like I don't even know you anymore. I there's nothing about werewolf. I enjoyed like I only played it a couple of times to be fair, yeah, it's, but uh, it's way too hippie for me. And and it's like, it's hippie and violent at the same time. Yeah, yeah. It's it is it is the the hippiness is baked into the system, unlike in Mage, where you can just remove the the gothic sissy parts of it, and you still have a game. If you remove the hippie parts of Werewolf, you broke the game. Yeah, I, but to be fair, I didn't really like Vampire either. I played a lot of it because that is what people were playing in the '90s. And, and but uh, no, it, it, Mage is the only Mage is the only one I actually like. The rest of them I either tolerate or don't like. But uh, Mage is the only one I actually like. Crafty says it's Sunday. Have you tithed today? <laughs> someone needs an extra penny. Someone, yeah, someone, someone's not going to get to heaven without that extra penny. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, the unfortunate consequence of the push of technology is it gave ignorant woke people a voice on Twitter. 
the technocracy effed up there. Yes, they did. Iteration X messed up on that one because they, they also handle the internet. And they screwed up. They screwed up. Twitter, TikTok, they messed up. Big, big, big they mistake. thought you new, were ready for social media. You were The new world order is pissed. Because you 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 set back their their agenda or program or program or what they call it uh, by decades because of Twitter and TikTok sucks. And this last one, I drink therefore I am says uh, you can do anything you want until the paradox backlash yes, comes, and, and we will talk about really that next segue into magic itself because we are going to talk about vulgar coincidental and what paradox is, what it does, and how to how to skate it, and the difference. In, in uh in die rolls between coincidental and paradox so hit up the the magic banner yeah i have to get that off the screen first so i just did there all right uh whoop, crap, stop clicking all the wrong buttons okay all right for the second part of segment two heathen dog is going to dive into the magic system what is paradox what is vulgar and it's not poo poo words although it could be if you really want them to be and what is coincidental uh, probably the the spheres and maybe yep. even a road or two. We'll see how much he has time for. But uh, we'll we'll talk magic now. So Heathen Dog, uh, talk to us about some magic. All right. First, we're talk about what in this game what magic is. Magic is the the mage, the the human being, forcing their will upon reality, thereby changing it. And, and subscribe and, and share. That is our will reality. being imposed upon you change our reality by getting us into the YouTube algorithm. That'd be great. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> there you go. And this is accomplished by, by dedicating yourself to learning several, I think it was nine spheres of magic. Each sphere of magic encompasses learning in a different aspect of reality. I don't think it says, yeah, it doesn't actually say it already, but don't worry, we, we will get to that. Uh, we don't need to worry about oracles. Quintessence. Now, de depending on your worldview, depending on what faction you are or what group within that faction you are, the quintessence is defined as something different, but having the same effect. Quintessence is the essence of reality. It is raw, unformed existence. To create anything from nothing, you have to put quintessence into it to create something real. If you take away quintessence from something real, it dissolves because it's no longer based in reality. For uh, a, tech, a technocratic idea would be quantum physics. With, without the proper quantum entanglement, higher, higher forms of reality, atoms, molecules, whatever, cannot exist properly. If you're thinking of, say, Sons of Ether, they, they, they believe that, that quintessence is the fifth element that permeates the, in, the entire universe and is the basis for all things that are real. Yeah, kind of like the force, you know, binds us, penetrates us, you know, binds the universe together, whatever, stuff like Duct that. Tape. So it, it all depends on your, on your outlook, what quintessence is to you, but the effect is the same. Quintessence is the building block of all things that exist in reality. You, someone takes away the quintessence from your body, you will dissolve or burn or erupt into flames or whatever. You will cease to exist. It's like that. Talismans of foci. We don't need to deal with that right now. Uh, the supernatural world. Uh, the, the Tellurian is the universe. Everything in the universe. The spirit realm. All the levels of different realities. All exist within the universe. 
all accessible if you have the right knowledge. Uh, the near Umbra is kind of like the the uh, near ethereal plane from DD and and the um the deep umbra is the far inferior plane and the the uh the realms are the the different realms that exist within reality but are usually an aspect of a certain certain aspect of of reality like for example uh in in D, you have the the realm of fire the negative material plane the 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 plane of water stuff like that in mage, there is the plane of entropy where everything is constantly breaking down into nothing slowly, but surely nothing new is created, but it's destroyed in slow motion. There is the, the, the plane of forces where, where in it are all aspects of all different kinds of energy existing all at once, moving around all, you know, very, very chaotic, very energetic, you know, like, you know, stuff like that. All of that exists in the Tellurian, in the universe, and you can go there. Deep Umbra, that's the either the astral plane or the uh, deep ethereal barriers. Barriers are the are the walls between these different levels of existence. There's a barrier between the physical world and the near umbra. There's a barrier between the near umbra and the the pocket dimensions, the 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 uh, you know plane of forces. You know, for example, and the harder the thicker this barrier, the harder it is to traverse. The technocracy's main objective since the Renaissance has been to thicken the barrier between the physical plane and all of the planes so that humans do not accidentally get messed up and fall into fall into a different plane of existence, which has happened in medieval times. There, there's all you stumbled kinds. over a twig and all of a sudden you were in a plane yeah. of fire. Yeah, you, you, you walk into a circle of mushrooms and suddenly you're in some kind of freaking fairyland. That has happened when when the barrier is thin enough. That has happened. What was the time frame when the technocracy changed from order of reason technocracy? Was that Victorian? Hundreds around. Okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, spirits exist. And this is the technocracy. We're not going to get into that. We're going to go straight to magic. Void engineers don't care. Storytelling. No, thank you. No. Want your stupid story? It's eighty something rules. Come on, man. Character, what? You think it would be right there, but it's not. It's way at the bottom because so those are all the traditions right there. Yeah, that, those are uh, all the traditions. You just, I just really skipped by because we're not doing that right now. This is an the, o- this is an overview, not a deep yeah, dive. Not a deep dive. It's an overview. Here we go. Nope, it's willpower, contestants, book three, magic. Yes, there it is. Okay. So the, the nine spheres, these are the nine aspects of reality that you will learn to manipulate in your tribes and tribulations as a mage. Correspondence, which is study of dimensional space, distance between things, the fact that distance exists at all. Entropy, the study of progressive disorder. Forces, the study of energy in all its forms. Every, every energy. Life, the study of biological things. Matter, the study of physical non-living patterns, non-biological. Mind, the study of sentience and manipulation of minds. Prime, the study of quintessential reality. Now, prime is arguably the most important sphere because without it, you cannot create something from nothing. You need to be able to funnel quintessence into something as you're creating it to make it real. And without prime too, you can't do that. 
spirit, the study of the ethereal, and time, the study of the temporal. Now, basic quick rundown of magic. Each sphere has a dot between one and five. This is the representation of your level of knowledge in that aspect of reality. As you go up in level, your toolbox to affect this part of reality gets larger. More tools get in it. For example, in most cases, one dot in a sphere, say forces, matter, spirit, prime, whatever, gives you a sense of that aspect of reality. Example, you have one dot in correspondence. Correspondence is a study of space. You now have the ability to sense the space around you. Meaning, it can mean a lot of things. For example, Daredevil has radar sense of his immediate area. That's correspondence one. You can use correspondence one to gauge the exact distance between you and a wall, you and a person, you and a bullet, you and that fireball spell to make sure you don't get in it. You have the innate ability to know the distance between all things that exist in reality and take up space. That's some of the things you can do with, with forces one. I mean, sorry, with correspondence one. Correspondence two where, whereas we get into, now we're manipulating a, a tiny fraction of that aspect of reality. In correspondence two, we are manipulating our, our, uh, our ability to perceive space by being able to perceive space that is far away. This is your clairaudience or clairvoyance abilities. You're able to see something further away than, than just your immediate area. Forces two... Instead of sensing electromagnetic energy in the area, you can now manipulate it in a small fashion. As long as it already exists. As long as it already exists, you can manipulate it. In I a can small make my fashion. lights here flicker. Yeah, for your you you can bend the light so it creates a shadow, or you have a you have a source of radiation. You don't want to get irradiated because that's bad. Yeah. You can bend the radiation around you to a certain extent. To make sure it doesn't pierce your body. There's all kinds of stuff you can do. It's up to your imagination. And you have to convince the storyteller that you can do this with the sufficient knowledge you have. Two dots, three dots, one dot, four dot, five dot, whatever. Well, you you, one of my favorite things that you told me <laughs> is that, uh, was it, uh, was it matter four prime two? Every vampire is a lawn chair without even breaking a yeah. sweat. Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, vampires technically are non-living things. Therefore, with the right knowledge, you can change what they are into something else. And the comeback to that is, yeah, but I'm a Tremere. I know magic. It actually is written in the book that Tremere, Tremere cannot stop mage magic. Nope. Tr Tremere all. magic is, is little, little tiny baby magic com yeah. compared to true magic, which is altering reality. Blood magic is weak bull crap compared to, compared to this. You just don't, you don't have what it takes. And we move on. Creating magical effects. Okay, now we're going to talk about coincidental and vulgar magic. Here's the deal. Reality works by itself in a certain way. This is controlled by the consensus, the unconscious consensus, consensus of the majority of people. Right now, the technocracy is winning because people believe in science. They don't believe in magic. They believe in science. If you have a toilet paper roll and you fire a fireball out of it, people are going to freak out. 
because that's not possible. That's vulgar. But if you're holding what looks like to be a flamethrower and you fire a fireball out of it, people are going to buy it. That's coincidental. It fits into their view of what is possible. Not probable, not likely, possible. And that's there, important. There's a, there's a flip side to that, and that, uh, and this is even very pedantic. But yeah, and I think actually an example given in a book uh, right. where you, if you go to the Amazon and a dragon flies overhead, they believe in that. Yeah, in they, that they, area. Yeah, exactly. In, in that, that area. local area, reality is a little bit different because the people in that area believe in something like that, and the people who don't are far removed. So it's a little more coincidental. But as a general rule, if you're in a Western city and you start throwing lightning bolts from your eyes, people are going to freak out and you are breaking reality. You're going to get pushback. Coincidentally, if you can figure out how to shoot someone with lightning bolt without having it come out of your eyes or your body or have it, have it happen in some believable circumstance, it's completely doable. Not only that, but usually you'll get more dice to do it. So you'll succeed better. Here, here's, here's why. There are two main uh, stats when you're using magic. Erite, which is Greek for uh, personal excellence or excellence in knowledge, something like that. And then your knowledge in a specific sphere that you're using, say forces. Say you have forces three and Erite of four. All right. If your magic is coincidental, if you think about it and make that fireball, make everyone believe it, that's possible, you roll your erite in dice for success. That's four dice. If you just cast a fireball out of your hand, which you can do, like any D&D wizard, no one's going to buy that shit. That's, <laughs> that is vulgar. You only get to roll three dice of your sphere. So remember, Arite being uh, excellence in, in pursuit or excellence in knowledge gives you, gives you more effect over reality as long as you massage it correctly. If you want to brute force it, you just go with your flat rating in that sphere as your dice pool. And that brings us to... There we go. We have a magical flowchart. It gives you the steps for creating a magical effect and, and adjudicating if that effect is vulgar, coincidental, or not. Here we go. Describe the effect. When a mage decides to use some magic, the player must describe the magical effect and decide whether it's coincidental or vulgar. Here, the storyteller decides whether it's coincidental or vulgar. The player gets time to shine by convincing the storyteller if it's coincidental or vulgar. Okay, do you have the correct spheres to make that effect happen? We have to do a reality check here. Funny. I did, see what I did there? We have to do a reality check here. If you want to affect a spirit, you have to have spirit sphere of a certain rank. Do you have the rank necessary? Let's say yes. Then we move on. Determine difficulty. The mage can create the effect. The storyteller must determine the difficulty of the magical effect role. The base difficulty is the highest rank and sphere you're using plus three. For example. Creating a fireball is forces three, prime two. Forces three to create a force from nothing and prime two to fuel it with quintessence required for it to exist. You're using two spheres, one of them rank two, one of them rank three. We take the highest one, three, add three to it, 
your target number for success is six. Now, other things can can add or take away from this. If you're, you know, if you have severe damage, you get minus to your dice. If you're blindfolded, you get minus to your dice, unless you're using correspondence one to sense everything in the area. If you are, if you're uh, pumping extra quintessence into this thing to make sure it's really real, you get minuses to that number. But that's your base target number. And now we roll. We roll differently depending on the circumstance, if it's vulgar or not. Here's an example. There's an automatic success rule. If your dice pool is equal to or greater than the target number of the effect, you can forego rolling and get one success. Now, usually one success is not sufficient to do what you want because your successes determine the range of the attack, the damage of the attack, the the uh, how how much, how long this alteration in reality will last. And it also has to defend against counter magic, which will get to, which takes away successes. So if you get one success in something, you do very minimal damage, range of touch. It lasts only one, one turn, which is one round. And so it's very, very minimal. But if that's all you need, you don't need to roll because rolling ones suck and you don't want to do it. So if it's a gimme, and you don't need a huge amount of successes, no one's resisting it, eh, just auto-roll. Fine. Whatever. Now, in this instance, the one the one we held with the fireball thing, uh, the target number six, and he's doing a fireball, which is vulgar. So here's what happens. The player must now determine whether the magic is, is successful. If the magical effect is vulgar, th this is the middle, this is the middle part. Mm -hmm. Right here. Can't really, can't really see it, but I know I'm, I'm reading it. That's why a uh, player may roll a number of dice up to the mage's highest rating in the spheres being used. I'm using two spheres, prime two forces three. That means I roll three. Each result equal to or greater than difficulty is a success. So I need, I have three dice. I got to roll sixes. Each six is a success, but let's say instead of rolling, instead of casting a fireball, cause that's, that's lame. Let's say, there is the, the, the guy I want to hit with a fireball is standing next to a car. I shoot the gas tank of the car, causing it to explode. And I, and I do this using forces three prime two. I'm creating a fireball explosion underneath the car, causing the gas tank to rupture and also blow up. But the effect, the damage is from my fireball, but it's possible. Not yeah. likely. No. Well, if you, if you get a lot of people who watch enough movies, there are people who think that cars oh, blow. Oh, that every happens every time. Yeah. yeah. If yeah, if you watch enough movies, you think it happens every time. But no, it, it's it'll almost never happen. I'm willing to bet my house that it'll never happen. But it is possible, which means it's within the realm of reality, which means it's coincidental. So instead of rolling three dice for my, for my forces sphere, I'm rolling four dice for my Arite rating. So I have more chances for success with the same target number six. And there's more because paradox is a bitch. Find <laughs> out. Results. Determine the results. Let's say for, for, my, for my vulgar friend who just shot a fireball out of his hand, he got two successes. And mm -hmm. his target is 20 feet away. Well, he got the range. That's fine. It's beyond touch. Close range. That's close range. He got damage. 
because he got successes and and it, it will last. He'll and the bad guy, the guy that you shot, will be on fire for a little while because it'll have a little duration on it. Great. My guy who rolled Arate, he got three successes. So he's that he one die that just doesn't want to cooperate, huh? There you go. That one die doesn't want to cooperate. So he he gets more damage. He gets more duration where the person's on fire. And he's he's uh he's more resistant to counter magic, which takes away successes, total successes. But the big thing that we're gonna look at is paradox, because these two different types of magic use come with drastically different paradox problems. Vulgar paradox with with witnesses. You cast <laughs> make sure magic. nobody's looking when you do this stuff. Just yeah. just just know that this is when normal people, normal sleepers see you cast a fireball out of your hand and hit Jimmy with it. And Jimmy bursts into flames and is writhing on the ground and dying. A sleeper sees this and goes, Nope, that's not possible. BS can't happen. Now you get smacked by the universe. Who says and yep. bitch slaps you. This is what happened. Depending on the result of the magical effect roll, the mage may gain paradox by using this magic. If the magic is vulgar where sleeper witnesses, the, the mage automatically gains a minimum of one paradox point if the effect is successful. The mage can also gain paradox points if the roll is botched. <laughs> and the whole, the whole botching thing is this. If you, have, if you roll more ones than successes, you botch. Each one takes away a success and cancels itself out in the process example for that you're rolling four dice target number six i roll six six one five i have two successes one non-success as the five and one one that one eliminates itself by eating a success i am now left with one success if i'm left with zero successes say i roll six six one one I'm left with zero successes. It just fails. I don't even get paradox if it's vulgar because it didn't happen. Nothing happened. But let's say I roll six, one, one, five. Ooh. One, one takes away six and eliminates each other. I'm left with a one and a five, a failure and a one. Uh-oh. Not only do I get a paradox for using vulgar magic, I get an extra paradox for each one uh there are two paradox points for each one rolled so and i now have three paradox points you can have 20 paradox points before you explode into a very very violent violent and beautiful fireworks display and and that's that's actually true explode yeah that is true you explode. That's, that's not like Ethan logs just saying you know bad no. things happen no bad things happen long before then now yeah. you're just done now you're just you're over you're just done now let's say you cast a fireball and the only people knowing it is you and Jimmy, who's on fire and dying because you hit him with a fireball. But Jimmy knows that magic exists. So this is vulgar without witnesses. Reality is still going to spank you, but there's no one to scream it here faster. You there's didn't no take your pants off in front of the kids, so they're not as mad. There you go. Depending on the result of the roll, you get, you get paradox points. If the magic is vulgar and there are no sleeper witnesses, the mage automatically gains a minimum of one paradox. Again, minimum of one. For doing vulgar magic for each one you gain an extra point not two points just one point of paradox so let's do that again i got uh, a six a one a five and a five 
no, a six one five one. I'm left with a single one left over with no successes. I get one point of paradox for the magical effect. I get another point of paradox instead of two. I only get one because I botched. So vulgar magic will always give you at least one paradox. That paradox builds up in your body and you must vent it every once in a while or you will literally explode. Venting it slowly from your body is the safest way, but it causes problems. We're not going to get into that today. I apparently have nine paradox right now. <laughs> there you go. You're, you're in trouble. Now, there's coincidental magic. This is the safest version of magic. This is you massaging reality to get what you want. For example, instead of casting the fireball, we go back to the exploding car thing. I pull out my gun. I shoot the car. I don't have to hit the car. I can shoot in the general direction of the car. And the car will explode. Anyone watching will think I hit the gas tank and the gas tank exploded. And Jimmy was standing next to the car. Jimmy's now on fire. This is coincidental. It's possible. That means I roll four dice instead of three. I roll my Arite instead of my sphere. And let's say I get the, 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 the three successes. That means I'm doing uh, rank times three in damage. The, he's going to be on fire for probably 10 minutes unless he can stop, drop, and roll, or find some water, or someone has a fire extinguisher or something. He's going to be on fire for a bit. He's probably going to die from it. And the cool thing is, if magic is coincidental, the mage can only gain paradox points if the roll is botched. I don't get the automatic paradox. I get one paradox for every one left over in my failed roll. So if you have lucky dice, you can do magic all day. Coincidental all day magic all day. Coincidental magic all day. Exactly right. That's how magic is done. Well, there's one, there's one more caveat to that. There's or one, one addendum, and, and you made this very clear in our game. And I, maybe the book does as well. I'm not sure. But uh, too much coincidental magic becomes vulgar mm. because yes. you're breaking statistics here. Right, yeah. Too much coincidence in one place can become vulgar because people stop believing in it. Example. You put $100,000 on five black on the roulette table. You roll, five black comes up because you used entropy magic to, to, uh, to mess with causality a little bit. So you got five black. People will believe that. Yeah, people have won at roulette before. People have done that. That's completely possible. That's the, that's the damn point of the game, right? You won. You say, let it ride. They roll again. It's a five black again. Everyone's like, uh, that's weird, but okay little shaky now you say ah let it ride rolled again five black now people are like nope nope i don't buy it it's well, rigged it rigged hacks rigged <laughs> hacks whatever that's what they're doing now and now it's vulgar without witnesses when when coincidence gets pushed to its limit it becomes the lowest level of vulgar vulgar without witnesses so you automatically get a point of paradox plus an extra point for every one you have left over in your roll So that is magic. That is the, the basis of, of magic in this game. And I really love it for the reason being, unlike many other game systems where you have to use spells, you have to memorize them. You have to study them. It takes months of in-game time. No, it doesn't. Not in Mage. 
In Mage, you may get a minus, but you can come up with something literally at the moment. And there are things that can help out with that. You've got your rotes, you've got your yeah, foci. You, got your rotes, you have your talismans, you have your foci, yeah. whatever, that can help bring down target numbers and whatnot. But you can make it up on the go. Just make it up. And it's completely doable. You just have to convince reality you're right. Your character has to convince reality you are correct. You as the player has to convince the storyteller that you can do this. And then you can do it. Now, what I do, this is the little last, the little last addendum. What, what, what I do in my games is to, to make the character more immersed. To, I'm sorry, to make the player more immersed in their character. I, I have the fast cast penalty, which is right here. Fast cast. Can't see it very well. Sorry. It's a really bad copy. Plus one plus to one. difficulty modifier. That means if you don't have a rote for it, uh, a, a practice in doing this, you're doing it on the fly. It's one target number higher. Six becomes seven, seven becomes eight, stuff like that. But during the week between game sessions, if you if you sit down and write down all the powers you want to have, as long as they fit inside the framework of the level of knowledge you have in spheres, I'll okay it. And then that's considered one of your rotes. You no longer get the plus one. Straight rolls. So during the week, in between game sessions, you can give yourself spells to offset modifiers. Just think about it. Like, well, what if I had to jump off a cliff? How am I going to live? Well, I have this sphere, that sphere of this rank and that rank. Well, I can I can alter my I can alter the effect of gravity on me. I can alter the effect of wind resistance. You, know, you can do all this stuff. Just make some stuff. You can do the same thing with two completely different spheres. It's all your imagination. Like I said, each each rating in a sphere increases the size of your toolbox. Unlike in Vampire and Werewolf, where each rating in a power gives you a specific ability, each rating in a power gives you a range of abilities that's limited only by your imagination and your ability to BS another person, the storyteller. So, so here, here are a couple. I have my rotes written in. I still have all this from uh, a bunch of these are rotes that actually exist in the game, but I have some here labeled as my own design. Um, I'll just pick the first one here. Kyle's continual. Oh, yeah, my character's name was Kyle. Uh, yeah. Kyle's continual current. Forces three prime two. Causes a current of electricity to form around my body. This current is charged by my prime two and lasts as long as I wish. Damage is two health levels per success. Target can only be damaged by touching me, so brawl and melee, and target gets a soak roll. Okay, now, that could be vulgar or it could be coincidental. It depends on how he frames it. Yep. If he puts on some ridiculous-looking vest with all these wires on it, powered by a 9-volt battery, turns it on, now it's got beeping lights or whatnot, People will believe that he's now electrified when someone. What's that? It's the guy from uh, the the Running Man. Um, no, the Running Man, Electro or Volt yeah. or whatever his name was. <laughs> yeah, it's him. Yeah, he's got all these LEDs on him. You touch him, you get shocked. People will buy that. It's coincidental, but without that setup, it can be considered vulgar. Yeah. No, that was so, definitely I. <laughs> looking at that and knowing the character of Kyle, I don't know if I would have had any way of doing that without it being vulgar. <laughs> But, uh, oh, no, that was used in my sanctuary where I didn't have to worry about it. Anyway, uh, we don't have to get in all that. Like and subscribe, share. And uh, we've got uh, some comments to go through. And then you're going to talk about some adventure ideas and adventure hooks oh, and no, things. Wait, no, hang on, hang on. Oh, take oh, that off, oh. take that off. Darth, Darth, I want to say this right now. He's correct. I misread. I'm sorry. 
I was reading it out loud. I had that started, but I was reading it. And as, as you can see, I'm a little cut off here. Yeah. It doesn't go all the way. I, I did a bad job scanning this. So yes, when, when you, when you're doing vulgar effects, vulgar with witnesses, you get an automatic, uh, automatic, uh, two paradox for each die rolled and then more paradox for each one rolled. Well, left over vulgar without witnesses is one paradox per die rolled. And then one more for each one left over during your roll. So yes, it's very, very, very bad. Paradox can really, really add up on. Would you like to tell them one of the paradox things you did to one of the players that made him want to quit the game? Okay. 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 Quickly, quickly. Uh, One of the ways to get rid of paradox is to take paradox flaws. This is uh, a, a small or large, depending on how many points you want to shed at a time alteration in your personal reality. Example. One, one, one character that, uh, that his, the player's name was Bob. Uh, we talk about him a bit. Yeah. We talk about it. Uh, he wanted to shed paradox, like two or three points of it. I'm like, okay. And what happened to him as an effect of the paradox, leaving his body, his digestive system was reversed. Meaning he ate through his butt and he crapped out his mouth. Which is funny because that came a, became a South park episode later on in a South park episode years later. Yes. <laughs> I did it first, not the Simpsons, not Twilight Zone, me. But that is an example of a paradox flaw. That's an example of a way to shed paradox safe, relatively safely from your body. You just had to figure out how he was going to eat without people noticing. (laughs) Right. And he did it in the bathroom stall. Could one with enough dots and time body prime make himself immortal in theory? Yes, but the longer you live beyond your normal lifespan, the more paradox you will accrue just by existing because you're breaking reality as everyone knows it by being immortal. So the longer you're immortal, the more paradox you will accrue and the faster it will accrue. So as so soon, you will not be able to shed enough of it quickly enough from your body before you explode. Uh, Duazitep uh, ignores that, right? Like you can do that in Duazitep? Well, you, you can do that in places that aren't the real world. Duazitep is, uh, is in the shard yeah. forces realm. So it's in a different realm. It has different base laws. Okay. But in the real world on earth, the base law is nothing living can live forever. A simple lead bullet can kill a vampire. I believe you put the bullet in the right place. It'll kill anything. False. False. Lead bullet will not kill a vampire. Right. Uh, a lead bullet will not kill a vampire unless it has uh, what's that type of damage called? Um, Aggravated. Aggravated damage. Yep. Yes. Because yeah. uh, if, if you do normal damage to a vampire, he will go into torpor. Eventually he'll wake up. But yeah. yeah, he'll be gone for a while. If you stake him, burn him, claw him, magic him, that's aggravated damage or can, can be aggravated damage. And that will finally, finally kill him. But if he still has blood in his body, he'll still be okay. Just not for a long while. Unless you weren't talking about vampire, then I don't know. uh so what about magic lightning gun the magic lightning gun okay this all depends like i said you have to convince the storyteller that people will buy this nonsense so it all depends on how well you sell it for example if if you have a uh a tesla coil and you 
you hook up a, an antenna to it and you point it at somebody, you turn on the Tesla coil and an arc of electricity jumps from the Tesla coil to the person. If you explain that in just the right way, people might buy it. It could be coincidental. Yes, you can do that. But if not, it's vulgar. The thing about a taser, though, is you have to be careful. Is tasers don't normally kill. Can it yeah. kill? Yes, it can. It can, but you have to have a, a, a you know pre-existing condition, whatnot. Nine times out of ten, it's not going to kill somebody. But if you're if you not if you want to kill anyone, you just want to incapacitate them. Then yes, you have a taser, and you either have the little the little uh thing that shoots out, or you touch someone Electrodes, with it, yeah. and you can paralyze someone with with electrical current with with forces with uh with forces two and an actual taser gun or forces three prime two and a fake taser gun because you're creating electricity on the go so you don't need a battery but if you actually have a taser you can tase someone and focus that energy in specific parts of his body or his brain stem in particular and take him out for quite a while quite a while see people don't understand that tasers while the electricity is flowing, you're incapacitated. The moment it stops, it's over. You're fine. Well, most people are incapacitated. Lots of stories. I, I even oh, watch yeah, them. There are people but, who uh, are resistant. It's just yeah. the same as people are resistant to pepper spray. There are some people. And and but, tasers can kill. Uh, it doesn't always have to be a condition. There can be just some really, really, really bad luck. But it is nonsense that could happen. Yeah. yeah, but it's always investigated very thoroughly yeah. because it doesn't happen a lot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, not, not much at all. In yeah, fact, the high, so. really ridiculously high uh, probability that it doesn't work versus it will kill. Right. So exactly. So lots of people don't know that when you stop tasing someone, they're fine. In the movies and on you know on TV and on books, when you tase someone, they're left for a, a minute or so, like having the effects. No, there's no effects. After you're done being tased, you're done. Your body's fine. But people don't know that. So if you want to incapacitate someone for longer, you tase him and you say, yeah, I tased him right in the neck. I got his brain. Oh, that explains why he's still writhing on the ground, even though you're not tasing him anymore. Yes, it does. Thank you for helping me. Be coincidental. I, I did something like that with my character uh, where I had the taser, but I just had it do extra. I think it was extra time or extra damage. I forget what it was, but it was something where it's like, I actually had a taser on me and, a, and uh, it's like, wow, that works really well. I know, right? Got, got to go get one of these things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i specially made it i i up the no, voltage you know, no like i don't it? i didn't tell people that <laughs> oh no I, I i turned up the voltage you like it yeah it got a 12 yeah. volt on the back of this anyway all right let's uh let's get ready for the next one where we talk about adventure ideas once more time like subscribe share and in the next video heathen dog's going to talk about adventure what, what else adventure ideas and what else or is that just pretty much it adventures just, adventure, ideas. Much okay. adventure ideas all right All right, this this stream has gone on crazy long, but a lot of good information for you folks out there. We are going to end it for today on Adventure Ideas. People on YouTube are like, it ended. I just started the video. I know, but it's a live right. show. So uh, we are going to uh, finish this up with Adventure Ideas in Mage the Ascension and uh, all the fun and hijinks you can have therein. All right. So the idea... Thank you. and Like and subscribe. Share. That'd be great. The idea of of the of the chronicle or campaign is to uh further your faction's belief in how reality should progress so your adventures are going to be different if you are a tradition mage if you are a technocracy mage a marauder a nefandus whatever it's going to be different adventure 
So let's just assume because, you know, the book really pushed this book pushes tradition mages. You are a tradition mage. The end goal, no matter what faction of tradition you are, is for everyone to awaken. And at that point, ascension will happen. So you will work toward that goal. The adventures should it's be funny. It's in, in some, the name. Yeah. The adventure should be in some way, shape or form toward that goal of ascension. Now, how it does that? Well, that depends on you. You know, you you could you could uh, you know get uh, get ideas from ghosts that are that are in the, in the near Umbra, right? Wraiths, they they exist around here. Ask them about you know study them, have adventures there to further your knowledge of magic, to give that magic to the people, stuff like that. Whatever it it could be, uh, building up a physical real world base uh, stronghold so you're secure. Or it's a cover for charitable acts like donations to charity or you run your own foundation to help people using magic coincidentally, but to slowly open their minds to the idea of magic. And remember that entire time, the technocracy is r running uh, ads and reality campaigns. TV yeah. to, to close those minds. Yes, to, to, make, to make note, you can only do fantastic things using technology. Oh, the it's Kardashians it. technology or not te technocracy. They, they, they came up with that. Yep. Anything that that one is, is to dumb us down, to keep us sheep, to keep us protected. That's what the Kardashians, that's what reality TV does. So the, te the technocracy created reality TV as part of their campaign or chronicle to keep sleepers asleep and therefore safe. Or if, if you're in tradition, you want to open the minds of as many people as possible. Your goal is, in every adventure in that chronicle should be moving towards that result. Now, not every campaign, not, I mean, sorry, not every adventure is going to be, you know, the, the, the great Ascension war or whatnot. Some of it's going to be down and down in the street, you know, street level crime or especially or, at first. Yeah. Especially at first you're, you're going to have street level miracles, stuff like that. You know, well, saving, you just reminded me a uh, 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 first I don't know what you call it. Well, right when you a starting character, however many points it is, a vampire is stronger than a mage. Yes, mages quickly make up that gap and and uh, you know can yes. f a vampire. There's vampires got nothing. But at first, your vampire character, if you were to make one side by side next to a mage character, that vampire character is going to be more powerful. Yeah, more powerful. And if they go in a head-to-head -head fight, the vampire will win nine, nine times out of ten. But experience points for mages count more. Than they do for vampires. So as they gain experience, the the mage pulls ahead, and then it it reverses. Nine times out of ten, the vampire will fail. But anyway, uh, street street level, street level ascension war. Okay, this is uh, uh, going to the projects just just like every Hillary Swank movie ever. Go, <laughs> go going to the projects and 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 helping save a school. Right. If you do it in the right way, opening the minds of the students. You may have a couple of them be ready to awaken. More mages, more chances for everyone to awaken. You're you're doing street level street level adventures, but with a higher purpose goal. And and a couple of quick things just pop in my head with that. That's really easy with the traditions in in here. The Akashic Brotherhood opens up a martial arts dojo. Exactly. The Acacia Brotherhood are, are monks and martial artists who who have their their particular view of magic focused through martial discipline. The the, the Celestial Chorus comes by 
and you know a crime happens or or somebody's hurt and starts provide professional counseling or pastor just walks john, door to door yeah pastor john go, goes door to door trying to help people mm-hmm. you know on boots on the ground type thing that's we can go into more, but, but, but you get the idea. Yeah. So that's how every character at a street level can use its tradition in, in a way where also all these characters can work together. Work together for the same goal, just getting there in different ways. That's fine. Absolutely fine. So you can have different, diff, different tradition factions in the same PC group because they're all going for the same goal. They're just getting there in a different road. Mm-hmm. And everyone understands that. And then as you progress in experience, you get stronger in magic, you get more skilled, you get, you know, what more willpower, more and more arite. Then you can start affecting the world on a greater scale. Instead of street level, you're up to city level now. You've created a, a foundation to help these, these inner city kids go to college. But to do so, they have to, they have to take these the, the, the classes at the local Y, and the, these classes are taught by mages to try and open up people's minds. See? do that or if uh, the uh the uh, uh celestial chorus pastor creates his own mega church he gets on tv he goes around the country in vans puts up giant giant tents and and has huge huge gatherings of people and he he proselytizes everywhere trying to open their minds to make them more more akin to believe magic exists to hopefully they will awaken your reach increases, but your goal stays the same. That is the progression of a campaign through smaller adventures, getting larger, getting larger until finally where you're at the end of your campaign or chronicle, you either your, your game, your storyteller decides we're going to now going to face the time of judgment or we're going to stop and move to another game or whatever. We'll come back to this later. Get locked in right. a uh, monolith. So if you're a storyteller, if you're a storyteller and you want to create an adventure for mage, it's pretty easy. L- look at their group. Are they technocrats? Are they technocrats? Are they nefandas? Are they marauders? Are they, are they traditionalists? Depending on that, that's where your adventures want to end up. That's, that's what you want to start focusing on, on your adventures. If you are a nefandas mage, then the goal of your adventures should be the player characters corrupting the souls of people around them. If you are a technocratic group, then the goal would be to strengthen the barrier of, of, uh, of protection between sleepers and magic by any way possible. That's how your adventure should be, should be focused for. Right? So again, it all depends on the group you're playing, but a, a Originally, you should be playing tradition mages because that's what this book is set up for. So, and, and and I think it's just tough for some people when they see all the powers that you can get in there, especially when they yeah. hear people like you and I talking about that. To start at that street level is really good. It's a good idea yeah. because you have low levels and spheres. You you can affect very little at once, and it helps you get used to massaging reality using the tools in your toolbox. Your toolbox will get bigger with experience. But hopefully you've trained enough to be able to handle all these extra tools. But but also, if you're already saving the universe right off the bat, what are you building up into? Yeah, what are you building up for? No, don't don't fall into that thing. Don't don't fall into that trap. You know, every person on the Justice League started in their own neighborhood. All right, that's how it worked. Superman started in Smallville. Batman started in Gotham. 
and they worked up to world-level threats from there. They got better. They got smarter. They got stronger. Unless you're Superman, then you were just all those things, and it doesn't make sense. <laughs> well, you, came, you, you left home and came here after. <laughs> all right, any, anything else you want to cover in this, or do we hit comments? No, that is it. We're hitting comments. Go for all it. All right. Well, we only have one comment here, which is uh, for Bana opens a flower shop. Okay. No. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. That's fair. Fair. Yeah. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, and now we have uh, other comments from last week. The Robotech. About your Robotech stuff. Okay. And uh, most of the comments said, oh my God, I look forward to your mage. <laughs> so okay. I it was just, tried to pick this. It's funny though, with all the people that were looking forward to your mage stuff. Our, our viewer count is actually well, pretty low right now. Compared. so damn long. They had to go and sleep or something. <laughs> that was fine. All right. So first one is, uh, Palladium has always had the hands-off approach. Unlike many games which hold the GM's hand, Palladium has been hands-off. Hear the rules, do your thing. Uh, that is why the best GMs, in my humble opinion, are started on or are deeply steeped in Palladium. I can understand that. I mean, there are there are other game systems that, that do the same thing, that have the same effect. Uh, in in growing a game master but uh there 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 are two schools of thought to that i mean it's the whole how do you learn how to swim well you just throw them in the middle of the lake that's exactly how it worked for me and or or you you train with uh with the little floaties till you get better palladium and and other games like that that don't hold the hand of the game master is sink or swim it's throw you in the middle of the lake hope, hope you make it to the shore so uh, I I know you're not on the Friday Chill stream, but a f- couple months ago, a few months ago, whatever, we did a reaction video to a YouTuber named Kedhub. Was it Q E D H U P? If you guys want to go check him out, um, <laughs> we were we were hard on him. Let's just put it that way. And he took it like a champ. Although apparently some people are giving him death threats or something. But you know that's Aww. don't don't do stuff like that, guys. Oh, that's dumb. But uh, but uh, he ended up taking that video down, redoing it. <laughs> but he recently did one on Palladium. And I'd say he was gen- he was generally fair in it. I think he was a little extra critical, but I, but I think he was extra critical, kind of like I would be extra critical in the fact that there's a style involved, and because wh- we all know that the Palladium books are written like by a madman. A Malkavian wrote the Palladium books. Yeah, <laughs> but two complaints I don't like. One of them he didn't give, and I gave him credit for that. But the other one is is that uh, uh, the the rules conflict, or, or I can't find the rule I want. You don't need to you have the framework there if you're worried about wait a minute if i'm driving and i and i swerve is it a plus five or a plus ten percent you're worrying about too much nuance you're worrying of you're getting too deep in the minutiae just pick a number and go as long as the number you pick there is the same as what you'd pick for the npcs based on the same situation and this is why i agree with this comment i think i gave him an orgasmic yes i was like yes 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 <laughs> uh but uh because i absolutely agree with this you've got to learn about rulings over rules you need a good framework you yeah. must have a good framework but you don't need hold on what page what page yeah. is uh, you, don't, you don't need the exact ruling as long as you understand the game and and you you would do the same ruling on both sides just throw out five or ten percent in that instance. If later on after the game you look it up and it was fifteen, well, now you know for later on. But it's not like it, it was game breaking because it was it was within the realm of plausibility of of that game system. So the game went on just fine. And if there's literally no rule written for it, compare it to another rule that yeah. that's that you think is similar. That's what like, games are for. Yeah. So I, I I agree with this comment. Yeah. 
Uh, all right, Bjorn Kuma 8877 says, I'm pretty sure according to the novelizations, protoculture also has the added benefit of providing the Veritex with a sphere of physical influence that allows their high-speed maneuverability. Some physical forces are dampened within the sphere such that Veritex don't tear themselves apart like RDF's more conventional aircraft would, the uh, exciting hummingbird-like missile dodging maneuvers. I like that there's at least an in-world explanation. Okay, now... Again, I, I didn't take anything outside of the main book to talk about because we were just talking about the main book. But I understand this in the also in the cartoon, the Robotech cartoon, Max Sterling was able to transform his Veritech from fighter to battleoid using his mind. Because because of how protoculture is partially bio, uh, bionic and psionic okay. in nature, he was able to transform his Veritech into battleoid mode to save his life. Without without pressing the switch he's able to will it to be now is the protoculture causing a a a, a, a kind of uh anti-gravity effect to stop you being torn apart by g-forces or because the sdf1 came with gravity generation they just put little ones in the veritex either one works if it's your game you choose which one it is Personally, I would go with the more plausible. They 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 have they have uh, mini inertial dampeners in the Veritex because they have gravity manipulation technology that they learned from the SDF one. I would do that, but if you want it to be the protoculture doing it, that's fine too, because that's also come from the SDF one. So I get it. To remember, folks, protoculture turns you into an invid, or or it turns your eyes black and makes you really smart. Robotech was the first Palladium game I ever played. We played the. You're on the SDF-1 and trying to get back to Earth campaign. I played a background character and piloted a Radar X rifleman. I wanted a character that did more than just pilot a Veritech. Okay. That's, again, that is that is completely doable. Uh, if, if, you're, if you're using the uh, uh, first edition Robotech book, the two obvious ones are you are, you are with the SDF-1 or you were on Macross City you brought to the SDF-1 and trained to be a fighter for the SDF-1, or you are left on Earth defending the Earth from the, from the Zentradi left behind. Those are the two main campaign ideas. There's more, obviously. I'm, yeah. The Game Master has had to be creative, but those are the two gimmies. And that was what that was your gimme for your Game Master. And that's completely fine. Absolutely wonderful. Yeah. I like, I like being a Destroid just because I didn't want to be a ninja robot yeah so all right real quickly here uh put that up one more time like subscribe share since we didn't do it at the beginning which is okay i'm gonna go in actual backward order just to mess with everybody that's our schedule i'm not gonna do the litany of stuff you can pause if you want to find out when heathen dog streaming on thursdays and saturdays or you can look at the times there and find out when we're streaming on sundays and fridays like right now the charity we support is wounded warrior project scan that code in go to the link or look in the description below to find the link and you can donate to the wounded warrior project it's actually the right link now and of course we believe in hashtag rpgate escapism not representation entertainment over activism and organic inclusion not forced diversity Ooh, this stream is crazy long today so if you're gonna yeah. call in you better make it quick oh, oh, I, oh I next, can stay for a little bit next week that's what he's covering. that's what he and dogs covering next week yeah. the heroes of humanity heroes of humanity they are the good guys you can fight me if you want i'm gonna win the coalition states are the heroes of rift's earth for humanity heroes for humanity Got a comment for you, then this is going to be a tough one. What? 
I too played a ton of Palladium Robotech, but we disliked the rules, so I converted the campaign to using FaceRip. So I, I like FaceRip, but I also like Palladium. And I get very defensive of the Palladium rules. <laughs> I don't get defensive of the Palladium books because they're written, although Robotech's written fairly well. Maybe because it's only that thick. Yeah, uh, like uh, pages. yeah. yeah they, they're like the Rifts book is a, is a nightmare to get through to try to find things in there. But I like the Palladium system and I actually like it a lot. Uh, and I like Marvel superheroes. Damn. Yeah, and, and I like Face Rip as well. Like, <laughs> I do. I, and I don't even care. Like, fuck superheroes. I don't give a damn about that. But I, I do like the system for it. So that's a now, tough one. Hang for on. Me. I'm, of, I'm of two schools of, no, I'm of one school of thought, but one opinion on this. Okay. It's, you have, you have the books, right? You bought them. They're, they're your books. Yeah. Play them however you want. Yeah, fair. That's fine. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say you're doing it wrong because it's your table. If people want to play and they have fun, that means you're doing it right, right? I mean, makes sense. Yeah, and the, the dis we dislike the rules part makes me sad because I think the yeah. rules are good. Yeah, and then there's my opinion, which is that's stupid. <laughs> that's really, really dumb. Stop doing that. But that's just my opinion. I'm not. I'm not going to shame you into trying to do it differently. Did, did you go over to his house and flip over his table once? No, I'm not going to do that. I don't. Uh, I'm not going to do that. that Even if you. I knew where you lived and I had a key to your house, I still wouldn't do it. Yeah, work. All right, let's. Uh, so segment three, guys. Uh, if you want to put the link out there while I'm doing this, uh, check your audio and your surroundings. If you're going to call in, he's going to get the link out there for you in just a moment. Uh, yep. Oh, I got to get the link on Rumble. So. Um, I'll, I'll do the rumble side one question comment related to segment one or two so that is going to be mutant chronicles third edition combat or um mage the ascension you'll get a follow-up to our response but then you're done you're out we'll, we'll kick you out of here so uh it's like an old radio call-in show if you don't know and watch the language of course so there you go so tmnt no tmnt no now you angered me sir now i'm angry wow yeah you really <laughs> You really touched the sore spot on that one. That's my jam right there. Actually, Robotech and TMNT are both my jam. I'm pointing at you. You can't see it because I have that screen still up. I'm pointing at you. Oh, my God. I, I love TMNT and uh, the Palladium system of it. That and After the Bomb, although After the Bomb's history sucks. Oh, my God. We can't be friends. <laughs> All right. Uh, and boom, we've got Mark Hockman. How you doing, Mark Hockman? Hey. Well, one of the things that you mentioned early on that really, really uh, caught my attention was the whole uh, thing of like separating the mechanical rules of playing a game from like actually playing the game. Because like I've actually tried doing like proper like exercises where you like, you know, do like simulated troop movement stuff and that's like doing that for and trying to like keep character when the the the, the rules just uh, don't fully support being in character. Like, I right. found I a mean, trick for that. Oh, there's a trick. What's what's yeah. the trick? So I when I talk about game rules, one of the things I like to say is the game rules are the universal constants for that setting. So like we're used to nine point eight one meters per second squared. You know when it comes to acceleration, you know things like that. The dice that universe that you're playing in has some different universal constants. And that's mm. why guns don't work exactly the same. Now, I mean, again, it's it's obviously a narrative or a mental, you know, mental gymnastics to make that happen. But don't think of it as Earth. Think of it as we are in this cinematic or whatever system universe. universe. This separate universe. Yeah. Hmm. Well, that's one thing. Yeah. It's like well, one thing with um, uh, superhero stuff is this whole it's like, uh, what do you, why, why does the gun not hurt you? Well, what are you wearing? <laughs> Yeah, well, plus you're already suspending a lot of disbelief with a superhero universe, you know? I mean, Superman flying, 
that is a whole host of of scientific problems and conundrums that dragons I fly. can't really wrap my head around. But I just suspend that disbelief because it's a comic book universe. Yeah. And 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 they've tried to do. I don't want to call them studies, but I've read articles in the past on how dragons actually couldn't fly. They would be just too dang heavy. Uh, wait, uh, lift area calculations. Although yeah. one of one okay. of the stop it. What? <laughs> no, we we get it. We get it. We get it. Yeah. I, I, actually, I was going going to use the humming uh, uh, bee analogy, but whatever. I get it. All right. Thank you, Mar Hawkman. All righty. All right. All right, anybody else? Last call for alcohol on this one. We can put the link. I've been playing. That's that's cool. Hey, if, uh, I I don't own anything Marvel superheroes. I, I wish I did for the face rip system. I don't care about anything else. You can get it free online. Can you? Okay. Yeah. Well. But uh, if anybody yeah. else wants to pop in, the link's out there. Otherwise, we're gonna close. We are like an hour. Well, I wouldn't say an hour. We're technically fifteen minutes over. But for what our the our show lengths have been recently, we're like an hour over. So. Uh, and Crafty says it's not going to pop up on the screen over here, so I'll just read it on here. Crafty, is, he's got his two. You see that? He's got his two on there. Uh, or do you not have the YouTube chat up? But he ups his membership and says, thank you for the show. Very much enjoyed your take on Mutant Chronicles 3rd Edition and 2D20. You guys did a great job. Aw. So, so different from last week. <laughs> I know, right? But uh, in, in chat, I put the link to the Marvel Classic. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, 80s, 80s game. You can get all the books. You can just download them as PDFs. Oh, nice. Yeah. Then I'd have to do that. All right. So, um, for Heathen Dog, he's wrong next week. Oh, what about the coalition? Yeah, about the coalition being heroes. No. Well, I mean, there's a book called The Heroes of Humanity. I don't know how yeah. you could be wrong. I mean, I mean it's, it's, right it's in black and white. I mean, you can fight all you want. It's there, right? <laughs> Plus, it was signed. I got signed by all kinds of folk. It was, it was, in, it was in my Christmas uh, grab bag. So there I got go. signed by all kinds of folk. So it's legit. Yeah, <laughs> the people who wrote it. Uh, real quickly, the uh, I wanted to actually talk about some Palladium stuff, but we're nope, not going to happen now. Uh, when the when the uh, ending theme song is done, it's going to push you over. If he's still streaming, it's going to push you over to Victor's stream, the Dutch oven. Sorry, Victor. He started at four. It's five fifteen. If he's still streaming, well, you'll go there. If not, it'll probably be his video in hindsight. So, uh, thank you everyone for being here. Thank you for the super chats. Thank you for the commentary and so forth. Had a good time. Way too long though. So. Uh, I'm going to head us on out of here. No words of wisdom day. Words of wisdom are get a job. There you go. Oh, wait, hold on. I got to put this up here first. Oh, Christ, you ruined it. Nope, not that one. Which one did I put? Oh, it's RP gate. There we go. That's where it starts. Okay. And with that, you all have a wonderful weekend. <laughs>